so so people that don't keep current with Street Fighter might go from four to five and go like, what the fuck is even different here? It's still the Ryu. He's the wizard with the fireball. Right. Uh, and so, like, I get it. Uh, but also, like, I don't play a lot of Smash either, so I played it and went like, yep, it's another. they made another one of those. Anyway... The, I think a lot being, of people still still would have been happy if it was just like a port of the oh totally yeah. yeah I mean whatever and people like that game. well like so I'm, I'm yeah. pretty surprised that they're they're going through like and making a brand new game brand brand new yeah, yeah. <sighs> tens of thousands of chances. Uh, it's a sequel anyway I I think so whatever that game seems fine I don't know you know yeah. it, but the from to me the more shocking thing was. You know, he went to the appointment, and they showed us upstairs to the area. And, like, in past years, there have been, Dan like, a whole lot of I asked. That was the first question out of his mouth. Mario Party not there. No. They couldn't get Mario Party. Mm. Yeah. It's too big. They had a kiosk. <laughs> there, were, there were two different types of kiosks up there. Yeah. There was one that we were on that had five games on it. One was Mario Tennis Aces, which is out in a week, and I and have. We, yeah, which, yeah, that's yes. the game we were in possession of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there is Smash Brothers. Uh-huh. There's Overcooked 2, mm-hmm. which we played, which I, I, I had played a lot of. Yeah. Uh, I had played a chunk of that uh, prior to the show. Yeah, that's But a still a new announcement. I hadn't seen the Switch mm-hmm. version before. Like, yeah, totally. That's, yeah. Um, FIFA? FIFA. Dude, 19th version of FIFA. The 19th FIFA. Yeah, and what was the fifth one? Starlink. The oh, Starlink. Ubisoft. Without the, without the ship stuff. Which we what? saw at uh, Ubisoft yesterday. Yeah. Uh, ben and I saw that with all the stuff. Um, so we didn't necessarily want to play the Switch version with no add-on stuff. Right. And then they had a separate kiosk that had uh, the little Pokeball Plus hooked up to it oh, for, uh, so for Pokemon Let's oh. Go. Oh. That, thing's a, that thing's a control nub. It, yeah. feels like a, it feels like one of those bad laptop mice. Those little nubs. <laughs> okay. okay. Like those little eraser yeah, things. Eraser head thing yeah, it feels okay. like that, except it clicks in. And on a, on clicks a scale of that to like the fidget thing, the cube that I get that I got you. Mm. Fidget cube is way better. Way better. Way wow. Better. Okay. Uh, Jason did just say it was so cool, and I think it? Abby would beg to differ. Uh, no, not yeah. the game itself. Yeah. Just, just the the, the controller. Thing. Oh, okay. controller, and, and then it had a, uh, like a cancel button like on the back of it too. Oh, okay. Damn, you I don't hold know. Hold it in your hand, and, and there's a little, there's a two button thing. All I'm saying is you can't impr- imprison the soul of a Pokemon in a fidget. Hold it up to your ear and listen to it. And you go, oh, you shake it and you hear the Pokemon. You hear it cry out. Yeah, yes, yeah. You hear it cry because you've trapped it. Uh, and then it seemed like a lot of the gameplay. Well, whatever. They, you you fought trainers, but then also any Pokemon encounter in the field was like a Pokemon Go circle closing in thing, throw a Pokeball. So then it became like, are you aiming the ball and moving it like properly? And that was a little bit harder to line up than it maybe should have been. All right. Even uh, when it worked, it seems like it was probably not that much fun. No. I didn't play I it. You not, and Abby, I, not, I watched I you not, and Abby. I would not call it fun. It did not look fun. No, and that's all. That's that is the the totality of their lineup. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, is, Killer Queen on the floor okay, for the public. Oh, yeah. oh no, sorry, no, it's the, the indie case. So yeah. the Nintendo didn't even have Killer Queen, right? Um, and they had a bunch of Fortnite on the the consumer <clears throat> side area. Yeah, if you want to go play a whole Fortnite, lot of Fortnite? You can do that. That game's out. Yeah. Uh, so I just a really bizarre show for Nintendo. It's just that you you sounded like you you sounded. Very sad when we were leaving there. It's uh, it is the worst year of Nintendo's offerings I've ever seen in 13 years of coming to E3. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was really something else. It was like you know you think about the Switch is like oh the Switch is fucking banging it out man. Mm-hmm. Like all these hot games. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah. Remember last year when the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch came out and it just like you you you're walking downstairs I think all four of us were just like oh 
Yeah. Like, just dejected. Like, the most momentum-killing thing, <laughs> yeah. like, showing I've ever seen. We and were like, still in uh, earshot of all the, like, Nintendo employees, so we weren't talking about it yet, but there was a lot of, like, glances of, like, fuck, that sucked. Like, what are we to just walk out of? Like, yeah. here's the thing. Like, if any of us were, like, big Smash Brothers fans, I'm sure, like, we would have had, like, maybe a slightly more positive experience with that because, hey, we would be playing a game from a franchise that we really liked, but none of us are that. But even even in that case, like, yes, uh, yes, you're right, but... Also, like, that was kind of the game. Yeah. Uh, everything else was kind of av- available elsewhere in different formats. So, like, you're used to Nintendo having stuff. Like, it, we went last year and then left and then heard, oh, by the way, that Metroid game for 3DS was totally there. They're like, wait, what? Like, you know, and, and it always seems like they have a lot of stuff. And this was... Thin. We had a, a booked an hour, and I think it was like 17 minutes after when we were like, all right, yeah. cool. We played a couple more like courtesy games of Overcooked than we probably needed to. Like, um, all right. We played a little okay. more Pokemon than maybe we would have. Yeah. Okay. Large yeah. spread. They're, they're, they have a big footprint with a lot of kiosks. Yeah, they totally. There's yeah. a lot of Smash Brothers, a lot of Fortnite and stuff like that. And whatever. I mean, hey, Fortnite, pretty popular. Smash yeah. Brothers, people seem to like it. Yeah. Like, I bet as more people get into the show and see that stuff, like, they're going to want to see that stuff and they'll have an easier time seeing it. But just from a. Hey, what's the Switch going to have in the next year plus? I'm like, I I don't know. Nothing, apparently. Probably uh, a lot of third-party <clears> games. <throat> uh, yeah. A, a paid online service. A paid online service that, that we they, know nothing more about. That they until. weirdly did not discuss at all during their Nintendo yep. Direct just, at E3. Just bizarre, man. <laughs> just, I can't stop thinking about that press conference. That has been my day. Is walking around going, fucking wow, man. Really? <laughs> like, it's just. It's bizarre. I mean, whatever. Hey, they made some fucking choices. Sony made some choices. Choices got made this E3. They sure did. Pool. Pool, man. Washington uh, Post wrote an article about Waluigi. Yeah. Everybody's making choices. Democracy dies in darkness. That's just... He was humiliated. That's what they said, yeah. yeah I mean, he was. He's garbage. He was. He was. Waluigi's garbage. Like, like just a dump, like a dumpster in... Cartoon video game character form. Not really. They announced a new Mario Party, and it is not here. Mercifully, it is not here. You're down about the Waluigi thing, but Mario Party's here, so we're not here. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not a Nintendo a, Switch. Not a real Mario. It's not a numbered Mario. Yeah, Mario. Super Mario. It's super. Party. Which what is super? That's not. That's bad. better than. That is better. Mm. That is. Just better. think of the, the number. Have you played Mario Brothers? The yeah. Think I of have, yeah. think of the number of Mario, Mario Brothers. Yes. Which one's better? You know, I like Mario Brothers. It's quite a good a game. Bit. It's a good game, but which game? Uh, I would say Super Mario Brothers is a better game. There you go. They're calling it Super because they're starting a new uh, whatever the ten equivalent of a trilogy is. Yeah, the, the gritty reboot. Yeah, so it's going to be yeah. ten more Mario Party games, yeah. and it'll be called the Mario Party. Yeah, yeah. great. After that, Mario Party Origins, for yeah. 2018. Mario Party right. 64. Mario Party Forever. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Mario's Forever. Party. Yeah, that looks like a pretty good Mario Party. <laughs> No, it didn't. Yeah, they got rid of the yeah, thing where you're all in the... Yeah, thank you, Ben. It did. They got rid of the thing where you're all in the same little cart. Like, it's Real Deal Mario Party again. Like, the minigames looked okay. The baseball thing? Real Deal Mario Party? Yeah. Is that a good thing, Dan? Yes, it is. It is. You, you played every I've one of those played games. every one of those games. Yeah, yeah. For extended periods of time. You want me to rank them? Yes. Okay. All ten. 
They're Cross all over tied. <laughs> For 10th place. I can't At pick number one. Because <laughs> they're, they're all just all so good. Shit. Yeah, if they're so all good. tied, they're all technically number one. Yeah, you know true. You know what? No. One He's more rises, positive than I expected. There's one that rises slightly above. Two. The one with the Cowboy Mario on Two. the cover. Two. Because I like mm. the Cowboy Mario on the cover. Yeah. Two is then one of the best. put it in and play it and it's still bad. But at least you can look at that and go, ha! <laughs> fucking Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> What else? You got around. Uh, you, you saw some Ori, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saw some Ori uh, right away in the morning. That was that was that, that was good. Uh, that was that was a nice. That game's still pretty. Yeah, the game's really pretty. I keep thinking back to it and just how cute it is. So they've got a uh, new lighting engine. You know, everything's far prettier now. Uh, but they've also added like a new physics engine, and it's it's very subtle. But it's like everything that you touch, everything that you land on. Has a little bit of bob to it, okay. and it's it's That's super cool. immersive in in that respect. Cool. And he's got new abilities where you can like you know swim through sand and shit like that. So they're um, that ties into like the Metroidvania, which they're gonna double down on, I think, in in this new one. Um, so like gated off areas, you know, you have to get new abilities to traverse, you know, to to stuff. But he's like Echo the fucking dolphin when he's like flying up through the air and then coming back down and That's swirling through. It's a it's a thing to behold for real. Um, but aside from that, you know, they're they're adding new like weapons you know, as well. You know, you had your you know like um, kind of short range spirit you know, spirit yeah, blast that thing through. before, but now you've got like a straight up sword with like you can oh. launch them, do air combos and stuff, and then you know switch to like a big hammer yeah. type weapon. Mm. It's it's rad. Like they're really making changes. Aesthetically, it's still very much Ori, um, and that's a great thing. Um, but yeah, they're they're adding a shit ton of gameplay to it as well. Cool. Side quests as well, like oh. adding a bunch of NPCs, and oh. I'm super excited for it. Nice. Yeah. Good. They said when that comes out. Like uh, year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a 2019 game. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Vinny. Yeah. You went and saw Beyond Good and Evil 2. I did. What was that? It's very early. Did they like put you in front of a computer and say, "Could you draw some stuff for yeah. us?" <laughs> I got two fifty, two dollars and fifty cents. Nice. <laughs> it's, uh, I thought it was okay, good. so, all right, uh, lead producer of Beyond Good and Evil 2, Vinny Caravelle, yeah. is here. Uh, that's right, I got a credit. Uh, Great. I'm, I'm a lead producer now. Uh, I thought lead producers would pay a little more, but, uh, yeah, well. well, you know, sometimes. Joseph Gordon-Levin only has 50 grand to distribute, <laughs> and there are a lot of people going to submit It's weird, because I just so. drew a picture of him. Well. Uh, it was super early. Uh, half the demo started with, like, a storyboard presentation, oh, wow. where oh, they're really? kind of walking you through, okay. which was good, because the gameplay was very, very early. So this storyboard presentation actually explained a lot of the setup for the world. Uh, and the setup being, the two of the biggest takeaways from the setup was the people who settled this uh, solar system yes. were irradiated on the way there, and they could not reproduce. So this is a, this is a place inhabited by clones. Uh, wow. the, and the uh, workers are like uh, the mixes of like human parts and Animal parts, they are... So they're not just like pure clones. Like they, just, when they made the clones, they said, let's put a hippo in here too. So they're all basically assigned to like work categories. Like uh, the apes are like uh, ape uh, mixed with people are like miners. And so anybody who's not assigned or, or to break out of that, uh, it's basically forced labor. And to break out of that, they become pirates, right? And so the other big thing, so, so with, the clones, with the clones in the universe, remember that. The universe is populated by clones. Yep. The other thing is you are not playing as any of the main characters we've seen in the Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailers. 
Okay. You are making your own character Got it. from an archetype of DNA huh. that is in this clone repository. So say there's like I making this up, but say there are uh, ten strains of DNA. Uh-huh. And you're going to pick one of those to base your character. And like one of them, it, it, does that determine like you could be a hippo man yeah. or a yes. okay? The, the they make space. Four? What's that? <laughs> well, well, you're not customizing parts. Okay. So you're, you're basically just saying, hey, uh, from what I gathered, that's I, almost like a character class thing or something. Yeah, like, hey, exactly. Do you want to be strong or do you want to be nimble or? Uh, yeah, stuff, I don't right? know. They uh, didn't go into are there different attributes for each one, but like yeah. uh, in the demo gameplay I saw, one person was basically human, one person was. Uh, basically the ape human, you know, that we had seen. Yeah. But not that character. Right, right. Different characters that oh. look very similar to the characters so we've seen. No customization, like, you know, hair stuff or I think you, stuff I, or I think that is or... the cosmetic customization. Okay. Stuff that, like tattoos and hair uh, and clothing. Uh, and so what we saw were two players, uh, and the short of it is two players basically inside a temple running around. You have uh, a weapon you can use to shoot. And then you have kind of a couple of special abilities, and they said that's where you're going to get into your kind of class or your playstyle customization. Now, do you want a defensive shield to pop? Do you want uh, a an, uh, uh, kind of a, an aggressive move that is like a I don't know electric shot or something like that? Yeah. So you're going to equip different abilities, and that's going to customize your play options. Again, this seems super early. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the biggest thing that they were showing, or the thing that impressed me the most, is again the combat was very early was they get on their, they get in two vehicles. One's like a little um, flying motorcycle, and one's a kind of air skiff. And they start touring around the city. And the city looks beautiful. It's kind of the city you've seen in some of the more pre-rendered stuff. So it's uh, very, like, fifth element. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and the reason a lot of stuff has this kind of um, uh, India vibe is because apparently this wasn't a great creative, I thought, story reason, but... When they got to the planet, the continent looked like India. So everything kind of looks like India. <laughs> so if it's the shape, then yeah, that, I mean, yeah. it checks out. Right? Yeah, that's, the that's shape of a, an area really is what key influence in what yeah, the things are like. That aside, uh, it's got this I mean, kind this of... It's a good thing it doesn't look like Ohio. <laughs> it kind of has this aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and uh, the thing that was cool is they got on their uh, two vehicles and they split up and they went to different places. And they got into some dog fights, and they uh, uh, the combat looked pretty cool in the air. That was neat. You can get out of your you have a jetpack also. So okay. You can get out of your ship anytime you want and go search stuff, temples, go inside, get back in your ship, and you fly around because it's a very vertical space. Uh, and then they got in their ship and fucking no man's sky uh, out of the planet Whoa. and just went into pulled back, see the planet, point your ship in another direction, go to another planet. And uh, what what continent did that planet? Uh, the, the, the TBD because they did not get there. Yay. That is where the uh, uh, I don't know. Submit some stuff to, <laughs> and maybe it'll be your your creative genius. All right. So it seems like they are trying to build out. Mo- so there are multiple cities on this planet. So you can go outside the city and go explore the planet to see other. Cities that are all constructed. This isn't like procedural generation. These are, okay. you know, kind of bespoke, crafted places. Yeah. Uh, and that it will hold the same for stuff on the other cities as well. These are designed levels. Uh, this is not a game about, or at least where I could tell, exploring as many things as possible. It is, you know, a crafted narrative. Now, outside of that, kind of no idea really what else is going on. Uh, the structure kind of sounded <laughs> a little more. 
mix of MMO-ish of, okay, so those characters you saw before in all the trailers, you'll be getting quests maybe from those guys maybe. to go do something. Yeah, like not a lot seemed super hammered down. But, hey, you might get a quest from uh, Paige or, or, you know, uh, maybe... Tuss Monkey. Jade, the evil young Jade, is hunting the pirates in this Young universe. Jade. Uh, and that's about as much as they would say. Hmm. It's almost surprising that they use the Beyond Good and Evil name because no. not a whole lot about this sounds anything like that first game. Yeah, but you know that's that's a lot of games that get sequels <coughs> after. Sure. They, you know, you know what other problem it solves? It makes people stop asking what happened to Beyond Good and Evil Two. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we didn't. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of time for questions because I had a lot of them. Uh, so I think as well, the first one. What? 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 <laughs> uh, well, my first one was, and I didn't get a chance to ask it. So how many people at a time? So what, sure. what are we talking about? Yeah. How many? Is it hundreds of people going to be running around, or is it two people? Uh, and I think as more people take this appointment and they get to ask their questions in it, we will see a lot come out of what this game is uh, because it still seems very early on. Or what uh, they intend to make it, you know. That's what the, like there's not a lot, maybe not a lot there. Yeah, because uh, the, the one question that we didn't have time to ask or somebody else asked was, how many planets are there? And they were kind of like, Depends how much time we got. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of work to try and make all that stuff, and they obviously realize that. And we'll, but we'll see what the scope winds up being, uh, and I think we'll find out more. Hopefully, by the end of three E three, what is Beyond Good and Evil two will coalesce maybe more. Do you mean the end of E three, like in totality? Yeah. Like by, when we finally the, get to the last E three, we will finally know what that game is. By the entropy, by the cold death of E uh, three. We'll okay. Know. And it'll be like people, someone will go to the demo appointment and they will raise their hand and they will ask, is Beyond Good and Evil the new Half-Life 3? Uh, and then, and that's how the answer will be determined. That's mm-hmm. how E3 will end. Mm-hmm. Somebody in one of those dumb gaming chairs will turn around, say, yep. and then it'll just fade to black. Yeah. The convention center just like collapses They'll on itself. They'll start open their mouth and it'll, <laughs> that's it. Never to hear speak. Someone will say, someone always asks that question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then resets the Anyway, that's what I saw. Uh, and, and then I, saw, I watched Brad play Hitman. All right, Brad. Tell I me played Hitman. Hitman. Yeah. I could confirm that it's Hitman. The biggest problem with the demo is they said that there were like 20-plus different methods of assassination. I played the, the racetrack. Yeah, Miami. Uh, they said there were like 20 or more methods of assassination on that map. They had all but two of them disabled. Oh. Uh, they also had only one of the two targets active. Okay. So pretty and early. What's that? Pretty early. Then. Well, or, or I mean... Mm. At least Coming out in November, so they've got probably sure, a fair yeah, amount of design. Yeah. But like, also the guy guiding the demo was not from the, seemed certainly seemed like he was not from the team. He was very much about like ushering me through this very specific route. To yeah, go over here and get the wrench. And I just wanted. And you to, were like, but I need this fire. I just wanted to murder a guy in a mascot costume and put on the mascot costume. Yeah, uh, which I did, despite his instructions. Did you break contrary. the demo by doing so? No. Okay, it worked. Um, didn't see a lot different. Like, it, it was with the uh, small amount of stuff to interact with in that. Oh, in fact, you saw, like, it was kind of funny. There were, like, you would go through parts of the racetrack area and down in the pit and stuff. And, like, you would just run into, like, in-world barricades that just said, like, demo boundary. Oh. oh. Like, not placeholder stuff. Like, it, right. looked like it was in-world. Yeah. Which was that pretty funny. like a police barrier. Yeah. yeah. Um, Happy we're getting more Hitman after, you know, everyone assumed it was just dead. Yeah. Like, this soon, too. Yeah, it's great. Pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything different talk about I mean, like any new stuff. like environmental stuff um, not or? that I saw the one thing the route they had me on was to uh, get a pit crew disguise go into the pit so the the 
the one target that was in the demo was the race car driver. Yeah. And they, the lady was in the car running a race during what I was doing. Yeah. I want to say he said in this demo they had it so she would never get out of the car. She would constantly keep doing <laughs> yeah. laps, but it sounded like in the final version. Of course. The race yeah. will end. She'll get out, walk around and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things they showed <clears throat> in that trailer was her standing on stage getting, yeah. like, her trophy, yes. and then yeah. the whole stage yes. just fucking blowing up. So <laughs> the one thing All I right. can think of that's different is I got into the pit as the pit crew guy and got to some piece of machinery or something, and, like, it went to a first-person view, and there were different ways I could carry out the assassination based on what I had on me. Uh, like, different, like, just engine and stuff laid out in front of me, and I was able to just sort of pan across to different opportunities, if that yeah. makes sense. Uh, and I had... I had the sticky bomb, so I could do the one in the middle, which was which needed a sticky bomb, and I just did it. And, then, um, and you could trigger it whenever you wanted, so like they had me go up in the stands and wait for her to come around the turn and, and pop it just at the right time to yeah. make it dramatic. It was fine. It was cool. Uh, it ended right yeah. there. Like it didn't. It, it was very like scripted. Sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely plays like Hitman. Though. It seems like that would be a hard game to yeah. demo. Yeah, like, yeah. here's a limited version of this game when the this, whole point of it is, like, yeah. here's this whole thing. And especially if, like, you know, they don't feel like enough people played the first one. Like, it's a complicated game. You need, yeah. you need people who aren't familiar with it to get it yeah. and see the cool stuff in a, in a setting like that. They weren't really confirming the release. Uh, like, is it what's on the disc? Like I was, yeah, I was asking questions about what's on the disc and stuff, and he did not have answers, so I don't think yeah. that was the right setting for that stuff. They, they confirmed, right, that it's all in one thing? We assume certainly so, not yeah. episodic. I mean, I, right. I get the impression there may be, like, DLC down the road, but right. it's not right. going to be, like, the, the episodic rollout that the you know, one was. We'll, I think we'll have, we'll have an opportunity to ask those questions. Perhaps. My, my guess is Soon. everything on the disc, but they keep doing the elusive targets and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, stuff they, the whole thing yeah. is designed around the live service aspect, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think it's, they're still very much doing that. Right. Yep. That, yeah, that, cool. that would make sense. Uh, Alex, what did you get up to? You were with us at Nintendo. I was. Anything else to report? Uh, yeah, I got to see the new Remedy game, Control. Yeah. yeah. I heard good things about that. Oh, Psyops? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, more or less. Uh, yeah, there's definitely like a little bit of like Quantum Break DNA in that game, but it is a totally different premise, situation, no tie-in to that game whatsoever. Okay. Um, so you play as this woman who has these sort of ill-defined but cool-looking various, you know, psychic powers, and you are sort of thrust into the role of the director of this Bureau of Control, which is essentially the supernatural FBI. Okay. Uh, All right. And, like, it's like, it, it, it is also, it doubles as a place where I guess the government sort of like Indiana Jones stores all the fucking haunted objects they have collected <laughs> over the years. Mm. So there's like a whole panopticon full of crazy objects that sort of exist within this building as well. And anyway, shit goes fucking wrong. Uh, there's this thing called the Hiss that is this kind of ethereal menace that takes over everyone that, that works in the building. Uh, so there are just like floating people around, and then when they get on the ground, they start trying to murder you. I, yeah, I see why that would happen. Uh, and because you're the director, you have access to the weird pulse gun. The, only the director can use the pulse gun, apparently. What is it? That, 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 give it to you on the first like, day. Like, I don't know, fucking mind oh. bullets or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah like the, the gun that breathes from the trailer, that is the, that is the gun. Okay. Oh, right, yeah. And so you get other abilities. Like you can like uh, you can sort of just levitate around the, the place. You can Obviously, you can just pull objects from around the environment with your mind and just throw shit at people and use it as shields and whatnot. I have that feel, because I feel like that that is also a tough thing to do. Even PsyOps had a little trouble with telekinesis. 
I moving say, stuff in and out. Yeah, and, I can't yeah. say how it felt because I didn't play it. It was it okay. was remedy playing it. But how did it look like it felt? It snap. It was very snappy. Like the the dude was just sort of like moving his reticle over in a direction, and then just like a bunch of junk would start flying at it. So it seems like it's pretty forgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but so the kind of interesting thing to me is that so the whole game it seems like takes place in this building, which is the government. You know, the, they call it like the oldest house or something, and. The game is designed a little bit at like a Metroidvania. Like mm. it is, there are places you can't go until you have certain abilities. Yeah. It, it the place seems like it kind of reconfigures itself in various ways. <clears throat> like there are rooms you'll go into, and until you have a certain ability or a certain something, you'll just put like you can't go in there. But like once you have it, you pull this lever, and suddenly the hallway changes to something else in front of you. So do you get the sense most, most or all of the game takes place in that building? Yeah, but oh. I think that there's a lot of room to do wild shit with that on account of all the just weird supernatural nonsense that's happening everywhere. Like, I got a very Inception-like vibe from some of it. Like, there's a, I don't know, I think it's the Ghost of the Dead former director or something, like, talking to the woman, being like, you know, you have to treat it with dream logic. You know, like, <laughs> nothing makes sense. Like, you have to fucking make sense of nonsense, whatever, you know? Uh, and other than that, it's an action game. Like, it is a remedy action game. Yeah. It is just wild shit happening around that. But, yeah, it seems like they are getting way more, like, psychedelic weird with this one cool. versus, like, a, the, whatever Quantum Break was supposed to be. A TV show. Yeah. All right. Ben. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, I'm going to try to eat a pizza really fast. Oh, cool. Now, I, like, now I got a tummy ache. I got one. Oh. Well, we, the day we got here, it, was, it, it's did okay. not, it did not move me. Mine's got chorizo on it. Yeah, had, I got this one. Might have had the same one. Yeah, a little, a little spicy, yeah, but I got not the bad. one without the. There's some kind of chili on it. I got it without yeah. that. Oh, okay, yeah. I got the chili. Uh, yeah, I also saw a bunch of video games. Okay, let's hear about those. I um, guess. Highlights: uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you uh, play any Virtual Fighter 2? No, we played. Uh, I made him play Virtual on. Jason made me play Virtual on, and I played the PP game. Yep. Yep. Um, Did you then go get drunk so you could play it again? Nobody told I me I, I could have. Oh, yeah. I, I, had to, I had to go back and win. Is Virtual Fighter 2 in Kiwami 2? It is. <laughs> All of it? Yeah. I mean, 5 was in Virtual 6. Fighter 2.1. Really? Yeah. All of 5. Though. All of 5 was in 6. So basically, it's just, you know, Yakuza 2 in the Yakuza 6 engine. Um, they rebuilt it, or they just made the game again from the ground up. All the cutscenes and stuff looked really good. He showed us, like, a YouTube video of what it looked like before, and, yeah, yeah that game looks a lot better, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Uh, I played some Valkyria Chronicles 4. Uh, they went back to the style of 1. They, uh, I, I'd only played 1, but I guess they kind of diverged from the track a little bit on that game. But, yeah, it's back to the same kind of thing. You have action points and action meter. You can move your unit so far. Only back on track, like. Yeah, I died. I had a hard time kind of discerning that it was actually sure. four. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, very much it very a much return is. to form. Yeah, um, and that was cool. And then I checked out the Annapurna games. Um, I played the first 20 minutes of Donut County, which is a delight. <laughs> that game is just incredible. I can tell it's going to be kind of like a night in the woods experience where uh, I, I was talking to Ben Esposito about it. He's like, yeah, you know, you could probably beat this in a day. Um, so just a game that you, I could put on, sit on the couch, play, have a really good time with. The writing was really nice. The music was really good. Um, <clears throat> what kind of game is it? Is it just like an adventure it's, narrative? I call it reverse Katamari because it's just about sucking objects into holes as opposed to wrapping them up. Yeah, you move a little hole around 
the ground, and as you as objects fall in the hole, it gets bigger and mm, bigger. Okay. Um, and then they introduce some puzzle elements as you go. Like if you suck up a campfire, smoke will come out, and then you can use that smoke to like bring a hot air balloon down or, hmm. and stuff like that. They kind of mess with the things you can bring, or like you'll suck up water, and then the bird will drink the water and get full and do other things. Do they actually have a story and like a narrative? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? it's, it's built around the narrative. Okay. Um, hmm. there, there's a mischievous raccoon who maybe is the the responsible one for all the holes. Fucks up the whole town. And yeah. Okay. Like the, the the game starts with you like underground and everyone's standing around in a circle looking at the raccoon and he's just like what? <laughs> and so you kind of figure out what happens as he tells the story. Um, I played Outer Wilds, which I didn't know anything about going in, um, but that game is really cool. It's uh, a game about space, space exploration. You're in a little galaxy, and there's eight planets to go to, uh, but it resets every 20 minutes. And what happens as you explore, um, whenever you find a point of interest, it kind of appears on this little, um, you know in movies when they have like the newspaper clippings with all the lines going? Yeah. It's sort of one of those that kind of map together. Mm-hmm. As you find pieces of the world, you're, you're basically trying to figure out why everything's resetting every 20 minutes. You're the only one who is caught in this ah, loop. Okay. Um, so I mean, like people's memories and everything. Yeah, huh. and like you know, you, the first time you go, you walk up and you get launch codes for your spaceship. You go back down, you launch them. But then when you start it the second time, you know the launch codes. Okay. And when you go in to do the launch codes, your co-pilot's like, "How do you know the launch codes?" Oh, that's cool. And so the game kind of changes as okay. you change it. Yeah, I, I played a little bit of that at the Microsoft showcase, and I, I, we didn't have much time, and I never got those launch codes. So I oh, was yeah. able to. How was how was the space flight stuff? Uh, it was hard. Yeah. Um, they compared it kind of to Kerbal. Hmm. Um, where you have to kind of match trajectories, and, and hmm. there, there is an autopilot system if you don't want to fuss around with that, but yeah. the guy was telling me, you know, it's as easy or hard as you want it to be. Um, and then there's like a jetpack you have that acts very similarly. But the cool thing is, like, different planets have different gravity, so your jetpack will be different oh. effectiveness. Can you beat the game? Yeah, because so every, like, you know, I went to I went to three different planets, and on the second planet, I found this lab, and as I went in through the lab, it told me about how to unlock something on another planet, and then that all appeared on my little board, my oh, like cool. mission board. Which you keep? Which you keep as you okay. go. Okay. Um, so knowing that, you could just go to the other planet next time around lab this and yeah. do your thing. Okay. <clears throat> I talked to one of the developers real quick the other day, and I, th- I think he said you can kind of just explore and do the quests however you want. Yeah, he said he said it was very open. You know, you can go at, to any of the worlds in any order. Really, it's just kind of it, you know, it was like an old adventure game where it's just kind of poke and prod at stuff until yeah. you find something. Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. Uh, it's coming out this year. Cool. That's neat. Yeah. Um, what, what is it on? Uh, like PC, everything. PC and Xbox. Okay. And then the last thing I saw was Wadham for like 15 minutes while. Takashi just viciously owned me for being bad at his game, which is like <laughs> okay. not a game that you can be good at because it's kind of a sandboxy. Yeah. Like you know you but, hold hands with rocks and. Well, you should have held hands better. Right. The rocks and hands. Yeah, you like it's. Oh, you are hardcore. It's a game where you're a lonely mayor and you flip around rocks, and then you take off your hat, and there's a party bomb, and then the party bomb exploded, and everyone got really happy, but then they all said, oh, it's time to go, and they got sad and started crying. But when they were crying, it was making plants grow, and then the plants grew into new friends, and then you hugged the hands with the new friends, and then you could party bomb the flower, but then the original rock got jealous of the party bomb flower, 
and then that's when I had to leave. Okay. Is that game weird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, uh, you ever seen Nobi Nobi Boy? Or, yeah. Yeah. It, it that's gives a weird game. Vibes. Okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds real good. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to playing it in full. Cool. Uh, I went and saw Battlefield 5. How was it? Yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah? What, yeah? Did they show you the, the campaign stuff? The story? No, no. They had a multiplayer setup. Uh, and so it was their... Uh, one of the new modes they're talking about, like, is the, the attacking team will kind of jump out of a plane, more or less. Uh, under okay. the Yeah. Mm. No, and and the, there's a defending uh, team that's trying to stop you. Like, the they showed us an abbreviated version of the mode. So it was like kind of like... There's day one where you have kind of one set of objectives to kind of push the line as far as you can, and then depending on how well you do there, day two, you might spawn further ahead on so, the kind of more traditional, like, push the control point stuff. Okay, the whole the whole side, not just your squad. Yeah, okay. yeah. Your, whole, your whole team, basically. Team, right. yeah. um, the movement feels really good. Oh, it was one of the good. things. I, I spent some time talking to some, some folks from DICE over there, and, and it's... It feels very smooth, like, it, it, you know, getting shots off and just, just raw movement uh, feels a lot better than it has. I, f- I feel like, you know, sometimes Battlefield has felt a little clunky in terms of just like, okay, i got to go prone, do this, do that. You know, th- this feels more like, uh, you know, hey, just jump through this window. It'll, it'll break the glass. It's fine. You don't have to kick it out or do anything. You know, it's just like you just go. Uh, and a lot of the movement stuff was, was kind of the, the biggest thing for me, uh, which was subtle in, ta- in at spots, but, like, it... Yeah, I don't know. It, it felt a lot easier just to kind of just pop out and take shots and do that sort of stuff. Like, the weapons felt good. Um, Did you get to see any of the new squad mechanics? Spawning on squad, yeah. previewing where you Oh, yeah, I died. Yeah. <laughs> you died? Yeah. No oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you were hardcore, too. No. Uh, so did you get to see, like, the preview behind the backs? Uh, it's effective. Okay. Uh, so, like, you know, you'll, you can toggle, you know, it's a, it's a four-person squad. At least it wasn't in this demo. I assume that's the, the size. That's what it has been, right? Was it maybe five? It might have been five. Anyway. Um, so you can cycle through your teammates, your, your teammates who are alive, and see which one you want to spawn on. If they are in combat, there'll be a red banner at the top that says you cannot spawn right now because they are in sure. combat. And as soon as they get out, you can hit A. And, like, basically, it's a follow cam, and as soon as you hit A, the follow cam kind of stops. And that's you? And then they keep moving off, and then a gun pops up like a second later. <laughs> that's uh, neat. And you, then you're there moving. Uh, and it, it's, uh, yeah, that's really effective. Like, you get a little bit more tactical information about, like, what you're about to jump into. Yeah. Which was useful. How about the um, everybody can heal everybody out? Well, not everybody. Yeah. You can heal your squad. Right, yes. So that's a revive thing. You just, uh, you know, if someone goes down, you can they can hit a trigger to call for a medic. But that, any class can walk up and pick a person up. But it's very much a hold down X, hey, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Unless you're the medic, and then you've got the shot, and you just go, get the fuck up, dumbass. Okay. Uh, and, and so the medic revives faster, basically. So, so is, it, is it like a big change for that game to be able to get your other squad mates up, or does it take so long that you're going to be killed by the person that killed the person? I killed a couple of times. Trying to get somebody up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But there were also cases where, like, you know, one guy on my squad was trying to revive another, and so I covered them Oh, they went down, you know. That's neat. And I feel like that could be a big change. Yeah, because, like, who revives anyone in Battlefield? Because, you know, whatever, I'm not playing with people I know. I don't care. But, like, if I if anyone can revive anyone, then yeah. I feel like that's the different incentive. Like, I don't have to play a medic to bring someone back. Right. So I can always help out my squad. It's not yeah. like, oh, I need to play the medic because no one else is. Who wants to do that? <laughs> uh, I think that's really neat. I, I, I feel like for the way I like playing that game, which is, you know, 
with people I know yeah. that, that are going to play together and try at least to stay together. That's very helpful to, for survivability, especially since I'm not very good. Yeah, and they clarified some of the language. I know, like, because they, I asked about it because they, they had said, you know, no loot boxes or whatever, but then they had a deluxe version of the game, and the language there was like, you'll get 20 airlifts. So oh, what's that? Uh, it's just some cosmetic stuff. It's okay. not like, hey, these are the equivalent of loot boxes or whatever. It was just like, with the deluxe edition, you will get some quantity of cosmetic things that are with the deluxe version, and that's it. So is it class progression and unlock new weapons as you play your class? I, I don't actually know about okay. that part of it because, you know, they just had us jump into a demo and jump out, okay. and, and so we weren't really doing any loadout like building or, or any of that other stuff. So I'm not quite sure how the progression will work. Okay. Um, I thought it looked great. They were showing it on Xbox One. Like, it was, it was a really nice-looking game, and it, it felt good. Like, I'm not... Uh, you know, like, I was not the person saying, like, ah, finally some more World War II games. Mm. But I think they've found a way to, like, it doesn't feel stodgy and stuffy and, like, old the way a World War II game does in terms of just, like, how the combat works. This felt more like, hey, you're going to have a little rocket launcher. <laughs> you know? Hey, shoot the tank. Okay. Take on this fucking tank. Fuck it. Did you get in a vehicle? Uh, I did. It went poorly. Okay. Uh, I blew up a vehicle, which went poorly for someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, did you get a plane? I did not. Okay. Uh, you had to be fast to grab the plane spawns at the beginning, and we never got any more. Ooh, did you see? Uh, okay, big question. All right. Do you get in the plane and take it off from the runway, or do you like warp into the plane at the spawn? I think you warp into the plane at the spawn. That's my that's my guess. I I don't actually know, but <laughs> I I spawned as a tank, and it was very much kind of on the road already. Well, he could have spawned uh, in the in the tank. No, no, I, there was no one else in the tank before. It was uh, I was I was the one taking the tank from the the main base and going forward. So I don't actually I, I don't actually harder because that's fun. I I like when you yeah, run yeah. to the vehicle and you see other people running for the <laughs> yeah, vehicle. Yeah, no, this is like when you're on the, the yeah, map the menu, map. you yeah. pick whether you want. Yeah. Uh, how else are your teammates going to balance on the wings before you take <laughs> off? Yeah, yeah, true. Don't true. get the yeah. I the run. yeah. That's a change I wish they'd kind of get back to. I mean, I'm sure there are some vehicles that are just on the map. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. The other thing is, like, as you uh, play as a squad, if you're doing well as a squad, you'll earn like uh, I believe they're called squad requisition points, and so you'll be able to call in vehicles as a squad. Oh. It'll be like here's a vehicle that can hold all of us uh, because we're doing well out here. Oh, that's uh, neat. Which seemed like a cool idea. Yeah. 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 I, I, it looked really nice. Cool. Yeah. I was into it. Uh, anyone see anything else they want to talk about before we wrap it up here? We got oh, coming. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Abby and I went and saw the, uh, the Xbox Adaptive uh, controller. Oh, yeah, yeah. That they yeah. released. I uh, finally got hands on with that thing. It's very well manufactured, but it's uh, they're doing some really, really smart stuff with it. And uh, they, they pointed out that it works in conjunction with, like, you know, the co host functionality. You're kind of scratching your head too. I didn't know much about this. Oh, is this like you can ma- you can have two controllers hooked up to the same port? Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like two controllers, and you know, the, so for example, you know, Vinny, yeah. um, you know, if uh, your son isn't that great at like you know 3D controllers uh-huh. like that, you can take over the sticks, and you can just tell them, okay, just uh-huh. hit this button oh, for gotcha. fire, that one for like, jump, oh. driver's ed car, that. exactly. Huh. Okay. So it works, yeah, uh, in conjunction with that. Uh, everything's completely remappable. Uh, the thing's only a hundred bucks, which is like dirt cheap as is far as like adaptive the, is stuff. Is that just the box, and then all the additional plug-in buttons are separate? Yeah. So all the the plug-in uh, buttons on the on the back or the ports, as it as it were, um, are like 3.5 millimeter, which is like a standardized right. kind of port for adaptive buttons like this. Yeah. 
Um, there's also two USB ports on the side, you know, to simulate uh, both left stick, right stick, so you plug in like a flight stick, or uh, they were actually using uh, like a Wii nunchuck uh, control oh, okay. as well. So they're, they're completely open with third-party applications. Uh, they don't seem to be, you know, concerned with like making first-party like buttons or anything like that, okay. or flight sticks or anything yeah. like that. Um, so this this seems like a really good, um, yeah. This is my heart swelled like three <laughs> times while I was in there just thinking about like you know how many people this is going to help. I think yeah, it's pretty uh, cool. I think it's yeah, it's it's badass and it like I said, really really cheap for what it is. Yeah. So and probably a really good dive kick controller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for uh, coming by. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, some guests coming through, so stay tuned, and we'll be back in a bit. I'm trying to have better posture this year. That's important. You know, it's like you got to shove those shoulders back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You at home, you sit however you feel most comfortable. But me, I'm trying to keep these shoulders back. We're back with E3 2018, day four, day one, whatever you want, whichever day you want to call it, too. You call it whatever day you need to call it. We're here with our first night of shows, and we're joined by our first batch of guests. How about that? Huh? we got Mike from Sea of Thieves. How are you doing? Very well. Fantastic. Thanks for being here. Thomas, representing Ori. Exactly. Yeah, nice. Welcome. Uh, Chris Charla, representing hey. the whole ID at Xbox family. Yep. Yeah, and... Uh, and Dan Greenwald back here with Forza Horizons 5. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you all. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're here. Yes. And, and Alex Navarro is here as well, of course, joining us. I love games. Alex loves games. Yeah. Dan, uh, Forza uh, just trucking along, carring along even, uh, with a new Horizon here. Uh, this, this season's thing, I, a lot of games do season's. And it rarely seems like that big of a deal, but it really sounds like that this is this stuff's going to make a big change. Yeah, you know, seasons change all aspects of the game. Yeah. So, you know, leaves fall, it changes the look of the trees and what have you. But it changes the driving conditions, and more importantly, it's a shared experience. So, I, I actually, for this is the first time in any open world game that seasons change every single week. For the entire community. Okay. And I was, like, was going to ask what the frequency was, if it was just yeah. like every six hours you get a new season or something. Okay, so weekly change. It's once okay. a week, and then every time a season comes back, so like when you, you experience winter again in a month, it's actually different. There's new events going on. There's new things to do. So the community experiences sunrise and sunsets and rain showers and rainbows, and then the seasons together, uh, millions of them. And you're connecting players together kind of live on the fly this time around, like Prior to this, it was it was a lot of drivatars, and yeah. you know you'd encounter people like that. It, is it and is this time like you will encounter live players out in the world? Well, it depends on how you want to play. Okay. If you want to play solo, you'll have drivatars, and it's a similar experience. Uh, you can challenge them on the open road and win mm -hmm. prizes. But the way we're hoping people will opt in is that they play it is this giant shared open world where the entire community experiences everything at once. But there can be 72 players on a given instance together. Cool. And then at any point, you can just hit up on the D-pad, and you can partner up with people. Now you have collision, you get extra points, you can drift around. So the, the goal is to make it seamlessly social, where you're not really thinking about it at all. But when people worry about, oh, a griefer's going to run me off the road, like, they won't. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Taking care of that. That's, uh, I, I feel like that's something that is long overdue. Well, Test Drive Unlimited 
mm-hmm. did this back on the 360 in in a way of just you know obviously a much lower player count. It was it was like, but it was kind of the journey thing of players kind of connecting together seamlessly and disconnecting as they go, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just it's awesome to see an open world driving game kind of getting back to that uh, in, in a much bigger way. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. And the immersion gameplay, just sure, seeing yeah. people drifting in circles and whatever, yeah. it's just that's that's what we know Horizon's known for. Totally, totally. Now, Sea of Thieves. I really want to love Sea of Thieves. I, but I, but I haven't. I haven't had yes. my moment with it. Yes, that's it, yes. that's been the 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 thing. Yeah. I, I've I've spent not a, not a you know an immense amount of time, but you know I I've played a few long sessions around launch, and kind of rarely saw other ships. Yeah, and yeah. there was just you know it seemed like there was a lot of work to get to the cool user kind of shared experience stuff there. Uh, there's new content coming, of course. Yeah. And some has already come, actually, since launch. Yeah, of course. yeah the Hunger in Deep has yeah. been released. Uh, but then two more packs coming. Yeah, like and how, three more after that. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, how, you know, is, are any of those going to help me? Or is it just kind of like, are you catering to the people that are already kind of there and really getting the most out of it, out of it already? Uh, no, I think, I think it'll absolutely help you. I think... Generally, what we're hearing from our players is, I mean, obviously, some people absolutely love the game. Of course, I know yeah. we're seeing that in you know, the numbers that we've shared. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many people enjoying the game, but I think like, it's important that we grow the game across all the areas. And um, generally, people are saying that they just they just want more. You know, they like that core experience. They, yeah. they certainly love the idea of Sea of Thieves. Yeah. You know, they're having a great experience playing it. Um, but people just want more of it. And I think what we try to do is kind of innovate here, you know, have a new take on multiplayer, you know, build this rich pirate canvas where you've got this set of tools and you experience plays differently each time. Yeah. I mean, to have those high highs, you've got to have the low lows and sometimes those pieces and the stars don't quite align and you have that awesome play experience and then someone can play for 10 minutes and have an experience like no other. And, and, and ex- that's exactly what happens. Like, there's a friend of mine going, no, I love this game and here's why. And they're like running down this encounter. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get back in and, it just didn't happen, you know. It didn't yeah. happen. I'm like, yeah. ah, what? Yeah. yeah. And people, and like, people come to me like, like, like they want more content in CSE. Sure. You know, the, and the type of content we're going to build, we are building, you know, reflective of what we've announced um, so far, is in such a number of areas, like ways to play, more reasons to go out into the world and have those awesome adventures, new yeah. quest types. You'll be seeing things like that, new goals to go and aspire and earn, and then what we call the journey, which is kind of the stuff you were talking about, yeah. which is the things that happen along the way um, that make your session play differently. I mean, there's a, like there's a there's a reason why on the team we always kind of reference in early interviews like the idea of you know not the Goonies, a bunch of friends together right. yeah. on this adventure. They're after pirate treasure. You know who knows what's going to happen happen along the way. It's going to play out differently, mm-hmm. but they're going to walk away with memories that last a lifetime. And like, we always kind of loved that idea. Um, so the game's going to get richer across all of those areas. But you know a lot of people are loving Sea of Thieves, and I think it's around you know building more content for them, enriching the game that we have, but. Also, for people that love the idea of Sea of Thieves and they haven't played yet, they're bringing them on board. So we feel really happy about with our approach for the rest of the year, about growing the game in all those areas. So see you back on the high cool. seas. All right, I'll, I'll give it a go. I, I just I want to throw up on people, but you know, if there's not like a big, large experience around that, I can only do that so many times before I'm like, all right, I'm just I'm dragging the crew down by just getting <laughs> drunk and just throwing up on people over and over again. I'll go, I'll go. Uh, Ori, we actually, uh, uh, Jason saw Ori earlier in the day and, yeah. and came on and talked a little bit about it. This sounds like a significantly larger thing. Yeah, it is. Um, basically, it's about us perfecting, trying to really perfect the formula, right? Like, I, I, 
after Blind Forest, I kind of like became obsessive with like reading all the message boards. I listened to you guys. I know exactly like, hey, Brad was a big fan of Blind Forest. You weren't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this time we're really trying to uh, get everybody, right? Like um, I really have to think of, you know, like, for example, why did you like Symphony of the Night, right? But then Ori didn't do something for you, right? So I'm looking into that. And yeah, to us, it's really about just trying to perfect like taking the good stuff that we had mm -hmm. and trying to perfect that. So a, a design philosophy that I told the team was, I really want Will of the Wisps to become the Blind Forest, but Super Mario Bros. 3 was the Super Mario Bros. 1. So like take that same core, but like yeah. really try to perfect the gameplay and so on and give people much more choice. Like and the combat system was one thing that people brought up in the first game that that wasn't as deep as they wanted it to be, and now we go bananas with it and so on. Yeah, it sounds like I mean, like a, a, like multiple weapons Absolutely, to play around yeah. with. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of like different weapons, and every weapon has its own animations, right? Uh, ton, like the timing is completely different. The enemies are completely rebuilt, so that you really have to use uh, combat. We wanted to bring combat just on this onto the same level that platforming was in the first one. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, the weapons. When you say Symphony of the Night, and then like, oh. There are a lot of different weapons. Okay, yeah. yes, with but a lot of different animations. Time, with a lot Symphony of the Night, for example, like Alucard only had this one animation, right, for every attack. Right. So we're really trying to still improve upon what the genre has done until this point, right? Like we really try to see, okay, how can, how can we do even better? Cool. Charlie, you're out there, like, signing games, making deals, doing all this stuff, just skateboarding around the world, uh, <laughs> looking for people developing games. How is it... What's the scene like out there these days? It seems like uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you look at the stuff that we showed at the, at the briefing. I think we showed 27 games from ID and Xbox partners, whether it was the games we showed in the montage, like Generation Zero and Sable and uh, all those games to, like, Session and Tunic. Yeah. It was Black Desert. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so it's 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 this has never been a better time to like be making games or to be playing games right now. And like for the ID team, uh, which I'm part of, like we get to, I mean, we have the most fun jobs anyplace. Has it become? Has it become more? Well, I don't know. I was gonna say like more competitive. You know, the thing I heard is definitely you know like before the Switch launched. You started hearing rumors about like, hey, Nintendo really cares about indie games. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. awesome. And and like, you know they've they've been out there like. Killing it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, great. Sony's, you know, they're kind of up and down with stuff depending on what they need for a press conference or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, how, I mean, how is it out there? Is, are you like kind of fighting tooth and nail for games? Going, no, we want this one first, or is it really <laughs> just kind of like, hey, we we just want to make sure we get the game? Yeah, it's more the latter. Like, I mean, I, I know a lot of independent developers are like having great success on the Switch, and like that's fantastic. You know, get like get a Switch, get Rocket League. You know, play with your friends on Xbox. Like, that's wonderful. I mean, for us, we don't worry about, you know, what else is happening in the world. We want developers to be successful wherever they want to be. Uh, like, our job focus is just make it as easy as possible for them to get on Xbox, make sure they have everything they need on Xbox, and then, you know, as a, a byproduct of that, make sure players have awesome games. And then, you know, if people want to, you know, be with us on stage or, you know, do something with us, like, that's awesome. So... You know, like we don't stress out about that stuff. We just try and do as good a job as we can, and um, like we've been lucky in that like some super super cool games are coming to the Xbox. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and when you talk about like giving developers what they need, it feels like in the early days that was kind of wrapped up in the hey, you know, we're gonna make sure that every box is a dev kit, or or rather, like, yep, you know, hey, yep. we're you know, and before that it was like we're gonna make sure you can get a dev kit. 
Is that still largely the case? Like, yeah, like yeah, how much, absolutely. How yeah. much is the support like, like beyond we, that? Do lots of developers need more than that, or are you just kind of like, here are the tools, the tools are good? Well, so yeah, we still do the exact same thing. Like every Xbox can be a dev kit if somebody wants to put a game in the creator's program. If you're part of ID, we send you two kits. Uh, it used to be we would send you two S's. Now we send you a, a, a Xbox One X kit and an S kit so you know developers can make sure they take advantage right. of Xbox One X. Um, and then we, we sort of step back because, like, we don't help make the games. And, you know, if somebody has a problem, if somebody has a technical question, we bring in all the resources. And then as you get closer to certification, we help the developers get through cert, you know, help do promotional amplification, that kind of thing. But by and large, um, the thing that's fascinating to me, like, over the past five years is just how good tools have gotten, whether it's Unreal or Unity or Game Maker. And so for a lot of developers... The, the gating factor is no longer like, how do I get this sprite to display on the screen? It's just like, how good was my idea? And like, right. you know, how much work am I willing to put into like endlessly iterating on gameplay, which is what you, you know, really need to do to make a game great? And, and to me, we're finally, you know, I used to, back in the, when I was a journalist, like a, a million years ago, you know, we used to talk about this vision that eventually technology would get to the point where it's like, it's just about the art. And it's not, the tech just doesn't get in the way. And we're getting closer and closer to that, like, every year. And so, for us, like, obviously we support devs if they have tech problems, but, like, mostly what we do is, like, look at games and say, like, ooh, that's rad. Nice. See, I, I'm a person who has bad ideas and not a lot of time. So when Thanks. the tools get that good, then maybe I'll get into it. I keep, like, I keep almost downloading Game Maker. I'm like, you should like, do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I should just get this. Do it. I, I've done it. I'm, like, goofing around with Game Maker. I will tell you, unfortunately, Game, Game Maker is really easy to use. It yeah. does not make bad ideas good. Great. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to make a good game. Yeah. That would be... Just take too much time. Is there room on the Xbox platform for more bad ideas? <laughs> like, how can my bad idea get out there? Do I just have to go to Steam? I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit my game at some point, you know, under an alias. Right. Makes it true. So we'll see. Okay. Because <laughs> I got some bad ones too. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. We're, let's get in the bad game. Yeah. Terrific. Dan, now it, it's it, the the Forza series kind of becoming this it, it, this two pronged assault, right? Of you know, you've got Motorsport and then Horizon. Now, I've always associated Turn 10 primarily with, with motorsport, you know, because with, with Playground on, on Horizon. Mm -hmm. But, but how, much, how much of a role, like, like what, how, how much time do you spend with, with Horizon? Are you already, like, thinking about you're, like, actually off in next motorsport land, or, and, and Horizon is like, hey, those guys got this, but I've got some ideas, or, or how does that actually, how does that relationship work? Well, so the great thing about these teams, it's two world-class teams, and my role is not to say what they should do. Mm -hmm. It's to target where we should go in many years. So it's more about creating inspiration and vision for both teams. So I'm, I'm roughly equally involved in, in both teams. We have other things going on as well, including the Forza RC eSports. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. We do more things in community and the website. There's a lot of stuff going on across the, the Forza world. So my goal is to talk to the team about what, is, what would it mean to shape the future of automotive entertainment? And that creates a really nice, comfy seat for both, you know, Playground and Horizon, as well as Turn 10 and Motorsport. Motorsport's about precision and comprehensive driving and mastery, and it's, it's this enormous game. And, and Horizon is all about freedom and fun and right. the open world. Both of them, though, bring car lovers into games, and they take people that uh, love games and get them interested in cars. They bring different generations together. They bring different people with accessibility or different demographics, people across the world, they bring them together around cars and games. And that, to me, is the vision incarnate. Yeah. So 
I don't really try and meddle with, hey, there's an idea for this or an idea for that. It's really, hey, this is awesome. This is great. How are we going to create an even larger community? Right. You know, last year, 22 million players played uh, played Forza. And uh, that was 30% more than the year before, and 2018 is going to be our biggest year yet. So when I say shaping the future of automotive entertainment, what I mean is we are entertaining 22 million players, right. and bringing them into this larger car culture. That is nothing I imagined 15 years ago when I started on this journey. Do you think there's room, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk, you know, obviously EA released their Burnout Paradise remaster, and, you know, th- there are definitely companies out there that are skewing even <laughs> further into the kind of arcade territory at the, at the expense of realism. Uh, than, than even Horizon does. You know, they're, they're kind of just going all the way out there. Do, you, do the teams ever get any thoughts about, like, hey, what if we got rid of all these licensed cars and just went off and smashed them all up? You know, the licensees aren't going to necessarily yeah. like it when we <laughs> bang up their stuff. That's very true. So uh, licensing is, is, you know, honestly a large part of what we have to do. I mean, it's one of those. Sure, uh, yeah. It's almost like a technology. Mm-hmm. We simply have to be good at it. But, you know, we're all about car culture. So, yes, it's, it's a game made for gamers. You think about Horizon with collectibles, and there's multiple ways to advance your career in the game, whether it's photography or drifting or racing, all these different ways. It's a gamer's game, but at its heart, it's for people who love cars. Yeah, that and, authenticity is like kind of the key yeah, part of it all. Yeah. For sure. And so I still think there's room for things that are not always precise and they're not you know, quite as technically sure. accurate, but that connection that, that a kid builds with a brand you know, with their friends, with their family, with their father and their mother, you know, building that connection with cars, mm-hmm. that's what we're all about. Yeah. What do you think happens, you know, in the five years, ten years down the line, something like that? You know, there's been a lot of talk about self-driving cars, mm-hmm. you know, the, the future of that, that realm of tech. And do you ever, you know, if we get to a point, there, there's a lot of people talk a lot about how, oh, you know, like millennials or, you know, the younger generation don't want to own a car. Mm. Uh, and and maybe can't in this, depending on where they live and, and and that sort of stuff. Do you think we get to a point with the technology and and just kind of those types of societal changes that like maybe some of that connection with the car starts to break down? It's possible. I think we're rebuilding it. Mm. So to me, it's not about looking at the way car culture was built 20 years ago and trying to replicate that in a new generation. Yeah. I need to embrace what this generation is excited about. Mm-hmm. So that is why we look at esports. And even esports, right. we're not trying to replicate what you see in real-world motorsport like the Indy 500 or an F1 race. Yeah. We want to create something new that can only be done in the digital space to create those new bonds. You know, the autonomous car, I, I think that's great. It's going to give people more hours in the day. Yeah. Right? right now when you're driving, you can't be gaming. Yeah. So what do you think you're going to be doing in that autonomous car? Right. Playing games. That's Maybe even playing a racing game in a car that you're not driving. <laughs> so that's, that's, when I look five years out in the future, I think that's the sort of thing that will happen. And I do take a little bit of issue, and part of it's because of my role, mm. with the idea that this generation is not necessarily interested in cars. We've been through a recession. Also, a lot of the polls are done in big cities. Big cities are collecting more people in. Infrastructure is getting better. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are multiple trends at work here. But there's still a tremendous passion for cars among a younger generation. And that idea that a car is freedom, that's not dead. Sure. That is just yeah. true. It is true around the world. Uh, there are, think about the automotive industry in China. It surpassed the United States like three or four years ago. Uh, the car culture is getting bigger than it's ever been. 
It's just not necessarily the same in the United States, and that's where we tend to do the studies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that there's still some part of me that is just like, I just want to get a Civic and just start doing stuff to it. <laughs> like that's I want to get back to that. It's been it's been a while. Till the check engine light comes on. Exactly. And it's like a laser beam in your eyeball every morning. Yeah. You go, what did I do? This yeah. was it was a reliable car once. Yeah. It's either that or I go all the way back. You know, like when I when I my first car was a '68 Chevy Nova, oh. and I totaled that thing two months after I got my license because it had positive traction and I was just power braking every chance I got, just smashed it up. Cause I'm an idiot. And same thing, different car. Yeah. No. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, we we tried to rebuild it. It was never the same. Uh, and yeah, and I, I still have those memories. That those, those, it's reasons like those why I think motorsports still holds appeal to me, even as Horizon gets further and further that direction. I'm just like, actually, I just want to have a good time and you know, do all that power braking without actually destroying uh, this guy's two-week-old Dodge Cummins diesel that I slammed into. It was parked. Uh, where did he? Where did that car come from? Uh, yeah, exactly. Where did that car come from? And, and then he got home and he had just bought it. Cried when he saw what I had done to his truck. Insurance bought him a new one. Anyway, <laughs> you were there. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it was a it was a bad time. It was a bad time. I lied to the cops. Uh, <laughs> speaking of breaking the law, piracy, very serious issue. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been interesting seeing uh, prior to release Sea of Thieves. Mm. Really, it it seemed a little nebulous, and 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 it seemed very focused on the social aspect yeah. of, of all yeah. this stuff, yeah. which. Is just it's a it's such a fascinating space, uh, and there aren't really a ton of games doing that first. You know, it's it, it's like hey, we're we're kind of building the game, and then dropping some social stuff in mm. after the fact. Like, at what point in development did it seem like that was going to be the way to go? It was like, hey, let's make sure that we're building this experience to be bringing people together, and then we'll we'll layer the stuff in. I'd say probably the first five minutes. Wow. The, the core vision of the game was always, and this was before it was pirates before we even dreamed of making a pirate game, it was us looking at where, where could gaming go? These kinds of experiences that, you, that we were starting to see emerge. We were looking at the PC space, almost PC being the um, barometer for where things could go, looking at things like Rust and Daisy, and the idea of shared world experiences, giving players a set of tools, giving them the shared world, and then these magical things happening when players, players come together yeah. in this shared world and seeing this emergent storytelling. So the core vision for the game was players creating stories together. The idea of what if we championed soft skills rather than hard skills. Hard skills being um, mechanical mastery, right. mastery over mechanics, yeah. skills, hard stat points. Soft skills being the things that we use every day, things that we're using now. We're just mm. talking to each other, we're using right. our own intuition and our strategy to solve problems. And that's what Sea of Thieves wanted to champion. And then when we thought about, well, it'd be great if we could use our soft skills to have players working together, like taking some of the rough edges of some of those you know, dog-eat-dog worlds that you know, Daisy and Rust are so popular for. Right. Um, how can we make you truly feel like you're working together? And then we're thinking, well, how do we wrap this up? How do we take, take the idea of coming to this experience with pre-made knowledge? What's the right way we can wrap this experience up where everyone's going to know what you do in the world? And then we couldn't think of a more, a more perfect expression of co-op than a bunch of friends on a ship working together, yeah. using all those interaction points. You know, the ship being this piece of wood. It's not going to sail itself. It's not going to have adventures on itself. It needs those people, those players, to work together on that ship. 
point towards the horizon with you know a core reason. Everyone knows that pirates follow Exeter to where tre treasure's buried. Of course. Everyone knows that pirates who were sick on each other. But mm. no, but the, the, the idea of you know people coming with. Um, we had a guy in here yesterday that didn't know the pirates stole stuff. So, be a friend. <laughs> be a friend spin-off. No, no. <laughs> Co-worker. <laughs> Let's call him. Uh, but I think I think the. Uh, Kind of interesting, like um, Dan talking about the car representing freedom, but you know, rolling it back to the idea of being on the waves, and that right. representing freedom, and then <coughs> us trying to innovate in this space where we want to give you a lot of mechanical freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think Pirates just was that perfect wrapper. And everyone knows what Pirates do, apart from your friend. Right. Everyone knows that Pirates <laughs> <all> work. <laughs> everyone knows that Pirates <laughs> sail around and it's a sense of air crew against the world. Right. And we're going to head towards the horizon. Who knows what's going to happen along the way? Mm -hmm. And then the whole idea of emergent storytelling. It just felt like this perfect seed of an idea. But you talked about the idea of social. And this is where it gets really interesting, where we kind of realised fairly early on that it goes beyond game design. Mm -hmm. It becomes more about human psychology. Right. How are people going to interact in this world when they come across each other? And that was <coughs> around realising that we needed to innovate not only in the gameplay space, it was how we released the game and worked with the community. You know, we hired a video team about us being more open with the community. We had our own technical alpha programme about let's get this into player hands, players' hands early. And there's a reason why the, it felt like that concept was so nebulous. Because, you know, we could talk about it till we were blue in the face. You had to play it to understand what was special. You had to have those moments right. that no other game can give you to really understand why Sea of Thieves was so special. Uh, yeah, I think it was interesting because, you know, like seeing it at E3 last year yeah. and through some of the, the alphas and, and yeah. some of the, the stuff that came out, it was that feeling of like, okay, like, there's, this is really cool, but, it, you know, because, you know, we play a lot of video games. Like, at some point, there's still that feeling in the back of your head of just like, yeah, but what do you do? Mm. And... That was the the weird feeling it launched was that that feeling of, of like okay, I, I'm still not 100 percent sure what to okay I'm still we're still okay we're still having good times out here on the boat and I definitely threw up on people and then we we made the sails yeah. aim in the right direction and and like it this looks amazing and there's like ah, but what do we what do we do now I mean it's you, you know we're used to games telling yeah. us you know it's Absolutely. only been recently yeah. over the last handful of years that stuff like no, like Dark Souls brought back the, the simple idea of just like, hey, maybe we're not going to give you a good tutorial. You know? Yeah, well, you're going to work gonna... for it. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. And so I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of players, myself included for sure, you know, we've expected to be like spoon-fed a little bit more yeah. uh, of like, hey, here's the loop. Yeah. And, and now go do it. Uh, yeah. And it was interesting to like get a hold of Sea of Thieves and be like, okay, none of this is here. And I'm not sure what we're... I'm just going to sail towards this big skull in the sky, and we're going to see how... Oh, it goes bad. Okay. It goes bad over yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> now we know. It goes bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was all about kind of giving you a core reason to just head out in the world. Like, here's an Xbox spot map. Here's a merchant contract. Right. Here's a bounty mission. Mm -hmm. That We designed that to be deliberately simple. It's like, mm -hmm. here's a basic premise to go out and have these adventures. Right. But the true adventure is all the stuff that happens along the way. And I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean... The, in the sense of the core of the game is that social heart. It's, it's having these awesome adventures. Decisions around the progression system where we don't have power progression. We don't have these vertical progression systems that mean that you know, you've got to play and keep up with your friends. Right. This is a game you, you, know, you chill out, have some beers, have a laugh, um, have these awesome adventures with your friends and never have that feeling of, 
I've got to catch up with you. I've got to put in the same amount of hours of you. And, you know, the way we're releasing these content updates, you know, we want to bring, bring players to see if thieves that like the idea, they haven't checked it out yet. And I think some of the decisions we've made, I mean, hopefully they'll really pay off for us where, you know, everyone can play with each other and they're all in that shared space. And people coming in with different motivations, the players that want to have that pirate fantasy moment of firing broadside, have that PvP experience, players want to have adventures on islands, mm-hmm. all being that same melting pot of their shared world, right. means that you're going to have more emergent scenarios. Yeah. But think of, think of what we've launched, I mean, that, that foundation that, that's new and different, we're just going to keep pumping more content in, and that's what we've set up the team to do, is yeah. expand the game across all of those areas. That's, yeah. And at, at some point, maybe there's just an island where Viva Pinata takes place. What if, what if there was just an island? <laughs> <laughs> what if we just hit a little island there? Get, how about a mission where I got to go out and get fudge hogs? <laughs> just, just, a little, just a little something. Just Someone needs to steal the fudge hogs from you, though. Oh, make them vulnerable to someone's, someone's, If someone yeah. stole my fudge hog, I don't know if I can handle it. That's that's a big. Oh man. That's a loot, man. You got to get your fudge hog back. Got to get this. <laughs> I will kill to get this fudge hog back. With Ori, I mean, you know, like obviously, you know, there's been. So much happening around with, you know, online gaming and, and connecting people and doing that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, obviously there's still tons of room for just like really good, tight, single player, kind of more traditional experiences. Do you ever find like that That seems like that's a, pretty much a no brainer. But, you know, as, as games kind of get more heady and flighty and stuff like that. Do you ever feel like standing out in the pack is, is sometimes a little difficult? Or is, I mean, does Ori just kind of speak for itself on the virtue of just like, hey, look at this thing. It's awesome. I mean, to me, it boils down to I want to craft an experience with the team that we have that it's just as perfect as it can be, right? And to me, a, the sign of a true classic is, you know, can I, 10 years in the, past, in, in, the, in the future, right, can I still play that game and have as much fun as I have right now, right? Like, I still play a lot of games like Super Metroid today, right? Just simply because they're still holding up. They're still fun. And that's really just what we're trying to craft. We're just trying to craft this masterpiece where people just, you know, really feel like, oh, my God, the people that worked on this put love, the love into this, right? And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do, really to craft this perfectly, super nicely done package. Maybe something that I'm not even sure if any of you would want to take this next question. But you know, there, there was talk uh, at the press conference, and obviously, you know, some talk in the in the run up to the show, and some interviews and stuff about streaming technology. You know, about uh, kind of streaming games into our homes, and and maybe getting away from having as much hardware in the home uh, and and playing things over video streams. The technology's been around for a while. It works well enough, but it's not the same. It's not quite the same. Uh, you know, these games are about precision, you know, precision moments, you know, driving a car, precision in, in something like Ori. And, you know, like a lot of the games that you're seeing are, you know, like definitely built on this idea of just like, hey, when you hit the controls, it's going to happen. Do you think that this tech will get to the point where those games can still thrive? It's hard for me, having tried some of the services that are out today, and obviously, you know, if we're talking about, 10-year plan of the Xbox brand or whatever, you know, the technology would improve, but it's still hard for me to think about things like fighting games, rhythm games, you know, the games that have these very, like, frame-specific things, and, you know, of course, like, driving games, competitive games and stuff like that, working in, in that type of environment. When you think about that stuff, and obviously, again, we're talking relatively 
well, maybe not all that far flung. I was going to say far flung future, but we are still talking about the future here. Does that worry you when it comes to the types of games that you're making today in terms of like, hey, we might have to cut down on some of that precision in order to make it work over a video stream? I find it exciting. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I count on the technology to advance. I, I think that's just the requirement. I mean, I can make an analogy even with cars. You know, what a, that Toyota Camry is 200 and something horsepower. I mean, that, that was a muscle car back 60 years ago. Yeah. Things just advanced. Uh, cars, supercars today, the McLaren Senna we unveiled today, mm-hmm. an 800 horsepower car. You should not be able to control that. It should just kill you. Right. <laughs> that's just, that, it, that's what it should do. But because of technology, it doesn't. When I think about uh, the genres that'll come online, you know, infrastructure's catching up, 5G. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a combination of infrastructure, interface, so controllers and what have you so that we can reduce latency. But when you think about it, some games are more story-based, they can come over first. Yeah. But meanwhile, being able to have a great story, a great story on your phone that's beautifully rendered, how awesome is that going to be? Yeah. And that's where I think we'll start seeing the, the appetite starting. Mm-hmm. And then you think about all the genre blending that's happening today, all the time. I mean, there's just almost no pure <laughs> genre games around right. anymore. Yeah. Everything's blending together new ideas. People are going to be taking those ideas of a great story, working within the constraints of today's technology for latency and the interface and creating new things. And so I, I don't see it as a big switch overnight. Right. Yeah. It's just going to be a gradual change as the technology catches up. And as a creator, I think it's super exciting. Yeah, and it's also, it's not a zero-sum game, right? Like, I mean, I think Phil said this at the briefing. It's about playing where you want to play. And if you want to be in front of your television holding a controller attached to an amazing piece of technology that's, Displaying on your TV, like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, we'll get there because people love the Switch now, right? Like, the idea of just, right. hey, I pick up this thing and it's portable, it's great, right? But I think standards are also really, you know, uh, a problem. Like, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of kind of like in home streaming right now because that seems to work really well right. already. Yeah, yeah. But then you have things like, oh my God, the Apple MFI standard doesn't support sticks, right? Like right. clickable sticks, and it's yeah. like, this is so stupid. Yeah. You know, yeah. that has to still change. It's like, oh, weird, Apple didn't do a good thing with gaming. Yeah, they weird how it's <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that, that's been the thing that I think since uh, it was the, there was a Variety interview with, with uh, some quotes from Phil in it, and it, it was the, this reminder of just like, oh, right, this thing, this thing is still coming. Uh, you know, you, know, you hadn't heard a lot about it uh, in a little bit, and it's like, I was left a little shook in terms of just like, ah, but I but I like really precise games sometimes, and, and you know, hey, how's that work? But yeah, I guess you know, yeah, yeah. There, there's no reason why they can't be That's both. It. Yeah, the future is about you having the choice, right? Yeah. If you want precision, absolutely. If you want to be playing an amazing story-based game on your phone, it's like using the power of a bajillion computers to make it look beautiful. Sweet. You know, I think, and I, I know I always bring it back to cars. <laughs> Sorry, but hey, uh, I you know this, man. it is. I daily Leave drive your truth. Yeah. <laughs> I daily drive a manual to work every day. Mm. You know, the same thing's been said about manuals going to go here. I think it's really about giving choice. Exactly what Chris is saying. That, uh, our our it, goal is to, yeah. to have the genres broaden out, to have the player base broaden out, to have games for every single person and every single place they go. So uh, I, I don't think anything is replacing anything else. Yeah, it's just yeah. going to get richer. Sure. I, I, I guess I think about it also in terms of, like, you know, a lot of people get hung up on install base and all this other stuff. The minute it's just like, hey, you already have nine devices that can connect to this service and play these games, that just seems like it will end up being a great thing for, for all types of, of 
people creating games, you know, uh, out there. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're spending a ton of time talking to developers. Do you get the sense that this is something that they're thinking about? I think they're excited when we talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, I think, like, the like I said before, like where where we see the world's getting to, and I think where we want the world to be is a place where what they're thinking about is like cool games and cool experiences right. that yeah. they want to provide. And if it's a precise pixel platform game, like that's going to want to be on a controller on a TV locally. Um, if it's more broad story based game, that, like, there's no reason that shouldn't be everywhere. Sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's you've managed to calm me down <laughs> on that yeah. one. It's been. <laughs> Because I guess I think about it in terms of like, oh, you know, uh, well, it was the the quote from from Eve from from Ubisoft saying like, uh, we we see maybe one more generation of consoles and then everything's streaming. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, okay, that's pretty hard. That I just got a bandwidth cap like last year and it sucks. Yeah. Like, internet in America is not great now. Internet in Australia is even worse. Like, yeah. I wish I've heard we're one console generation away from the end since like yeah. PS One. Yes, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming through. It has been great talking to you. Uh, we are going to let you go off into the night and, and you know, actually <coughs> enjoy the fruits of Los Angeles, not keep you cooped up in here all night. But thanks so much for coming by. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank and uh, we are going to be back in a little bit with another set of guests. So, everyone, stay tuned. All right, another hour and another batch of guests. We are back, and we have got a full crew here. It's, these people are these, y'all are in some trouble. I can sense it. You especially. Uh, yeah. We're joined by Kirk Scott from Nintendo. How you doing, sir? Great, fantastic. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, you're, you're you're representing the Nindies. Yes. Yes. This, yeah. And I yeah. understand you've brought some Nindies with yeah, you here. That's, that's us. Yes. Yes. Uh, so could introduce uh, from Hollow Knight. Is it William and yep. Ari? Yeah, you got it. Yep. Okay, great. That's us. And uh, we got Nick representing Killer Queen in the back there. Hello. Hello. And on the Overcooks team, Ollie and Phil. Ollie and Phil. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so I <laughs> played some Overcook two a little while ago, and then played a little bit more today. Oh, yeah. How'd you get on? <laughs> I did. I did fun. What are you playing? I got three stars on a couple of levels. Yeah. What did you hear? What did you hear? Uh, the changes in Overcooked 2, was it the sort of thing where immediately after the release of Overcooked 1, it was like, what if you could bring the plate to the food instead of the food to the plate? What if you could throw the food? Was it just like those, did those ideas kind of come quickly on the heels of Overcooked 1? Or? That's been the whole development process, really. Like yeah. every time we introduce a new mechanic, something would come off the back of it. And, mm. and there was just a point with Overcooked 1 where it's just like, you just can't add any more. We've got to stop. We need to, this needs to be released now. Yeah, yeah, we're running yeah. out of money. It needs to, <laughs> sure. We yeah. need to cut it off. <laughs> every time you see players play a game, you want to change it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, that could be better. And like, yeah. we definitely want to do that, but we haven't got time. And that was where we sort of started with like a list of problems and a list of things. We were like, that would be cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just kept going and going. The changes seem really solid, like out of the gate. It's, it's that initial feeling of just like, oh, good. man, this changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, good. I like it's like, that. it's less, it's like, I'm less nervous because I can do these three more things, but then also way more nervous because of how it can ratchet up from there. Right, that's yeah. it, yeah. Cool. Every every little mechanic seems to seems to do that. We're always thinking about like, okay, so how does this change the way that people interact when they're playing it? So yeah, it's nice to hear that some of that is hitting hitting home. <laughs> <laughs> cool, good, good, good. Yeah. With Hollow Knight, I mean that's that's out. 
Yeah, that happened. Surprise! That's yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I was, I was wondering for ages why we were in LA. Right. <laughs> and then the out. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is that how it works? Just Nintendo handles all of it? You're just, you're just like, oh, yeah, just take we, the game. Yeah, we did a little bit. Okay. But uh, <laughs> they do the hard part. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's great. It's, we've, you know, we've obviously had to keep, keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we've been. That's the hard part. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's is it. No fun. But, but also, let's go. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about secrets. I, I feel like, you know, Killer Queen ended up being the game that was, in some ways, the most secret. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it ended up not being one there towards the yeah, end. Yeah, it was really, like, uh, when it leaked, it was crazy. It was just, like, my phone was, like, insane. Yeah. Was, <laughs> what is this? Why is this? Blah, blah, blah. What happened? Oh, what happened? What's yeah. wrong with you? Did you leak this? Yeah. Um, but man, that's so. I I am gonna. I, it's at the indicate area at the show, right? Is there? No, it's in the Nintendo booth. It is in the Nintendo. Okay, yeah. great. So I I am gonna seek it out because I have been hearing people talk about Killer Queen for some time now. But how many arcade machines were eventually made? Was it that are still being made? Are, okay. okay. Uh, we have about a hundred out in the okay. wild right now. Yeah. And and I have yet to encounter one. And and the people who have one uh, just. Or or have encountered them and was like, man, you get, you gotta see Killer Queen. Have you been to Brookade? Uh, I have not. You should go. Yeah. <laughs> so so I that it is very exciting to you know see it coming to yeah uh, you know a bevy of devices and be like, okay, this is this I can handle. I already have too many arcade machines in my house. I can't get a <laughs> huge one. Uh, it just won't work out. My no. wife will kill me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so having it come to something that is decidedly easier to hide, smaller, and yeah, that's uh. That can only be a good thing. Yeah. Well, no, we're super excited about it coming out for home, and especially the Switch is really kind of a great opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, it seems like you know that's that's something that a ton of devs are saying. The Switch has just a, been a fantastic opportunity for them, and it seems like you know going back to you know prior to the Switch's launch, I started hearing you know hey Nintendo's getting serious about indie devs. <laughs> Nintendo is out there; they're making this stuff happen. Right. Uh, What's that been been like? Well, we're flattered, honestly, <laughs> for these guys to actually really want to come to Switch. Um, I think it's a great device for people to play their favorite indie games. Mm-hmm. So indies kind of gravitate toward that. Um, you know, being able to play this thing on the plane, play Hollow Knight on the plane, it's just a great experience. Um, and you don't lose any progression. You know, you just kind of keep going with your games. Yeah. So um, we're happy about it. Yeah, and, it, it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been cool, and I guess you know. Would, would you? I, I, this was something that came up during the the Wii U. When you know, there were definitely indie games on on the Wii and the Wii U and stuff like that. There was an element of like, you'd have developers say like, you know, I never thought that I would be able to put a game out on a Nintendo platform. Do you, do any of you feel like that's that's part of it? I mean, the nostalgia and the history of that company. Like, it's still it's a pretty. It, you know, obviously there are a lot more games on the Switch now <laughs> than there were you know, back in the NES days or something. But you know. Is there still that element? Is there still that feeling of just like, man, that's 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 Nintendo? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's, Nintendo's been around for a very long time, and it has that kind of nostalgia. For, like a lot of us grew up playing Nintendo games. So. Yeah, I, I think particularly like local multiplayer games. Like I remember playing so many yeah. of those on N64, for example, and being able to bring you know our own local multiplayer game and online multiplayer. Well, yeah, we grew up that's playing it. NES games, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> At the age that we were playing those games, we didn't even know how these things were made. They're just like a magic, <laughs> yeah. bloody thing that appears on a screen. Mm. Yeah. And now, like, it's really a full circle to go to a point where we understand how they're made. 
and then we're making them ourselves, and then we're working with the people that were providing those what were almost like magic experiences yeah. when you're a child. Yeah, yeah. You're, just, you're clueless about yeah. this is gonna, process. This is going to age me a bit, but I actually <laughs> uh, did Game Boy Advance games back in the day. Cool. And I'm still super excited that we're, we're coming out for Switch, and I think, like, being on a Nintendo platform really does mean something. Which GBA games? <laughs> yeah, I did some stuff for Scholastic, so okay. it's not anything you've probably played. Like a little, like, the Math Blaster or some of the... It was uh, I Spy. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> and for Nintendo, really, it's just reaching out to these developers with these amazing games, these indie guys, and really kind of dropping that veil, right? Mm-hmm. Dropping that whole mystery and saying, we'd love to have your game on the platform, Yeah. right? It's just that simple. And then helping them through the process, which, you know, the process on Switch is... Fairly straightforward. These guys can speak to that. Um, there's really no mystery. It's just game development. Yeah, and obviously, you know, indie games have become a much bigger, de- you know, or, or, or more prevalent on consoles and handheld devices and such. You know, over the last five, ten years, it used to seem that like that was just impenetrable uh, until downloading games on consoles became something that was a little more viable. Does it feel like a very, you know, it, it, uh, you're out there kind of securing? deals and, and kind of making this stuff happen, right? And so is it a, a very competitive thing? Are you, do you feel like you're kind of fighting tooth and nail for the games that you get? I mean, or, or is it more like, hey, let's just let's make sure there are games on this platform? To a certain degree. I mean, there's yeah. some competitive nature to it, and sure. it's business. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know each other in the industry, so, you know, we all, we're all kind of friends. Chris Charlo uh, was here like 10 maps ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, it's all about making sure that you get kind of the games that fit the, the console best mm-hmm. um, and just having conversations with the developers and dropping that mystery veil of yeah. being on Nintendo platforms. You when, when, you, when you say, like, finding the games that fit the best, are there specifics that you, like, are there specific things about games, generally speaking, that you think make them a great fit for Switch? Because obviously, you know, there are Twitter bots out there saying, right. put this game on Switch, put this game on Switch, and everyone's out there clamoring, uh, you know, for like, hey, is this game coming to Switch? Is this game coming to right. Switch? You know, is there Those aren't specific? bots. Those are real people. <laughs> well, one of them's a bot. I know one right. of them. Yeah, one of them's a bot. It uses um, our database to generate the names. Well, you know, I mean, the, the ability to play anywhere and have, like, um, multiple users um, kind of fits right in line with what we did with Killer Queen. So, um he can tell you that I've been talking to him for a few years and <laughs> seen him at shows and just really kind of just starting a conversation and the relationship to get there. Mm-hmm. And here we are today. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. With, can you describe Killer Queen for people who may not have seen sure. it yet? I, I'd hate to just say, like, hey, give, give me a... You know, so, okay, so the new game is Killer Queen Black, mm-hmm. which is a variation on the classic arcade game. Uh, it's not exactly the same. Uh, this This game is 4v4, um, so uh, there's a gold team and a blue team, and there's three ways to win. Uh, there's economic victory, which is fill your base with food. There's military victory, which is kill the enemy queen three times. And then there's snail victory, which is ride a giant snail to a flag. That's Force. my deal. Which <laughs> sounds easy, but is incredibly hard. Well, snails are slow. Snails are slow, yeah. and there's a lot of people trying to kill you while you're on the snail. Yeah. And uh, then it looks, is it Joust-esque in a sense? <coughs> it's less Joust-esque than the arcade game. Okay. So in this version of the game, 
we decided to kind of make a lot of modifications to the game design to optimize it for consoles. Um, you can't get the same kind of tap rate on a controller, like humanly. Uh, so that opened up a lot of opportunities for us to introduce new weapons, like there's a laser, there's a Morningstar, um, and some other goodies that we haven't quite revealed yet. Cool. Uh, so that part of the game makes it tactically very different than the arcade game, but really interesting in a new kind of way. Cool. Yeah. Nice. You mentioned that, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, the games don't just materialize on other platforms. Uh, what was it like, you know, Hollow Knight's been out on, on the PC for, for some time. Bringing it to Switch, what did that entail? Did you find yourself, like, was it a lot of work to kind of like, <clears throat> hey, you know, we're, we're used to this PC, it, it might have a whole lot of power at its disposal, like making it run on the Switch <laughs> and, and optimize it. Was, was there a lot of work involved? Yeah, there was a bit of work, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was yeah. A bit of work involved. It, I mean, the whole night it was uh, like our first game. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we weren't that used to the PC. Yeah, yeah. So, like, right. Even yeah. the PC wasn't like, oh, this is easy. It, you know, so um, yeah, we, we we worked on the PC version and and, and released it and stuff, and it was it, it worked pretty well. Mm. And then we we spent a bit of time optimizing that, and then we, we when we went, moved over to um, getting it ready on the Switch. Uh, you know, we obviously the last thing we wanted was for you know anyone's experience on the Switch to be like less than the, right. the best PC experience. So it had to be 60 frames per second. We had to have the you know the fra the loading times like really really low, mm -hmm. um, and that did involve um, kind of going back and like re re redoing a lot of the game's code, which is kind of my fault because I didn't really know how to code when we started. <laughs> but yeah, well, well. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah, it was still it worked out in the end, and yeah. we, now we have a game on PC and on Switch that is yeah. actually like a normal person's game, like what <laughs> yeah. other people release. Yeah, it's because and we're not held together by string. Yeah, and we learned heaps, and you know everything else we make, you know, we're super keen to keep going, mm -hmm. and you know it, everything else will, will be nice. And uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I imagine like going through the process, maybe you'd kind of know what to plan for. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. For you, sure. you do this yeah. process once. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, knocked all the mistakes off the list, and now it's all good. Understand so, from now on. So, are you now thinking about like, hey, what's the next thing, or is it still about kind of like, okay, you know, can we maybe bring Hollow Knight to some other spots, or we think about all that stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. like game development is long, right? Especially games like this, big games. You spend two years on it. We think out. We thought up ten years of games that we would love to make in one year of game development. So we can just keep going, and that's great. And, I mean, it's just, what do we do? We just make stupid characters, draw them on a board, and put them in a world, and then eventually, that's it. This is like 50% of our development process. I'm going to download Game Maker when I get home, and this whole thing's going on. Watch out, because it's not that far. I'll be calling you. i got a thing here, man. No problem. Great. No problem. Yeah. Solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. I don't even remember what most of that stuff is at this point. It's, it was a, there were a lot of press conferences. <laughs> the heavy metal ass. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so Kirk, here the show is—is is it uh, a lot of you know meeting devs that you already have a relationship with, or is a lot of first-time meetings? So it seems like you know as the switch grows in popularity, I imagine only more and more people are going to want to like beat down your door and be like, hey, we got games, we got games. Sure, sure. It's a little bit of both, actually, a lot of both. Um, new devs and, you know, just kind of continuing relationships. What's next? You just ask these guys yeah, what's yeah. next. It's a lot of that. Um, we're excited. Once we have 
are working with the developer who's released games, we want to make sure that they have a continued great experience on the platform. Yeah. Um, so what's next is is important for us. And in, in terms of just like what Nintendo tends to, I guess you know every every deal is probably a little bit different. But have you ever found yourself like saying, hey, we're gonna like maybe we want to publish this, maybe we want to bring this uh, and and pick it up that way, or is it really just about like, hey, we're gonna you know, provide the devs what they need to succeed. And, it's and all about providing them with okay. what they need to succeed. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, the publishing is another yeah. vision. Yeah. So yeah. just kind of like make sure that just everyone's start, happy. Start your own rogue publishing division on the side, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm, everybody's I'm doing that. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it's been uh, it's been exciting. I mean, you know, like how do you feel about the stuff you're seeing? Is it just like, hey, there's just like tremendous new ideas out there, or is it a thousand battle royale style games? <laughs> Well, luckily with the indies, it's where basically all of the heart is. Mm -hmm. It's where all of the passion is, um, and it's where all the creativity is. So, it's great. Everything's yeah. new, you know. I mean, I could go to shows and just see something just just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, and and then just I've right. seen it before. Yeah. And you'll never see that in AAA games. Right. Yeah. Right. You're, so. you're right. I, I, it's, I get the sense from talking to a few people, kind of looking to make you know larger projects mm -hmm. that. There's maybe a little bit of paralysis out there in terms of not only, yeah, like what you were talking about with creativity and, and some of those lines, but I think like just on the business side, Fortnite has cast a long shadow that says like <laughs> a lot that maybe there's some publishers out there right. saying things like, oh, we want one of those. Right. Or there's other publishers out there saying like, we don't want anything like that. Right. But maybe we do. Right. And that it's left, it's led to some uncertainty out there. Uh, amongst some developers uh, and, and publishers, for sure, some people signing deals. Uh, do you get the impression that maybe that's... It's, well, I guess, you know, you're talking to indie devs, it seems like there's always something cool and new. Always. Do you get the impression that maybe there's just a little bit of... Have you seen any, any of that kind of hesitance out there? Not really, because a lot of the indies, like, I've used, like, the game Celeste as, sure. a, as right. an example. I mean, it was an amazing project for that team, mm -hmm. and that game is all about their personal experiences. Right. Um, and it's a you know, small team, so of course. Yeah. it's a passion project, and you don't get those with the AAAs, so I, I don't think you'll see that yeah. too much. Cool. Yeah. Cool. With Overcooked, you, know, you, you mentioned uh, just kind of coming up with ideas that you can't fit into the existing game. O Overcooked 2 is out, is it August? That's right, August 7th, yeah. So do you already have a bunch of ideas you've mm -hmm. cut from this game that you're like, ah, next time! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Things yeah. didn't quite work, and we're like, oh, there's definitely a way of making that work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just try stuff. It's the nice thing about being small is that you do just get to try stuff and put it in front of people and be like, oh, no, that didn't work. Oh, we'll do something else. Yeah, that's it. When you scrap an idea, it's not like there's 20 people who are going to be completely heartbroken because they just spent months and months working on something. It's just yeah. like, ah, we don't like it. Okay, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, this is, that's the, the, yeah, that's the real strength of being indie. You don't have to worry about like the 20 people you have to keep keep going. <laughs> you yeah. can just be like, no, we can put our yeah. lives on the line about like this and try this. And we can procrastinate a lot more, you know. We can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> often do something else. It's not like a 20-person animation team that are like, uh, so what should we be doing while you're over there just like, <laughs> playing with toys or whatever you're doing to try yeah. to ideas? Yeah. <laughs> and do you find, how do you find yourself like getting those ideas in front of people? Do, do you just kind of go with your gut and, and, and keep it within the team or do you have like kind of a trusted network of, I know some, some devs have yeah. networks of like other devs they're friends with, they're like, hey, I'm just going to shoot you a build. Can you just like check this out and make sure we're not nuts? 
or do you bring people in for like more formal testing or uh, it's pretty informal but we do like yeah. to get the game in front of people and t preferably not devs actually because yeah. devs tend to come up with solutions to problems sure. rather yeah. than just like <laughs> I, what I love is when you, you show it to like random members of the public and they play it and just like I'm bored this is rubbish yeah. and you're like oh, kids are great because they'll do that oh wow, that's yeah. fun they'll be like oh no your game's not fun they'll be like oh yeah. Oh, okay. enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh no. I know you're not lying because you're like seven. <laughs> Great. I was a really good liar. Though. That's when you start lying. Yeah. That's when I, seven, when I yeah. truly got good. And never stop. <laughs> uh, how about with Killer Queen? I mean, you know, this this game being We're, Killer Queen Black being a fairly different yeah. thing is is some of that. But based our process on, is the same from a design perspective. Yeah. It, we're all about iter iterating constantly, and so. It was a real challenge on this game because we wanted to keep it secret mm. uh, for as long as we possibly could. So uh, with with Arcade, we were just like, yeah, come play our game, blah, blah, blah. And like, uh, with this, we were making people sign NDAs and like, you know, yeah, it was it was a little bit different, but, you know, more of the same in a, in a way, too. Uh, just... Constantly iterating, every version was new, different, and um, just trying to find what could be really fun about playing Killer Queen on a home version yeah. was kind of an interesting challenge. Did some of that come from just kind of feedback to the arcade release? Were there things like coming out of that? Or I guess like do you, do you consider the arcade release done, or or oh no, be it's never done. Yeah, I was gonna I say just, I, we just released a patch last Friday. Okay, yeah, yeah. So. You know, then I guess the, the would, would you know when you look at Killer Queen Black, is that something where you're like, oh, maybe some of these changes would be something we would consider? I mean, you, you talk about things like tap rate and stuff that would actually, you know, sure. I mean, there's always the platform, like, but I mean, there's like four versions of Killer Queen. There's like Killer Queen the field game, Killer Queen the arcade game. There's a tactics game that we're working on, and like, and then there's Killer Queen Black. So it all kind of cross pollinates in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and we can't. A lot of it is just kind of right under the surface of consciousness. So, you know, yes, it does cross-pollinate. Yeah. But how exactly that happens, I'm not quite sure. Sure. <laughs> it's just when it, when it feels right, or if it happens, it happens. If you look it back happens, and go, oh, that's because I did this. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting, too, is, like, with this game, we're working with another team. Mm -hmm. So we're working with these guys out of Chicago, Liquidbit, who've been amazing. They wrote, like fantastic networking code, which we wouldn't... Cool. I mean, that was a big part of the reason why we didn't want to come home was because we knew networking was going to be a big challenge and we knew that we didn't want to release a home version without networking. So they they really stepped up and made that possible, which was great. And then, obviously, I mean, the Switch being something that you can get a lot of local multiplayer in. Sure. You know, are you setting up rooftop parties for this? Are you getting getting things in the kickstands and all this other so. stuff? And, yeah, I yeah. mean, I hope players will, honestly. Yeah. 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 It'll be awesome. I imagine that that's been, like, a, a really cool part of, of getting out there and kind of pitching the Switch to people is the, the just the nature of the device itself. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I, you know, do, do you see a lot of devs that have specific ideas that are just like, hey, we have found creative uses for just the nature of the Switch itself that the they couldn't time. really do elsewhere? All the time, yeah. And as a matter of fact, with Killer Queen, um, that was one of the things that was like, okay, we have a game that's great for the couch, right? Mm. Let's get this thing on Switch. Let's talk to them about it and uh, get it going. Yeah. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, with Hollow Knight, 
you know, that's uh, wh- how did how did you find your process? I mean, you know, kind of first time writing all this other stuff. Were there like sanity checks of just like we need to get someone in here, take a look at this, and just we, take a look at this. We, we kind of left that as as late as we could. We we kind of wanted the the game to feel as complete as it could before we got other people to play it. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that that felt pretty important. Yeah, we only get like one impression from each of these people. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, especially yeah. the close people that are going to end up testing it, and we we just want to think in. The two of us, we think this is exactly the game we want. Like, this is the game we want to play. Right. Then we give, give it to these people and they say, hell no. You've got to fix this and this and this. But at least we're close. And at yeah, least, yeah. Like, at least yeah, they can see our intent. Yeah. And, so like, and not many people had even played the game to completion when we released it. It was like, well, five, six, five, six maybe. So, yeah, it's pretty important that those, that those few people like, were going into something like that was pretty much the game. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, did any of them come back with any pieces of feedback where you're just like, absolutely not. You're violating our whole vision. Just get out of my face. I, can't even, I don't even want to hear what you're saying. It's such a bad idea. Uh, it's generally pretty good. Pretty good. One guy got super stressed because this is a game about getting lost. Yep. Like, okay. that's inherently the idea. It's like a met- classic, like Metroid style. Mm. And he was so stressed and he was like, he was freaking out. And I was like, William, is this a problem? What are we doing? Anyway, then eventually I asked him like, Oh, what do you think of these other games? Do you like Mega Man? Do you like Metroid? And, uh, do you like Shovel Knight? And he was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't like any of those games. No, nah, they're all terrible. And then I was like, whew, all right, we're good. We're good. Just hit it. And release. You know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, obviously, you know, there's going to be some things you're going to keep keep a little close here. So, I, you know, but uh, do you find yourself taking a lot of pitches from people who want to use Nintendo IP? Is that something that, like, is kind of in your... Would that be in your purview? It's not. Yeah. And yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That, of course. That, of course. That's what I figured. That yeah, there I mean, there's some charming characters in the yeah. Nintendo world. And, uh, of course, people want to make games that use those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they have a great idea. Yeah. And they're like, hey, why don't we just get another... You know, and it's like, uh, no, yeah. not so much. I remember so, talking to uh, Adam Boyes when he was at Capcom. And the number of people coming to him and going like, "I got the best Resident Evil game." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." That's never going to. Happen. <laughs> um, Did you have to mention Adam? Uh, legally, yeah, 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 no. um, yeah. Legally, once every two hours, his name is yeah. um, Adam. <laughs> so, I guess, do you ever see a situation or or any type of evolution of this down the line where? Maybe that's not so crazy. Someone coming to you and saying, like, hey, you know, these characters, obviously Nintendo uses a lot of, I mean, mm-hmm. Smash Brothers just this morning was just like, hey, here's every right. piece of IP we've ever made, with the right. exception of Birdo, but even Birdo's in there somewhere. Um, and, you know, that sort of stuff. But, you know, do you ever see a, the potential? I know some other companies, uh, I think Square, Potentially said like, hey, you know, maybe you can play around with some of our IP with some of these right. indie pitches and stuff like that. Do you ever see a world where maybe Nintendo would be open to at least hearing that out or building some kind of program? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a path right now that um, internally where oh sure, you can well, do that. it's just kind of a, it's a right. more of a, it's you a different pitch at that send point. Send it up the line, yeah. But I mean, with the success of these indie games, um, you never know what kind of collaboration is going to come about. Right. You never know if somebody from, you know, our NCL office in Japan will say, "That's an amazing game. We want to get some characters in there and they'll yeah. approach the developer." Yeah, I mean, just um, even just seeing like a Shovel Knight amiibo and stuff right. like that is like, okay, totally, yeah, it's all part of it. There's so. all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. 
do you see a lot of uh, of people saying like, hey, we should we think we think there should be a Hollow Knight. Also, there should be a Hollow Knight amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can pitch that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a terrible pitch, but yeah, <laughs> it'd be good. I'd buy one. Yeah, there, have that. There, there you go. go. <laughs> it's a, there's a business case. It's done. All right, yeah. great. Uh, yeah, there's all all kinds of that. You know? Yeah, um, I think. The more uh, Nintendo goes out there and kind of has the amiibos and have all, has all the great IP, the more people are going to want to kind of be involved with it. Yeah. So it's fun. Awesome. Yeah. With Overcooked 2, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's such a hectic game that is really all about that type of close communication. And this, this has on a proper online now? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Same online. Uh, how has that changed? Uh, I know there's there's an emote button. Is that meant yeah. to be kind of a, hey, you you need to wash these dishes sort of thing? Like, yeah. hey, you stop <laughs> stop throwing the fish. That's the most. It's, it's not even the most minimal form of communication. I think like the most minimal form is if you're not using emotes and you're just sort of spinning in a circle angrily trying mm-hmm. to say you need to get here to the the, the uh, sink to to wash some of these dishes. Um, no, I I I I think with the online aspect of it is definitely like local is obviously the most ideal way of playing because so much of it is about communication right but we had so many people come to us and just sort of say it's great i obviously want to play it locally but i have family members that live on the other side of the country or you know i have uh family members that are like serving overseas and we normally play games and we can't do this one together so for us i think that was the driving force it was like okay well Yes, we would prefer uh, our, the way we prefer to play it is if we're in the same place and we can sort of yeah. push each other and, and shout. But there are people that don't have that opportunity, so uh, let's let's try and try and make something that that means they they can still enjoy the game together. Yeah, I, I think I'm yeah. largely in in that boat when it comes right. to a lot of things uh, of of yeah. games. You know, so obviously it's, it is a different experience when you're playing over over headset, but it. it it still works. Like, yeah. still a big part of it is just the words you're using. We right. added like, more layers of communication with the emotes, I think, just to make that easier. Mm-hmm. Because we knew yeah. you, you lose some of the body language that you get. So when you're all like, screaming at each other over headsets, yeah, you just can't tell who's saying what, then at least somebody can just be like, I'm the person that needs the tomato me right here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. With Killer Queen, it seems like, you know, th- there's, there's a really big communication aspect to that, I would assume. Oh, you. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've been working on... Like something similar to the the emo uh, thing, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. But I think there's a lot of there's just like a lot of complex behavior that you have to communicate really quickly, mm-hmm. and it's just hard to do that with a button. You know, mm-hmm. right? It is really difficult. Yeah, I think yeah. it's an unsolved problem. So yeah, like, I think we've solved it. I think we've added something. It's I think it's you know it. it on both ends, there are issues because I think that, you know, I've reached a point now after years of, of Xbox Live abuse and, and, you know, PlayStation, you know, just... You like, don't like to get yelled at? Yeah, you know, it's, I've reached a point now where I'm just like, you know, I'm just not going to wear a headset anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I find myself playing with strangers more often than not. Too. If I'm playing with friends, obviously, you know, hey, you'll hop on Discord, we'll connect to whatever and, yeah. and, and, you know, get in there and play. But I think the days of just... I'm gonna see who's out there. Uh, are are kind of beyond me. Yeah, but could you imagine playing Overcooked without talking? I mean, I can't. Right. I can't yeah. even imagine it's, it. Well, I mean, you know, the, the I have not used the emote button to you know very much. I just saw that it was in there this morning, so you know, maybe that solves the some of the issue. But but yeah, I think that's that's a, a hard thing. Uh, but at the same time, as 
like a lot of competitive and cooperative indie games were getting popular, having that situation where like, oh man, I can't play any of these online. And, and that being this really big barrier to just like, oh, well, you know, I can play this in the office and whatever, but once I get home, like, you know, unless I can trick my wife into, you know, playing something that she's usually not going to be that into. She's She's got her games, I've got mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it, I'm going to sit there and go like, well, I guess I just, I guess I just don't get to play much like Nidhogg 1, for example. And then Nidhogg 2 came along, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go stab strangers in the face. Uh, and, and a whole world opened up to me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's... I, I've enjoyed that with, with Overcooked 2, is it feels like we've, we've got two unique experiences. Like, I do think that when you play a game locally, it's a completely different experience to when you play it online, but it's so nice now that we can cater to both of those. Yeah, it's yeah. only possible because we've got a bigger team, I think, on Overcooked 2. I think if we were focusing, it was always local co-op for us, because local co-op like, yeah. experience is like, she's a superior experience in some ways. And then with the Switch, you can just yank those controllers off and mm. just get yeah. it going. You can play with people yeah. on the train. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you, you know, manage to, play? well, I guess actually with it being super secret, you probably didn't. I was yeah. going to say, did you bust it out on the plane and play some? But that's, <laughs> no, I, everything I leaks on planes yeah. and trains these oh days. So. Terrified. I actually played that. I played the first game with, like, uh, I don't know, she was just maybe four years old. Her mum was with her, and we were playing Overcooked 1, and she got about 30 seconds into it and was like, I have a cooking game on my iPad. It's much better than this. You <laughs> <laughs> <Fine>. win. <laughs> cooking, cooking Mama is very popular. Yes. Yeah. You know, some, some tremendous games. Uh, do you still see a lot of interest from developers uh, on the 3DS? Or is it really kind of, you yeah. know, obviously... Yeah, for sure, yeah. There's cool. some, they, there's, there are developers out there that love the 3DS and strictly yeah. want to make games for that. Great. And we allow them to do that. Yeah, so it's yeah. great. It's uh, 3ds still doing really well. Yeah, it's been just you know there's something about the the dual screen format like that 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 just works. With right. Certain types of games just really sing with, yep. with that tool set. Yep. And then yeah, it's uh, I guess I, I'm I'm asking because you know it didn't really get too much of a mention during the the direct this morning. I think for the first time in a long time. Right. No. Like little, hey, the 3DS. But I guess there's still new models coming to GameStop and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so absolutely. It's it's still very vibrant. Still out there. Yeah, making it happen. Definitely. 3D. Yes. <laughs> and 2D. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I'm going to let you all go. I, I want to thank you so much for coming through. It has been awesome talking to you about this stuff. I just, it, it's been fascinating seeing the Switch really kind of get into the game here with a lot of these. Uh, a lot, a lot of indie games and stuff like that. And uh, like I said, you know, hearing early on, you know, there was, I was like, hey, you know, there, a couple of whispery phone calls, like they're they're really going hard on indie over at Nintendo now. And I was like, really? Wow. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's weird. Not yeah. that's, that's not what I would necessarily expect. But I guess of course they right. are. Like that's you can't not. Right. You know that there's just so many developers out there, so many awesome games. Also, it's the kind of you know at the time at the Switch release and before that, months before that, it's the shiny new thing. And totally, a lot of yeah. indie devs love the shiny new thing. Right? <laughs> they'll tell you, it's like, oh, we've been churning, you know, churning on this PC build for a long time. Yeah. Oh, there's a new shiny new thing from Nintendo. Let's try to get in. Yeah. So um, we appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, we're here to help. Well, and, and it's, I mean, you know, that's a, it, it seems like that shiny new thing, like, it seems like a lot of developers have been able to do quite well on the Switch. Yes. You know, it's not just a matter of like, hey, putting these games out. It seems right. like there's 
a very genuine and real appetite for this type of content on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, we were really happy early on to know that uh, the porting of the games and the creation of the games happened. They were really able to iterate really quickly yeah. um, and get things on screen and get things running really quickly, and everyone was pleasantly surprised. So, Four kinda, hours. Four hours for... Four hours. Four hours. To get yeah. from nothing to be on Switch. To get nothing from nothing to getting it, like, not perfect, but <laughs> right. yeah. running. Yeah. 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 Sure. On screen right. and kind of controllable. So. Yeah. We're happy to hear that, and, you know, it's fun. All right. Well, I'm going to clean up my <laughs> pitch here, this design doc. Don't take out the S's. Though. Yeah, you love okay, the Okay, yeah, we'll right. <laughs> Definitely the S's, and then I think that's... That's the key feature. Kojima with the umbilical cord to yep. big Vegeta. Right, yes. Yeah, and that's good. It's not like that. And then Cheetos are not chips. I disagree with that, but that's, okay. you know, the, the doc is pure, and I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> uh, right. That's a condition. But we'll, we'll, get that, we'll get that cleaned up, right. erase that part over there that's just disgusting, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll download Game Maker and we'll get it going. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for coming out, everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll be back shortly with some more guests. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. This is night one of Giant Bomb's E3 2018 coverage. You thought we were watching anything else? <laughs> Turn to the... No, don't turn... Stay right here with us. What am I even saying? We've got another couch and chairs full of guests. Joining me this time is Warren Spector. Sir, hello. Hi there. Welcome. Mm. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Joe Fielder here as well. Good Hi. to see you. Yeah. It's great to see Joe Fielder. He's always <laughs> fantastic. See Joe Fielder. Anna McGill is here, uh, representing Control. I am here, yeah. and I'm, I am looking at Joe Fielder, yes. It's yeah. That's, great to see him. <laughs> We're all looking at yeah. Joe Fielder. We see him because it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Bartholo, are you looking at Joe Fielder? I am. I always look up to Joe Fielder since he was my editor at GameSpot. Yeah. Uh, just like you. Yeah. That's, we, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into this Chrono Cross business. And Earl, it's Wheelbarrow. It's not Wheelbarrow. What, Earl, what is your last name? Kirchwagen, if you want to be Austrian okay, about it. Okay, great. And I would love to be Austrian about it. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, and you're both representing Lab Zero back mm -hmm. there. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. So Underworld Ascendant, let's start there. Sure. Um, I got a chance to see a little bit of it about, I guess it was about a month ago now. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had talked to you during GDC, Joe, a little bit about it, and it seems uh, like there are a whole lot of different ways to attack these problems that you've built. Uh, it's like, got to be a hard game to build. It <laughs> is. It is. Uh, there's a reason why a lot of people do the sort of like one-way-to-play, thrill-ride sort of games. Uh, giving player choice, uh, it's a lot to tune. There's a lot to polish. There's a, there's a lot. So, yeah, but it's uh, it's really fun to see people actually embrace it and come up with solutions that you've never thought of, which was our day to day. It was great. Yeah, and 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 Warren, obviously, you know, you have something of a history with the style of game. Uh, yeah, I've been around the block on the yeah. immersive sim thing a couple of times. Yeah, and you know, when when the immersive sim was was kind of first being formed, it seems like you know the limitations of technology must have been significantly different then. Yeah, what we called physics was pretty amusing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we had 2D sprites <laughs> in a 3D world, and looking up and down was totally fake. Yeah. 
you know, we uh, we thought it was a good idea to use every key on the keyboard as part of our interface. Sure, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? They're there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. might as well use them all. Yeah. Uh, that That's sophistication when you use every key. <laughs> when you have to uh, provide a, a, a piece of paper, uh, like a cardboard to go around, a little overlay for the keyboard. We weren't smart enough to oh, do that. That's for flight sims. <laughs> yes, they, yeah. were, they were the smart ones. We were the, we were the dumb ones. <laughs> So how's the game been coming along? Uh, you know, what what are you showing at the show? You, you've been doing demos for most of the time. Yeah, yeah, all day was uh, demos. Uh, the 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 third level into the game is a few hours into the game, and it's a, a demo where we give the player a number of skills and abilities that they may have already picked up at that point, uh, and they have a, a quest to uncover an object of intrigue. Uh, a, Memora, it's kind of a captured memory. It's uh, kind of like a pensive in uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> and uh, it has secrets that may alter the balance between the, the rival factions. There's sort of a Cold War going on uh, between the three rival factions. And that is the goal, and then any way that you do it is up to you. And the game pushes you to uh, uh, really engage with all the skills and the abilities and uh, the uh, uh, systems within the immersive sim, the environment, and rewards you for creativity. So, Cool, cool. Anna, now yeah. your <laughs> control was just announced. Yes, up just until, last night. Yeah. Up until about 24 hours ago, it was just P7. It was the very mysterious. Yeah. It was always referred to as the mysterious P7. <laughs> we had a lot to live up to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I control yeah. seems like a, a pretty solid name. Yeah. Uh, now you are. Is it narrative designer? I'm a narrative lead. Narrative lead. Yes. Okay. So, uh, what does that? Uh, what is your day to day? Is it kind of like, hey, you know, we're making sure that the story matches the action, like that sort of stuff, like um, crafting the entire story, like. Um, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of collaboration in games generally. Um, yeah. So Sam Lake is our creative director, and it's sort of his vision. And my job is to make sure that the narrative and the writers and the designers and everyone who touches the story all stays on the same page, and we, we stick to Sam's vision and, and realize it and make the game that we want to make. You want a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could use I have one. <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> uh, now, it seems like, uh, from you know, it, it seems like the game's quite early. Uh, you know, it is. Yeah, yeah, at this point. Yeah. And, but, but still a, a killer trailer. Thank you. And yeah. it's... It rem- some people take this, might take this, but it reminds me of a game called PsyOps that Midway did some... I've seen people reference yeah. that on Twitter, yeah. And um. PsyOps was just, it, it was, you know, it was a while ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, your capabilities with telekinesis mm-hmm. and such were a, a little limited, but mm-hmm. it had the feel back then. Mm-hmm. And, and this looks, it looks like it's very fast between like, hey, I'm going to, you know, do some shooting, do some powers, mm-hmm. like that sort of mm-hmm. back and forth. Is that a goal to kind of like, you know, build like a, almost like a combo system or something. Uh, very much the, the abilities and the weapons are meant to be used together. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, we have what we call a flexible supernatural um, combat system. So you, in the demo that we've been showing to the press, um, Jesse has these skills called launch and shield, which are telekinetic abilities, and she can also levitate. And she will use those very creatively, not just to navigate during a fight, but to also, like, launch pieces of the environment at the people she's doing it, uh, she's fighting against. And she also has um, the director's gun, which is a service weapon, and it's taken many forms throughout history. It's an ancient artifact, an object of power, 
um, and only the rightful director can wield this weapon. Um, and in this era, it happens to, to take the form of a service weapon. But it is very much meant to be used in tandem with um, the shield and, you know, all the other um, skills that she has. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and, and you know, it sounds like the, a lot of the game is going to take place kind of inside. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of the building. It's the oldest house. The oldest house. Yeah. yeah um, which is the headquarters of the Federal Bureau of Control. Um, and it is this mystical, um, what we're calling a world within a location. So from the outside, it looks like this stark, brutalist tower in Manhattan. But inside, it's very, very different. And it's constantly shifting and moving and rearranging and opening up new areas. And um, it's been invaded by an otherworldly force called the Hiss. And uh, so, of course, things are kind of chaotic at this point. And so Jesse has to wrest control of the oldest house back from, from these invaders. And that's pretty much what the game is about. The yeah. Hiss is such a cool name. Yes, thank yeah. you. I will tell Sam he said that. <laughs> uh, Indivisible. Yeah. This uh, when this was, when Indivisible was described to me, uh, I was like, oh, well, that sounds interesting. Maybe not necessarily my sort of deal. That kind of <laughs> like the, the, as the combat. I was hearing more and more about the combat. Yeah. And I finally just got a chance to try it about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and. I was really amazed with how easy it was to pick up and kind of get into. Also, the speed at which you get into and out of combat. Yeah. Um, where did the idea come from for, for like merging this sort of you know platformer action adventure yeah. sort of thing with that kind of more role playing ish sort of system? Yeah. So we were going around pitching games to publishers, and uh, you know we were spoke to one publisher and said, well, we'd like something kind of like Child of Light. So we all played Shadow of Light, and like, okay, well, this is basically a platformer RPG. Mm. And, uh, you know, we thought about it, and it's like, well, Valkyrie Profile is a platformer RPG, and that's, like, one of our favorite games. Yeah. And it has an awesome battle system that is really good for a fighting game development <laughs> developer to, <laughs> to uh, work on. So, uh, yeah, it kind of came from that. Um, and then just kind of throughout the story, as we were developing that, and just the world and all that, it kind of gradually expanded into a Metroidvania with a Japanese, yeah. with a Valkyrie Profile-style battle system. Yeah, that, that's where it, it, it like became this very striking thing, playing like, oh man, okay, there's just this like, mm -hmm. you know, this deeper kind of Metroidvania sort yeah. of thing, but that combat, like, it, like I said, you know, you know, I, I'm not like the biggest role-playing game guy. I kind of, you know, yeah lost time for it, but mm -hmm. there's something about that style of combat. Oh, it's uh, very fun, and like, um, you know, we have really good combat designers, obviously, uh, specifically Mike, who's not here. Yeah. Um, Earl also, though. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, fighting games are a thing, and like, that definitely helps, and um, I don't know, we have 25 playable characters, they all are pretty unique, they have some unique gimmicks and mechanics in them, and stuff like that, so I think we've got something that has a lot of depth in it, and more than just, like, attacking, but, you know, we've got weird mechanics for healing and things like that that right. we're exploiting, like, yeah. in the battle system. It's very streamlined, but also deep. Yeah. Cool. With Underworld, you know, you've got these... Uh, you've described it as, like, you know, it's basically kind of as, as big as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Kind of, uh, like, a, like a little a little smallish in some ways, maybe. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Well, I mean, I think uh, you know a lot of modern RPGs are, are really have a sort of focus on tourism. These you know miles and miles of, of game world to explore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, guilty. 
<laughs> we're, we're really trying to have a very focused space that's very replayable. So the world as a, a degrading world state, like a Doom Counter, like an Elder Tor, mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, and as that's happening, happening, uh, uh, the environment is getting worse. Creatures from the lower abyss are crawling up. So basically, every time you return to an area, uh, and you know, for a new quest. You have new challenges, new opportunities, uh, and it'd be very, very different. And the game is also really pushing you to vary up how you're playing it, so uh, you're constantly discovering new things. Uh, and there's a there's also a sense of uh, I wouldn't say a, not a procedural sense, but sort of designer curated variety. Uh, you know, the designers have uh, placed in different movement options, different uh, challenges. So really, every time you you play, it can be very different and we're really trying to make it so you can play the game multiple times over again and stories reacting to your choices and you just have a unique experience every time. Mm. So, yeah. Not ambitious at all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Warren, you seem like a, a busy guy. <laughs> you know, you've obviously been doing a ton of stuff over the years. Like, what, what, mm -hmm. what is your... Like, like, how involved is your role here with Underworld Ascended? Are you, like, on it every day? Are you kind of, like, checking in? Or are you I, just, like... Not every day. Okay. You know, I play uh, uh, the build as often as I can. I, I have a full-time gig making System Shock 3 right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I play a build probably, you know, once a week, I guess, mm -hmm. and read a bunch of docs, and Joe and I talk a lot, and uh, mm -hmm. I, give, I give feedback that he rightly ignores. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I provide mm -hmm. a lot of feedback and, and help where I can because I've, I've kind of worked on this kind of game. Right. Uh, yeah. Many times before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and how would you, like obviously having having worked on this style of game many times before, like how do you feel about the the evolution of this stuff? It, it seems like the immersive sim, it waxes and wanes a little bit. Yeah. You know, it'll kind of it'll come back into vogue for a little while, and then you know people might get a little tired of it. Or maybe the wrong stories are being told, and it'll kind of yeah. get downtrodden and. And, and come back again. Uh, how are you feeling about it? These uh, days? I'm totally psyched right now. I mean, the, first of all, there are a bunch of people making games like this now. Uh, when when we were working on the original Underworld and, and System Shock, uh, and even even in the Deus Ex days, a little bit later, um, we, we used to look at each other and say, why isn't everybody making games like this? <laughs> this is so obviously the right way to make games and the yeah. right kind of game to make. And nobody paid any attention to us. You know, I, I often say I'm the king of the cult classics. Mm -hmm. um, but now you've got, uh, heck, you've got Nintendo making, you know, mm. open world immersive simulation type games and showing yeah. that there's a, a huge audience for it. Uh, you've got Arcane. You've got, uh, you know, the ZeniMax Studios. You've got uh, all sorts of people making games sort of like this. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm totally psyched because it means there are more games for me to play. Yeah. Totally, yeah, and it, it seems like you know, like genres just continue to blend. I, you know, we think about like the, yeah, you know, when I started reviewing games, you know, back in the '90s and stuff. Like back at GameSpot, mm -hmm. we had a very rigid system of genres. There were seven, <laughs> and you <laughs> fell into one of those seven genres. We're done here. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well, and and. and now, you know, uh, it seems like between the way Call of Duty brought XP to first-person shooters in a huge way and, and, you know, everyone brought in elements of RPGs and stuff mm -hmm. like that, it, it really feels like, you know, there's room for more of these types of elements, even in games where you wouldn't necessarily expect. You know, games that don't necessarily, you wouldn't consider them to be like a pure immersive sim 
we're still seeing little bits and pieces, whether it's down to just like, oh, we decided to work in some choice uh, or, or have some consequences here. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, part of the reason uh, Deus Ex exists is because I wanted to see what would happen if you took uh, some role-playing elements, some shooter elements, and some stealth elements and just jammed them together, just yeah. mashed them together yeah. and see what happens, you know? I knew we were going to end up with... Well, I, I thought, anyway, <laughs> we were going to end up with something that was unique and, and wonderful, you know. And I don't know about the wonderful part. Other people need to decide that. Mm. But we ended up with something unique just by taking those three genres and saying, mm. you know, if you want to play as if this were a shooter, go ahead and do it. You know, if you want to play this as a stealth game, go ahead and do it. If you want to play this talking your way through the entire game mm -hmm. uh, and building your character the way you would in a role-playing game, go ahead and do it. And with Underworld Ascendant, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's... It's not about you're on rails or on a roller coaster. It's about how do you want to play the game? What is the experience you want to have? Mm -hmm. You know, you find your own fun to some extent. Um, I want to parlay with this tree monster and convince them <laughs> to just to let me go. Might be a step too far. Ah, I, yeah. I wouldn't right. try that if I were you. Okay, okay. all right. But, I tried uh, to give it a go in the demo. It did not go well. No. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I, no, I'm just, no, I'm getting killed here. Okay, this is... This. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Underworld Ascendant, the thing that, that I'm, well, one of the many things I'm psyched about is it's, it's a game, I, I, I think of it as uh, an inch wide and miles deep, mm -hmm. as opposed to a lot of open world games, which are an inch deep and miles mm -hmm. wide, you know? Sure. And they both have their strengths and weaknesses, but I I'm personally much prefer the smaller setting mm -hmm. where you can go in and play it over and over and over and over again uh, and explore the depth of the systems and the the depth of the world, and that's kind of what Underworld Ascendant is all about. With Control, mm. uh, you know, mm. it's obviously like Remedy has this just huge reputation for, you know, kind of the, the way it weaves story into yeah. games. Mm. You know, Quantum Break was ambitious, you know, mm -hmm. for, for its use of just trying to be, I mean, things a damn TV show. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Uh, for better or worse. Uh, and. Mm. Will control have you know like is will control be like a more traditionally told narrative or something a little closer to something like Quantum Break? Um, or so it will have fewer cinematics than okay. Quantum Break. We did listen to feedback from the fans um, and and took it to heart. Um, and so um, while we do have cinematics in Control, they are not. It's we're not going to have a tie-in TV show or, you know, it's not going to be a playable movie or anything like that. But will there be a TV show on some TVs in the environment that I can, I mean... It could happen. Okay, maybe. I'm not maybe saying, I'm not saying no. That's mm. like, um, I mean, it's sort of a remedy tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we didn't have it, there'd be an outcry. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, what we are trying to do, though, is do more storytelling out in, in our world. I mean, we have this really incredible environment and we are trying to weave together um, a story that isn't just sort of the traditional, you get on rails and we take you from start to finish, yeah. and you know, and you play some along the way. We're going to let players experience the story um, through their adventures, through the combat, through exploring the house, and through meeting these characters that they encounter in the world, um, and have it come together that way. And I, I think that's a departure for Remedy. And mm -hmm. um, we're also going to be very creative with our use of the cinematics that we do have. And we're going to, I mean... Remedy is all about pushing the envelope and trying new things. And we're always trying to narratively do something that's a little unusual and that we yeah. don't see anyone else doing. And so there will definitely be some of that in this game as well, um, taking some risks and trying some new things. Cool. Cool. That's, that sounds very intriguing. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm tempted to grill you on it, but at the same time, like, <laughs> the game is early enough that it's like, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to get 
full hard detail. I'm afraid not. On no. all of these systems. I think someone would like leap out of the couch and drag me from the room. That's, you know, <laughs> be careful with this couch. There's, there's a next door. I have a the history, yeah. I, I imagine. Uh, with, uh, with Indivisible, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there is that kind of action element to it as well. But, yeah. you know, I, I just, the art style just really stuck out to me. And, and also the little bits of story in the demo seemed really appealing out of the gate. Um, yeah. Can you talk about the story a little bit? Like, kind of what, what the... It's the really hard to go into the story without, like... <laughs> like, we have, like, our, our boilerplate overview of the story. Sure. It's, like, kind of all we can really do because it immediately gets kind of into spoiler territory if okay. we get out of it. Right. But, uh, I mean, you play as Ajna. She's a young girl who kind of grows up in this backwater uh, village. Um, and warlords attack her town. And during it, she discovers she has this ability to absorb people and store them in her mind and then manifest them at will. Which is basically the conceit for why there's one person on the field doing platforming and people sure. pop out. Right. Um, but it actually kind of ties into a bunch of other things like systems that we have. Um, so yeah, she chases after the warlord, but along the way kind of learns more than she bargained about herself, about the world and other things around her. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, very much it's the story of somebody who's lived, lived kind of like a sheltered life and then like goes and sees the world and like learns a lot. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about video game reviews. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. 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 So for people who don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> Joe and I worked together at GameSpot for a very long time mm-hmm. uh, and Peter wrote a lot of reviews for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Time. I'm trying to piece it together because I, and I, I think we probably need Christian here to actually have this conversation. Yeah. I, he, I believe he reviewed Chrono Cross. It was Andrew Vestal. Oh, it was Andrew Vestal, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And there was a fight. There was a fight. Andrew <laughs> Vestal turned in that review, gave it a 10, which back then was not something that happened very often at GameSpot, I think. Mm-hmm. I, not too, there was not Ocarina of Time, yep. and yeah, there, there were not that many. And I remember it was a case where that Chrono Cross review came in, and none of us had played Chrono Cross. And so we like, it was the import review. Yeah, it was the import review. Right. Andrew and I did a lot of import reviews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which publishers hated uh, because then we wouldn't re-review it when the U.S. version came out. So it was not new. It was not us newly pointing people to the fact their game was out. Capcom especially was just like, ugh. Um, so we turned to you and said, like, Hey, can you read this Chrono Cross review and tell us if you think it's on the level? And I remember it. <laughs> This will sound crazy. Uh, I, I remember you coming back saying, yeah, no, totally, 10. Yeah, absolutely. And then we ran the review. I think I'd sent an email to you saying, so you think it's perfect then? And we ran the review, and then you wrote back after the review got live and said, I, didn't, I don't think it's perfect. And it was well, this I, moment of I, like... I just take issue, I always took totally, issue you're right. with no, the word perfect. You are so right. Like, <laughs> you were so right, but I didn't... We did I don't think... We had a lot of had a system. We had a lot of arguments about the word "perfect." Yeah, specifically, I remember having these uh, phone calls with Joe about it. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It was uh, a yes. Game reviews, I think, have evolved a lot since then. Definitely, Uh, but that was a time when I think we were definitely under the like. Yeah, we wrote "perfect" under the under the ten specifically to make it very hard to get them. So I don't know if you're aware of the other stuff with this game and the reviews of it. So I believe Andrew Vessel got death threats for giving Chrono Cross a 10. Um, because how could you possibly give 
this thing that's not Chrono Trigger 2 a 10. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. And then, like, later it comes out, and um, I think it was Greg Seward, EGM, reviewed it and gave it a 9.8, and he was getting death threats for not giving it a 10. Yeah. And it's like, well, gee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the same era where I think I was getting... If everyone had given it a 9.9, <laughs> it would have been... Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no. There's, no, there's that word. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ah. No, that was the era when I think I someone had sent me my home address over a Dreamcast review oh, no. and said, hey, I'll see ya. Oh. <laughs> like, ah, cool. Great. Yeah. Fun times. Fun yeah. I just, I, the, that story has come up on our podcast a few times, and I, it's been a while since yeah. we've spoken to you in any capacity, so mm. I just wanted to get your side of, of that. Yeah, no, we've we thought about that stuff a lot. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of bitter that you overwrote my Majora's Mask review. <laughs> <laughs> I did, so I probably, yeah, I guess I did, didn't I? Yeah. Like, you, you probably did the import review, right? Yeah, I did the import review. You probably liked it a lot more than I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also disliked Ocarina of Time more than you did. Um, so I, so you're wrong twice, then. Okay. This so, so I felt that I was settling the score There's about Zelda in general. Here, Warren. <laughs> so I felt I was settling the score about N64 Zeldas in general. Mm. And then you're like, no, no, no. I'm giving this an eight or whatever. And like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, and that was your prerogative because you were my boss, but <laughs> and I was a freelancer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That's you know. But that was just meant a very different thing back then, and well, there are definitely things I look back on now and go, "This was ridiculous." Also, everything comes out here now, right? So cool. there really is, and it's almost always simultaneous, yep. or it's at least close enough that there's no point in doing an import review, right? So like that whole thing doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, there was a there was a, a collection of freelancers who got by with mod chips and knowing Japanese. Yeah, and it, it, I made a lot of money off of it. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> it's, it's, there's just no. Um, uh, I also later found out that uh, Sony plagiarized my Grandia review for their review guide for the PlayStation version, which that was kind of fun, having oh, that call. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you lifted a bunch of stuff word for word for my review. And they're like, hmm, your point? And it's like, people are watching. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> don't do that. You mean, send me $85? I don't know. Yeah. But that was also like Molly Smith Sony, which is like the area nobody talks about anymore. <sighs> she was the one who told me that the Killzone trailer was real. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm seeing a slander case in your future. Huh? Oh, gosh. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so System Shock 3, you did mention it there. Uh, Uh-oh. Is Shodan in it? <laughs> Can you play as Shodan? Is Shodan DLC? <laughs> No, how, how... Pretty interesting idea. <laughs> oh, no. What have you uh, done? How's it going? Uh, it's going well. <laughs> no, it, it, it's just too early to be talking too much about yeah. System Shock 3. I of mean, course. What, what I will say is Showdown will be in the game, I promise <gasps> you, and Citadel Station is going to be in the game, though perhaps not in the form people expect. Uh, I can say that much. Uh, anything more, and I think lots of people are going to dogpile. I'm going to get dragged off this. Path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how it goes. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's going to tell a cool story. It's going to be uh, in the same sense that Underworld Ascendant is about player expression and player creativity. That's, yeah, that's what we're going for. Right. Uh, the, the whole immersive simulation thing is, is kind of. 
kind of what we do. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Did you think back then that that would become the thing that you were like kind of best known for, and that you'd still be, or, or that you'd find a way back to System Shock? Uh, I never expected to find my way back to <laughs> System Shock. Yeah, I have to say that the fact that people still care about something that that originally came out in 1994 is just it's ridiculous to me and and wonderful, but it's it's crazy. No, I never would have yeah. thought that. It's, it's uh, System Shock and Snoop Doggy Dogg's first album, 94, was a banner year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm so proud. Um, no, but I, I I always knew that I would not get back to, but always stick with uh, Immersive Simulation. Just, I mean, I, I always tell publishers and people who are interested in funding my games, not that there are a lot of them, um, but I always tell them, you know, this is what I do. I have no interest in doing anything else. Yeah. Uh, and if it ever transpired that I couldn't make games like this, like, you know, System Shock and Thief and Deus Ex, uh, I just stopped making games. I mean, I just have no interest in doing anything else. Yeah, that's that's cool. It, it's cool to kind of know what you're in for and where your line is, right? Yeah. Well, I got a, I, I wrote a mission statement many years ago. It was it was 12 pages long. And no one would read it. I mean, no one, no one in the video game business will read 12 pages. So I wrote an eight-page version, and no one would read that. And I wrote a four-page version, and then a two-page version, and a one-page version, and a one-paragraph. I couldn't get anybody to read a damn thing. So finally, I just summed it up in two words. I said, play style matters. How you decide you want to play is the important thing, you know? Mm. And people actually read that. So uh, <laughs> those are the games I make. Play style matters. Cool. What's uh, you know what can we say about release time frame for Underworld? Uh, we are ascended at this point? targeting September. September, okay, yep. that's pretty soon. Yep, yep. We have uh, a backer uh, a demo coming out very soon. We're going to get a lot of uh, great feedback from that. We're really looking forward to that. That is uh, the what we have here uh, today, E3, and also uh, the level that we had at uh, PAX East, which is kind of our intro untraining level because in our game torches are actually real things and doors are things that you can interact with as opposed to hiding loading screens and yeah. we have to kind of break people of bad habits from other games and kind of teach them there's a logic based a series of logic based systems like and, hey maybe you could just yeah. set this door on fire yeah. or yeah. break but through it, might, it or but it might cause a noise and invite you know creatures and yeah. things like that and you can quench torches with water they're not fake they're real torches. <laughs> yeah. And as for control, I mm. mean, obviously the game just got announced. So, I mean. Next year? Uh, next 2019? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So not that long of a wait. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you been on it? Um, I just started last summer. So okay. I've been at Remedy for less than a year. But they've been developing it for about two years now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And then Indivisible 2019? Yeah. Um, we recently announced a delay. Yeah. Um, a judge's day, basically, mm -hmm. when apparently everybody else decided to. Um, yeah, that's, you, know, became, you get a bunch of journalists in a room at some point and say, by the way, tomorrow we're delaying this game to 2019. Mm -hmm. yeah. There you go. I just thought it was funny because I like went on Reset Era afterwards and like apparently it's Delay Wednesday is like what that's called now. And it's like, oh, it's just <laughs> Judge's Day when everybody announces their delays. Yeah, no, we went to the, the Metro event and they were like, hey, we're, we're telling everyone tomorrow that this game's getting pushed off. And Yeah. Yeah. And then I think you were the next day, and you were like, oh, great. Yeah, so yeah, um, we got pushed to uh, first half of 2019. Cool. Um, it's kind of funny, like, being also another crowdfunding-oriented game that uh, 
people think that we've been in development forever. Right. But it's because they've seen it from like the moment it was like kind of a gleam in our eye. Yeah. And so to them, they process it that like, I've been waiting for this thing for a really long time, but it's like, when it's all said and done, it's going to be in about three years, which is not that long yeah. to develop a game. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. Games but yeah. they're in like super time dilated mode based on how other games do their press, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the way press cycles work and also you have people, you know, obviously those sorts of people are probably super engaged yeah. and, and, you know, kind of waiting for every update. So yeah. you know. it's also been nice as, as a crowdfunding project uh, to release like a backer preview version of the game, not only to be able to solicit feedback from, especially the people who are most passionate and who funded yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, but just to, just as a show of faith to, to people who funded the game to be like, hey, don't worry, we're still working on it. We haven't ghosted you. Yeah, it's, it's, the game's still happening. It definitely happened. Yeah, and it's, it, it, another facet of that, too, is, is just being able to educate people on the development of a game and, and show them like what kind of aspects of the development that we're focusing on and want feedback on, what things are still in flux. Um, and I think that also helps to uh, serve to sort of educate people uh, gaming fans or gamers in general, uh, just how games are made and, and kind of tailor their, ex- not tailor their expectations, but give them an idea yeah, of what they can expect out of a going on. development yeah. of a game. I think that's been probably the thing that's changed with me the most since those days of arguing about if a game is perfect or not, is <laughs> learning, I'm, not, not, I'm no expert, but I'm learning more about just how hard it is to make games and... Uh, we're and terrible about that as an industry. Y'all gray yeah. hair. I'm actually 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know mm-hmm. like it's the the thing I say that I you know that I've heard multiple developers say is it's a miracle anything ships ever. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's crazy out there. Yeah. Every... So best of luck. Thank you. Yeah. Very yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. Thanks everyone for coming by, and uh, we're gonna take a break. And we'll be back with some more guests in a short. So get up, find something to drink, do a fun dance, (laughs) and we'll be back soon. Hello and welcome back. It's night one, day 19 of E3 2018, and we are here. I'm Jeff Gersman. We've got a whole nother batch of guests from the game you may know as... Tunic, because that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called now. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Andrew is here. Yeah, that's I don't, me. Dicey, known by some. Sure. Yeah. Are you... Is it just it's a nickname because your last name has ends with the with yeah, dice? You, yeah, you, you picked on, the, on okay. that way faster than a lot of people. Cool. Actually. Yeah. All right. I figured it out. <laughs> Super clever. Fantastic. Rebecca Saltzman of Finji is here. Heck yeah, I am. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming. Uh, Adriel Wallach is here. Hello. Hello. How are you? Pretty good. It is fantastic to you see know. you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, pretty good to see you. Seven out of ten. Uh, Rami is here as well. Of of Lambeer. Of every of you got the le- it's nice to see you and I just got the it's Lambeer. Yeah. It's Lambeer. Yeah. It's Lambeer. Yeah. Good to it see you. It's Lambeer. Glad to be here. Adam Saltzman, also with Finji, is here. And Harris? Yes. Harris Foster. Hi. 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 How's, how's it going? <laughs> oh, it's going great, Harris. I'm so glad to hear it. <laughs> How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank fantastic, you. <laughs> yes. Harris. Thanks for coming, Harris. Thank you for having me. Great, Harris. All right. And Felix is back there uh, enhancing uh, some of the chocolate. Goku stuff. has like a thousand arms. <laughs> it's like an Asura's wrath thing going on now. I have not as many. Still, doesn't have enough text. 
Okay, mm. yeah, no, that's definitely need more pecs. You need one per arm, technically. <laughs> one peck per arm? I mean, is that of like a minimum? Not or? a doctor, but I'm pretty. I mean, there's they're they're connected. Aren't Where they? are the abs on the arms anyway? It's not two, four. Too many. <laughs> I don't think Goro had four pecs and Goro had four arms. Yeah. Are you sure Goro yeah. didn't have four pecs? I don't know. Can we? Can someone look at a Goro? <laughs> I'm on. I got it. Okay, yeah. Harris, get on Goro. That's why you're Harris back. is on Goro duty. How many pecs do you centaurs have? Oh, man. I don't know. I think they have upper and lower. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like I think they have a lower. I think there's a. Pecs? Well, there's yeah. like a lower set. <laughs> I'm very I'm pets. very confused about what is happening around me. Is Goro with one R or two? It's one R. Okay. It's one R, Harris. Okay. Uh, like Zoro, what did you oh, mean? Does this man have pecs? <laughs> oh my god, I don't think he does. <laughs> he just oh, has oh yeah, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah, pecs. Yeah. Like a, there might be, wait, there might be a second. There are many okay. incarnations. No one can see this. No. Um, really I'm glad yeah. we have just gone through We've already yeah. derailed. So what was the conclusion, though? What? All the pecs. Yeah, well, I think you can get away, if you only have four arms, you can get away with two pecs if they're quite tall. Tall pecs yeah. that are like dual pecs. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A double, yeah, yeah. Double like a premium yeah. pec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arms have arms. Uh, then the pec is in the bicep. If arms have arms? That, I don't think that's functional. No. Tunic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tu you've been showing tunic around uh, here and there, you know, packs, and it's been kind of making shows <laughs> and stuff, and, and it just rocketed to this... This it, it made it onto the Microsoft press conference stage. That seems like a big deal. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't tell Andrew that um, it was going to be mentioned <laughs> with its text. Yeah. We knew the trailer was going to be there, but we forgot to mention the rest of it. Yeah, I had no idea. Sorry. Phil was going to shout out my hometown, hey, Halifax. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and yeah. so that's a Halifax, Halifax crowd. Yeah. Like, Hal yeah. Halifax in the house. Everyone in Halifax knows what that means. Yeah. And I, frankly, it's a little rude. Uh, so what was that like? Because uh, you've been making tunic like largely alone, like by yourself, right? That's the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, not entirely alone. Yeah. I've got uh, uh, you know, my friend Kevin over there. He's working on audio. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's audio right there. Yeah, yeah. Put that in the game. Was that you? Were you the guy in the front row of the Xbox presser every time they said exclusive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Great. Uh, also, a guy named uh, Terrence Lee, uh, Lifeform. He did the music for Dust Force. Okay. And uh, yeah. the Double Fine documentary. He's doing the soundtrack for it as well. Cool. Not entirely alone. I've yeah. of course got the the the, the multi-peck muscle of Finji behind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Helps with stuff like. Getting things on the Xbox stage. Oh yeah, and of course. Oh no, I thought you meant I was multi-peck muscle. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, the arm of the multi-peck muscle of yeah. the Saltman. Is this a fox effect? I was just thinking. Yeah, that. we <laughs> were the talking tunic. about this. Yeah. Are there? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's kind of spoiler material. Oh. Okay. At sure. the end of the no, game, takes off the shirt. There's going to be some fan art that will accommodate your. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, so your involve? highly specific needs. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to skip on this part of the conversation. <laughs> so with Andrew being behind closed doors doing meetings all day, he asked us to run errands for him, mm -hmm. and he requested a cup of coffee. And because all of us are so busy, we had to exchange the coffee between us. We came to find do the math that it took more people to get him his coffee than are actually making this game. I, I've never felt so, so fancy in my entire life. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Yeah, what, weird. But how was the coffee? I, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was Starbucks coffee, but I hadn't had it so, in a little while. It was exactly what I needed. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I've definitely 
I've definitely been there. Yeah. On the Finji end, uh, you know, this is, uh, is this a lot of kind of, what, what is this process like uh, of, of this game kind of making its way into the press conference? Does Microsoft kind of come and say seven like... Seven months? It's seven months of work. Uh, yeah, they contacted us last fall. Okay. Um, well, everyone contacted us sort of last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of had to pick who was most excited about yeah. it, like what, what audience, what demographic, like what consoles, like most excited about, so, like supporting and believing in the project. And um, kind of at the end of that, it ended up being like the Xbox team, and they've been awesome. But then it was like a run, a sprint for seven months to like get a new trailer ready and okay. yeah. keep sprinting towards the, the sort of new uh, parts of the game that we've added um, yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> the the like anatomy of a press conference reveal seems like mm-hmm. such a comp- it feels like everyone's story is is a little bit different. Uh, yeah, and we have to keep the secrets for so long. Like right. since we picked, I mean, I've been to two PAXs and a GDC since like we knew who our console partners been, and I'm just like just can't tell anybody like what's yeah. actually going on. Just play dumb a lot. So I think the big relief really is that be- now that we've announced that it's an Xbox console launch exclusive, mm-hmm. uh, nobody's asking about Switch ports anymore. No, it just nobody all the wow. away. It was crazy. great. I'm yeah. surprised that actually stopped yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, That's, yeah. Wow. I don't have so 400 so then emails in my inbox asking th- that question. 90 days after the, the <laughs> Xbox release, Switch will just be out there then, right? Just just three months, right? That's all it'll take? Right? That's, oh, yeah. Ports yeah. are so easy. Yeah. Killer you Queen was up it. and running in yeah. four days, I was just told. So... You just like port the unit button or yeah, put the just yeah. export as I'm going to literally flip this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Rami, how come there aren't more Vlambeer games on the Switch? I'm told you just press a button. I will flip your couch. <laughs> Please flip this couch. <laughs> no. Yeah, it turns out ports are a lot of work. And expensive. And They're like yeah. 40 grand a piece. Like, yeah. Minimum, Probably. if that's an easy game. Right, right. Some of the least fun stuff you can do <laughs> in game development. Because you do game development... You make stuff. It's fun, it's creative, and then you fix your own problems, which is your own fault. But porting means you fix somebody else's problems in how they created the platform, and that's less fun. So I like fixing my own shit. Well, how was it? I mean, you know, I, I think we talked about it before, but now that you've had a little bit of distance from it, you know, getting those 64-bit iOS versions up and running, real blast, right? I, can, I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> to <just gonna> go. <laughs> no, that was not fun. What? Uh, now you know why I drink. Yeah, I should. I this is this close to just <laughs> somebody give me whiskey or something. Breaking your lifelong <laughs> yeah, of just, not drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the 64-bit port. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's such a weird time in that regard. Like so much stuff. There's so many platforms. There's not really like the platform anymore, which kind of used to be how indie would work. Like this is the platform. Here's where we make games. Right. If that does really well, we'll check out some other stuff. Now it's if you don't launch across three or four platforms or like have an exclusive deal, that's not a good spot to be as an indie. So now launching a game is a lot more, a lot more weird work, a lot more like negotiating, a lot more navigating. My whole job. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like I spend my whole job is to like, like somehow wrangle these like massive media conglomerates into like believing in our tiny projects and then right. like shepherding them through like the basically the gauntlet. Like how much support can we get? Like how can we take this to, like, the entire world? Like, the world's a pretty effing big place. Like, we got really lucky. We have really cool partners, but, like, these processes are designed for oh. companies that are still much bigger than our companies. Mm-hmm. But they have time for those types of media. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yes. Why do some companies still <laughs> need you to send faxes? This is right? like a real thing. Yeah. I'm I so have to like, use online services to like send shit into these places. Yeah. I used to have to fax a handwritten name list for Train Jam for the passengers to Amtrak. To Amtrak. See, if you told me Amtrak needs a fax, I believe that 100%. <laughs> if you're like, hey, Telegraph. this console manufacturer is still dealing in faxes sometimes, it's like, hey, look, you know, I can sign a PDF. With, with my finger, I can make that happen. We don't need to do this. <laughs> oh, no, I have to, like, send... The test of loyalty. I guess so. Fundamentally, like, yeah. Inked contracts. Like, I have to sign it with oh, ink. Oh, like the original. You can't do, like, yeah. digital... No, no original on. copies, and you sign them, like, some Scrooge McDuck shit, and then you have to put it in different <laughs> envelopes <laughs> and take it to and the send multiple office, copies like of the same damn thing. And overnight it. Uh, yeah. I have, yeah. No, I, if there's two of them, it's I mean, twice as real. Video games are at the bleeding edge of technology. <laughs> <laughs> For the industry. They're the greatest, the they're the greatest the art form. Yeah. Right. From yeah. the yeah. yeah. So when it comes to, you know, and, and feel free to, you know, I, I don't know how much you want to necessarily get into this, but, you know, dealing with uh, console manufacturers, platform holders, and trying to decide, like, who a launch partner is going to be, do you find, you know, how, that seems like it could be a vicious cutthroat business of like trying to play them off of each other for the best support. A field or day. We just run like, you know, a, a gym field day like you did in elementary school. We sure. Bring them all out. Yeah. Put them in like uniforms, matching uniforms, put them in the obstacle course, just fucking let them go. Was I being judged that whole time on field day? Was there like a Probably. gym coach out there who was like, oh, yeah. didn't make it through the, the tire swing? No, 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 no. Not going with that one. Only did shoot them all out. Yeah. Two pull ups? Yeah. That, you'd win. I've never done a pull-up in my life. I used to do them in college doing laundry. <laughs> I used to do like a bunch of triathlons, so I'd swim all the time. I still never, never could do a pull-up. I think there's two things. There's, there's, two, there's two versions of this relationship with companies decided, yeah. right? Where you are... Bring it back on um, track. Yeah. Moving forward. Return <laughs> items. How many pull-ups um, can Xbox do? Oh, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How you seen, do Have you like, seen most Phil Spencer? Yeah. yeah. Phil Spencer like, can do pull-ups. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I really yeah. want to see Sean Layden and Phil Spencer doing pull-ups next to each other. No, well, no. <laughs> Set this up. I think that's going to be the Sony press conference next year. Yeah. No, what? Yeah. Leaving that performance art kind of a, you know. And yeah. then Reggie's in the back just like doing push-ups instead. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just laughing the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Like one-handed push-ups. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. So uh, uh, there, I think like you get a fantasy sometimes. You're like, oh, we've got we've got this hot IP, and we're we've got leverage now, and we're gonna play these guys off each other, and like we're um, we're like we're <laughs> we're like bacteria, you know, and they're like a real animal, <laughs> right? You know, like yeah. you have no leverage, like what you you just want to find like. Yeah. Um, There's like, here's the okay. deal. If you want this deal, it's fine. Yeah. If you don't, it's fine. You know, you like, you want to find somebody who hopefully just like likes the same crap that you do, yeah. which sounds so like sounds so stupid. But yeah, you like exactly you build this up into such a more complicated thing. Like, oh, we've got to find out, you know, what the rev share and the thing, and we're gonna get all the moving parts. Yeah. And like, at the end of the day, like, you just want them to be like, your game's really cool. Maybe we can work on it too. Well, that's how we pick our projects. Like when yeah. we publish things, that are published things. Like we we published Night in the Woods because we like believed in that project. Like we were so on board with working on it. For, we like, check all the numbers too. Four like, years of our life. Yeah. We'll check all the numbers too. But. but it's the same thing with like when you pick a publishing or a, a console partner. It's like which team loves you so much that they actually want to spend that much time, like building this like insane game with you and. Yeah, Xbox just sort of like it, they were just there. They they wanted to do that with us. Yeah. Um, 
and, and gave it like a, a really amazing spotlight too along yeah. the way, which is which is super. Yeah, cool. and we didn't have anything really to do with that. We just like sent in it like. Like here are the assets. Like this trailer. And, yeah. Here's a work in progress. And and do they get back to you with notes? So they're just like the 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 fox needs to be. There needs to be more. I need more fox in this trailer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean the. I need more treasure chest being opened in this trailer. Was like I don't know if you saw, but they were. um, The final trailer has like a lot of eviscerations and decapitations. Good call. And the first draft did not have as many. We got a lot of really formative feedback about you know. What if the when the blood comes out of their neck, uh-huh. what if it goes in really slow motion and splatters on the camera lens? That's just sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like, I thought it was game design 101, and but you know we were it was like a real don't worry. standout at the Xbox yeah. conference. The Forza Horizon no, like bro boys really made it for me. Yeah. Just the announcer just yelling about how cool everything was. Yeah, that was. There was that, was, no, that was me. That was you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. There was that one email we got where it said, make sure the fox revs his sword. And yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. what that meant, but then well, we pulled that one off. Yeah. Dicey's going to die now. Yeah. <laughs> Dicey's got to flip the couch. Like, by the way, they signed off on putting a bunch of stuff into the game. Are we going to? Yeah. So, is, have we announced we that? It's now a Battle Royale game, right? <laughs> i got to get back to work. <laughs> Moratorium on Battle Royale jokes. No more. You know, I got the only one in. Every time anything happens, they're like, what if it was 100 people? And, and the thing is, like, shut up. There were not that many announced here. But there was no, one game wasn't. that was 1,000 players. And I'm right. just like, yeah. wait, what? Who came up with the idea that something. 100 players times 10 is better yeah, yeah, yeah. than it's 100 It's 10 times better. That's so math. This is my first <laughs> exactly. E3, yeah. and I am bummed that I did not get to see my boy Jethro Tull mm. on stage shoutcasting whatever the next thing is. Yeah, well, you know they're probably still repping Darwin Project somewhere, so he's probably still <laughs> making he's music, still and making yelling. Games. Yeah, no, he's probably rocking out and still <laughs> uh, watching people play Darwin Project, I assume, and yelling the whole time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They don't call them shoutcasters because they just like hang out and not yell. <laughs> Wow. What are you talking about? What is going on? <laughs> Did you zone out for like 10 seconds and lose everything? No, I, I, was, I was awake the whole time. That's the problem. That's why I'm confused. Rami, you've... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know... You're never going to know. <laughs> this is why you heard me. How has your show been? What have you been up to? Are you working on a thing? Are you out there pitching people? Are you just like hanging out at the show? Are you hanging out around the show? I'm What's curious about this question. Yeah, there's actually a lot <laughs> of doing, all of that going on at the same time. It's been a bit of a strange show for me. I uh, I have a lot of meetings. We have some potential new projects that we might start working on soon. Uh, after JW finished Minute, yep. uh, which was his side project with his team, uh, Vlambria has sort of like gotten back together, so we're talking about what's next for the future. Cool. Uh, which is exciting. It's just nice to be able to, to have something new after doing uh, community stuff, like helping developers around the world for right. a few years. Yeah. Love doing that, but starting to get a little tired. Like, it's a lot I of need, travel. I need, I need to make something again. Like, it's, it just needs, at some point, I need to make a video game again. So, with Disney 3 is a little bit of that. I did a bunch of uh, live streaming, so I recast all of the shows, which was really fun. I've never oh. really been on that side of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which also gave me a really weird, it's kind of a different perspective on E3. It, ga- it made me realize that this is a really weird E3, which I don't, it's like a transitional year, but not a transitional year. It's a really we, strange. We try to pretend it's not a transitional year. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, you literally had someone get on stage and talk about the next generation platforms. Ask the closing note of yeah. there. And, you know, you had Bethesda get out there and announce and then reiterate that, like, hey, this thing that is just a flyover of a city not coming to these platforms. Yeah. 
and it was a lot of that. It was also just a lot of weird gimmicks that didn't really fit. Like the 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 Last of Us. Like that's the weird thing. All the games are good. Yeah, the games are good. The games are like I'm excited for many of the I'm games. I'm seeing a lot of things that I'm like that stuff I want to play. That stuff I want to play. This looks like it has a ton of potential. But there's something about the show itself. Now that we're like one day in and on the floor and have kind of seen it for what it is. Yeah. It doesn't, and, and I've had this conversation a lot of times today, uh, and a lot of times over the course of the last few days, but there's something weird. Yeah, I was, and I'm not quite, I haven't quite put my finger on it, but I think the industry is doing that, like, that breathing in again. Like, for a year, we, like, pushed everything out. Like, so many great games, 2017, like, yeah. start of 2018. And, like, a lot of people, I think, are just starting to rev up on the big things. But I think a lot of developers, a lot of publishers have also seen that right now the industry is kind of in a weird spot. So I we think they're a little careful. We call it yeah, constricting. We call constriction. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's a, like a, it depends on the company, but it's like a roughly five-year loop. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. like, every five years, everybody's like, I don't know, all these little games, like, we got to really, like, go for it. Let's, like, get, like, real big. Let's get some, like, No Man's Sky. Let's get some, like, Cuphead. Let's, like, yeah. do the big... Triple I, baby. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then, like, it, it, it turns out real weird. This might be just whiplash from last year, though. I think that's like everything amazing came out last year. Right. Such. I mean, last year was nuts. It was an incredible year for indies. It was a crazy year, but like for AAA, I mean, come on. Like, it was an incredible year. Like, Nintendo just came out like hard hitting with like everything. But then, like this year, we're sort of coming into it. Like, well, what? The hell is going to be announced at all these press conferences? Because like we're so, we're like whiplashed by like everything that came out. And they like managed it kind of well by just sort of like either announcing everything up front or just leaking it up front. Like sure. it's, yeah. Yeah, it's been nice. It's like yeah. we, nobody was a lot of it was out of the way early. Bit. I think that that kind of led to some whiplash on my part. Where the more leaks that happen, the more I tend to go like. Yeah, but they gotta have they gotta have something else. Yeah. And then you go through you sit through a press conference thinking like. They're going to have Splinter Cell. Don't worry. And then it ends, no. you're like... Yeah. Oh. I, just the structure of all the pressers was a bit weird. I mean, Xbox did pretty well, I think, in, in structure. I mean, if, if, some, if your game plan is just like, here's every cool game we can think of in a row. Right. Bye. And, like, and by the way, Sony's only showing four games, so Bye. we have our pick of anything. But what was that with The Last of Us? I genuinely do not, like, all the respect for people who put on a show like that, but they put, like, 300 people in a church-like setting so they could cut to Last of Us footage in the same room and then moved all of those people across 15 minutes of intermission Yeah. so then we could watch the rest of the show. And all of those people who, as I understand it, the majority of them were pressed because the invite list got cut way down. Yeah. Because otherwise they won't fit in the church. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of fucking up your own conference for a gimmick. None of those pressed got to see any of the things that were shown no during the intermission because they were walking from one room to another. Wow. <laughs> and so we had, people, <laughs> we had people who were there, like, getting in touch. Going, hey, what's going on? Wow. Streaming it on their phone, like while they're walking. Yeah, exactly. They're like on Twitter trying to figure out what games are being announced <laughs> at the press conference that they are at. Please tell me Death Stranding is actually just a UPS delivery game. I, that's that's <laughs> it. I I want it. That's all. Like if that is it. What if it's just like that's triple I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It what is. if it's just like a really dark Animal Crossing game, and the the women in that trailer are just like you know you're, you're the mayor slash mail delivery. We person. have a Twitter follower. It would be all about that. What? Oh, is it that me? Does that sound awesome? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible. Yeah, that's like 
Remember yeah, most of the Destiny, this is just a guy out for a hike with a bunch of weird crap in his backpack. I'm yeah. like, shit, that was our next, that's the next <laughs> thing we're going to make up. We're going to make up a whole new game now. Thanks. Yeah. Did you read that interview with Joe Kotaro about him playing Animal yes, Crossing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was the greatest thing I've read in here. Yeah. He, like, went in depth and, like, these animals eat animals, so how does this society decide which animal <laughs> yeah. is who's like a, a leader and who's a slave? Who's a like, citizen? And yeah, and who's food? Let's get him in um, front of a copy night in the woods. Yeah, it was that interview was too much. It was super good. Oh man, but yeah, I I agree. It, it does seem like a really strange year. I, I think Nintendo was like you know being kind of like the last press conference before the show floor opens. Nintendo was like that last moment of just like. We spent all our time on one game, mm-hmm. and if you don't like that game, but I think part of it. I think hey. part of it, honestly, is like the the all the games are becoming like the one er game now. Like it's like, hey, we've got a new game coming out. It's the parkour, tech trees, RPG. Your choices matter. Community is um, helping us develop it. In iron sight, open world, online system. Sounds awesome. But I said, like we've we've all been talking about games becoming more multiplayer, or at least more persistent in right. the AAA space. And it makes a lot of sense that that's where the industry is swinging towards. I'm a little sad about that because I really like single-player games, but business-wise, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the year where, yeah, or game is a good way of saying it. It's like just everybody's doing like, here's the game. This is what the community wanted. Everybody says it's what the community wanted. Everybody says the community is going to help shape it. This is they're online. They're like, they're like I'm excited for the tuning online mode. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Gonna be- Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> How's that coming along? Is that, like, uh, these are like money bags, Scrooge McDuck things, though. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, How's the net code coming? Is it? Oh, boy. <laughs> Poor Dice you, is just like having great, an aneurysm like ever so slowly. But, uh, I think that's the, the other piece of this is, you know, seeing companies support their games, like, like treating, you know, supporting their live game for a lot longer. You know, I'm used to, you know, for, for decades now, just like a game comes out, I play it, I I you know, finish the story or get to a point where I've had enough multiplayer and they're like, okay, what's next? And I move on to another thing and move on to another thing. And there are more and more consumers out there that are just like, no, I played this one game for two years straight. And by the way, you suck at it and you're in the press. <laughs> what's wrong with you? And I'd say like, I played six games this week. The the game thing like gets under my skin because like it's uh, a lot of free-to-play games start to feel weird after a while because like the game mechanics would be really, really different. But like the game mechanics meta that encompasses the game is all the same. Yeah. And you start to feel like, oh, I'm just playing like it's like a, a mechanical skin on something instead of just like a graphical skin. Sure. And you start to get kind of tired of it. So like I would, the thing that I think we're seeing like a teeny tiny bit of, and I'm hoping that we start seeing more of, is them like big, even big companies doubling down on like little slices of these things. They have so much talent and there's so much effort and there's so much like love being expressed on these things, and they have to spread it out over so many moving parts. Yeah. And it's just like just pour it into like two categories and go nuts on those two categories, and I would be so happy to see, like, more and more and more of that. Same thing, though, cycle. Like, this yeah. is going to, like, everybody's yeah. doing this, yeah. so in five years, everybody's doing the opposite, which yep. I'm super excited for. There's going to be some weird stuff in, like, five years. I'm so ready <laughs> for awesome. it. So ready. And, I mean, you talk about this on the podcast before, but, like, free-to-play MMOs. I used to work at a free-to-play MMO studio for customer service, oh, and wow. whenever we would answer support email... Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, wow. yeah. Like three yeah. weeks ago. Like three weeks <laughs> yeah, ago. it was not yeah. long ago. So when we would answer support emails, we would answer them in priority of how much money they spend. So <laughs> if, if you have a problem with the game, we will answer your email faster if you spend money. And then when the email comes in, the big thing would just be... The first thing we see is how much money they spend on the game. 
And Jeff, people spend so much fucking money on these games. <laughs> yeah. The most I've ever seen, so we can see how much it is per account. Mm -hmm. Most I've ever seen is $130,000. Well, it's um, not even a good MMO. Hey, well, I'm not going to say that, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really a good MMO. Um, <laughs> sure, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a small, what you would consider a smaller, lower tier, double A MMO studio. Yeah. And these people are just spending buckets of money on Wait, these games. Did you see that talk where somebody was just like, I don't understand why not every free-to-play game has a $1,500 item in it because somebody will buy it. No, who like, said that? And what? can I fight them, like, right now? I, I had the like, same... right now. But they're just like, yeah, there's some shake in Dubai who'll buy it. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the kid who buys it who right. has no idea what they're doing? Yeah. It's like... The people with, like, really so, fundamental basic dopamine regulation problems. At the peak of the Battlefront crisis of yeah. items, uh, just stuff like that, <laughs> our company decided to release their $100 loot box that was Part. random. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a $100 drop for a random item that had the exact same drop statistics as the $10 box. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just loved that moment. That was such an industry moment, the Battlefront mm -hmm. moment, yeah. because you, you know that while that was going down, while EA was getting taken to town, there's like five AAA studios around the world where it's like, hey, have you seen that? You see that EA thing? Yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. We take out the loot boxes <laughs> right, right, and right. make a statement, tell PR to make a statement that we'd never do it. But no, <laughs> yeah. we never even thought we, of it. We take also the game feel that loot boxes are Six bad. months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Their loot box team gets fired. Yeah, that's like yeah. literally yeah. happening like five or six fired. years. They're reassigned. It's a shame yeah. that those reassigned and fired out of a yeah. Yeah. We would no, never no, do they're reassigned like for four months. Now and then you just reintroduce yep. yeah. uh, the loot boxes. We like we value player choice. We've decided that the player's choice are these random boxes. items. It's a pack of cards that can be exchanged for let's, cosmetic items. Let's give them the choice to buy the game on Friday for 20 extra dollars. Yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. chosen less choice. Whoa. 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 I'm Sorry. Across the line there. Giant Bob, we'll be right back. I'm just going to move out of the way from here. The sea. Throw him in the Man. fucking sea. I wish I could work on this. I need to go work on this. It's fine. Just come up with your own 15. The press conference has happened, but maybe you'll come up with something else. Yeah. Yeah, no. What? What the? Uh, they said they would. They said they were going to have 15 world exclusives at their press conference. World this, Which, what, you know, whatever that. Were we a world exclusive? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I think it was a console launch no, exclusive. No, uh, because we've right? already announced. Yeah, I so I judged the different exclusives by that dude in the front wooing. So uh, what was that? What did that do? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I judged it by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. many? How many? I love exclusive yeahs were there. <laughs> the Microsoft yeah. was a good number. Yeah, there was a whole lot. Adriel, uh, Train Jam is a fascinating thing. <laughs> You're I, really so good at segues. I I just. <laughs> Every year it comes up and I'm like, I bet that would be super fucking fun to do. It is, to yeah. It's super crazy. Fun to dream actually, on. almost everybody. Yeah. Actually, you've yeah, never been. I've on never been. I, uh, I want no, to. No, yeah. Paris needs to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. all the rest of y'all have been on Train Jam. You've been on almost every single one. Fourth one. Yeah. I don't think I've, I've ever been, been on every train. Train, train, train jam was semi-figurative. I, and I could be on a train, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know anything about making games. Dicey, isn't that you where could. I used first? I, I, I always hey, I made my very first good. game yeah. on Train Jam. Yeah. Yeah. I always encourage... After I launched actual games, but like my very first game I ever worked on, like for real, yeah. was like like writing for, was on Train Jam. Mm. I did not know that. But yeah, yeah, no, last year. Andrew, yeah, with Dicey, actually. Aww. Yeah, I always encourage like everybody to come on Train Jam, because mm -hmm. it's non-competitive. There's no yeah. downside yeah. to going on. Like, worst case scenario, 
you just spent two days on literally the most beautiful train ride I've ever seen. Like, I've gone on it, you know, five or six times now. Yeah. And it's always beautiful. It's always great. Even though it's the same exact thing, it looks different every year because of just the way snow and sun and seasons work or whatever. Like an open world game, like Forza? Like when the racetrack changes? Seasons back? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get, like, leaves great. falling and then yep. snow falling. There's it's very totally exciting. physical that's games made. Yeah. Like, like people make board games. games. Right. People have oh, made card games. And even if you're not, like, a programmer or an artist or a musician, which is what we always think of as, like, the base game development right, yeah. things like there you could be a roaming producer you could be oh. somebody who just sort of like, I am 100% useless yeah. on, a, on a jam but you always make something I, mean, I do business we work yeah. together yeah. I mean I'm right <laughs> totally like, right but I mean I can't so you just like hop from car to car and be like yo we got something great give me five bucks I'll no I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to car to car and I'm like listen bitches like, yeah this is how this is a and this dev work running from car to car screaming pre-order now so like a lot of game jams I, like I stopped doing game jams after a while because like a lot of the jams big board I get it yeah. I get it he's so fucking he does plane jam now oh I see I've done Plane jam once. Wait, is that a thing? <laughs> no. no I did. <laughs> one time, one time, I got. I somehow ended up on a private jet, and we did. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Oh, long okay. story. Real, real long fucking story. life. Mr. McGrew, long you're long way on. I'm sorry. I'm so happy. I can't I remember who got that Real, real humans. I ended up on a fucking private jet. Yeah, we did private jet. Listen, life is weird. Game development is weird. Life is strange. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I'm trying to promote Train Jam. goddammit. it. Train Jam is great. Train Jam. Let's go back there. I'm saying like Train. Jams have this thing where people get into clusters and they don't talk to each other anymore, and then like two days pass, and then suddenly a bunch of things pop out. But like Train Jam is the most drive-by, weird collaborative yeah, jam yeah. I've ever done. Because like, you're all there's 350 people on one train, mm-hmm. and yeah. like it's a big train. There's I forget up there's 12 cars total mm-hmm. on the and entire train. If you want to stop sitting down, you have to move past people, yeah. and they're like, "Can you do art?" And you're like, "No," and they're like, "Cool, can yeah. you help me with yeah. this." Yeah. Like yeah. you always, you see these teams, and like you know, everybody's sort of sitting with their team as best they can, but there's you know limited seating everywhere and everything. And then one team's talking about a problem, and all of a sudden another team across the way goes, "Oh, I know how to solve that. I can like I can come yeah. fix it." And then they do. And then one we, of my favorite ones is watching like. Because you don't have internet access for like most of this train. Yeah. Oh wow. And like yeah. it's great. Like, yeah, you, have to, awesome. you have to. Stall. It was also three days before GDC, which is what oh, everybody God. wants is no internet access. Yeah. <laughs> but like you have to solve math problems and like the way coding works. People are like, yeah, you learn how to code and then you just know how to code. It's like no, you use the fucking internet. Google everything. Stack overflow. I don't have access to this stuff. So like when when somebody butts up against like a really hard math problem, they're just like, does anyone know how to (laughs) fill in the blank with some coding thing that I don't Mm -hmm. understand at all? And then you just sort of run up and down the train just trying to find somebody who knows how to do some math that we didn't I've seen teams literally change their entire game idea because their programmer couldn't remember how to do a thing. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, how do I I calculate this? Yeah, we'll just do it in the entire game. Yeah. I've done that multiple times. Oh, it's so good. So organizing train jams, like how how much time does that take out of your? I mean, I mean, it's not like a significant chunk of your year. Yeah. Well, so it's weird because it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Um, You can say all of it. You can say the whole thing. Well, so here's the thing. It's not like a consistent like. Oh, it takes six months of my year. You know because. It takes six months of a year. It take, well, in total, it probably takes about half my year. You also complain Which about procrastination months. a lot as well. Um, <laughs> but it comes in waves. So, like, right after, you know, the previous train jam, I all of a sudden, like, immediately have to get working on the next year because the way Amtrak works, like, I have to get this, the dates nailed down, you know, a year in advance so that they can, because we get an extra long train car with extra train 
Um, so they have to like they put extra train not, on your. Not this is seriously not trying to brag. Okay. It's literally the biggest train in North America. <laughs> yeah. Not just I, I, that. There's like train spotter forums who go completely yeah, so over true. the top. I, over I, it. I, I read some message board where they were like. Yeah, well, you know, they're not going to run this thing. Cause, and someone was, like, angry about it. Yeah. They were like, they should let people on the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, and There's, like, 300 people. Got yeah. Without exaggeration, <laughs> Andrew has literally been asked to write letters between major train or rail companies in the U.S. for, like, diplomacy reasons. Because this is such a unique big, like, she's like a big deal in trains. Well, cool, cool. Yeah, no, it's super weird, like a train. That's the coolest shit I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. <laughs> like, I, if I go, if I talk to somebody from, like, corporate Amtrak, or even, like, a lot of the employees who work on, like, long-distance Amtrak trains, even if it's not the one that we do or they've never worked with me, and I say train jam, they go... That's that gaming thing that I've heard about. And I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's me. Like, for a while, I was like, they weren't super happy with me because they didn't quite understand what they were, what, what we were well, doing. Also kind of snuck. But I also just used to sneak, like, not sneak so much, but, like, the first few years, it was I would just do a big group reservation, and yeah. I, like, looked at all the rules to make sure we weren't breaking any rules, you know. But yeah, we, we used to do that in Denny's, though. There were real people with us. There were real people on the train. Did you see Denny's? Did any of them get sucked into it to be like, we had, like, 99% of the people when they were just, like, you know, the real people who were with us. 99% of them. Real people? Loved Normals. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah normal people. Uh, yeah. Normally people yeah. with and normal they, colored hair. Because the, the type of person to take a cross-country train trip is sort of, tech, like, tends to be, like, a very adventurous person who's, like, weird anyway. So they just, like, look at us and they're like, what are you doing? Oh, video games. Like, and they get really excited about it. And that was one yeah. of the things I really liked about yeah. those years was that. And, you know, 99% of the time it was fine. One percent of the time, there was like, "Why are these nerds on my train?" <laughs> You're, they, there was this one guy who yelled at me for ruining his wife's birthday because he was mad at me, and I was just like, "I." His wife was so sorry. His wife was just there going. Uh. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we've lost that in the last two years because we've gotten so big that now I have to rent the entire train. Right. You know, as you do. Yeah, um, of course. And I think that's what the, the 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 people on the forum that were angry kind of settled on is like. Well, they're just running the train extra because they're renting out the entire train. Yeah. So it's not like they're taking the train away from you. Bonus train. train. And, it's also yeah. like bonus train. What is yeah. it? You run like in, you, it's a winter train, but yeah. you run in summer configuration. Yeah, because there's different configurations between winter and summer because winter's the slow season. Okay. Um, yeah. But we run a summer configuration in the winter, and we also get an extra observation car put on, which is sort of like the the, the public car. Yeah, the public space fancy area windows. with yeah. big windows and everything. Yeah. So we get an extra one of those put on because everybody likes to work where there's big windows. So it's like the summer configuration with an extra car, which is just always weird. But it's like a yeah, like an in and out. Do you, do you remember yeah. the whole, right there's, the, there's the hidden menu, and you're like, oh, get that shit. Uh, I, I can do you him out. like an animal-style train. <laughs> trying to do you remember the one guy on the, the yeah, yeah. animal-style train? No, but like, seriously, yeah. this forum is, <laughs> these forums are amazing, because the, the yeah. things you see there, it's like, Felix, there's, like him. there's like people arguing about how we're going to pass Detroit <laughs> Station idea. with a it summer was, configuration, yeah. with an extra train, and they know the torque of the train, they know they know everything, and then there's like, Five posts so later. Five posts later, there was this one guy. I don't know if it was this year or a year before. He's like, I don't understand. What are all these nerds doing on this train? And it was like <laughs> a follow-up to that post. And there was just somebody who was like, Have you have you looked at our form? <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, wow. Hot kettle. Like. Yeah. Right. They, they, there's a few people on the forums who have really realized. They're like, okay, we're nerds too. It's fine. Yeah. Well, they take pictures of it now. Yeah. Like, I've seen them. Like, well, we take sure, pictures yeah. and then yeah. they'll talk about like, I just saw the nerd train. Yeah. I don't know what they actually call animal, it. Animal, nerd I, would, train. I feel like you should. I feel like you would have like a Real certain dungeon. amount of like train cred, right? Yeah. Like, because it's like like you have this secret train that they didn't even know you could make. Ghost train. Yeah, right. Yeah. We had this really cool thing, not this last train jam, but last year's train jam, where, so I got this panicked call from the woman oh, that I work with no. at Amtrak about two weeks before train jam's supposed to go. Oh, yeah. And she, she calls me up and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know um, the train track between Salt Lake City and Sacramento is closed because of blizzards and uh, landslides destroyed. and... Yeah, it was, like, destroyed. Not closed. And there hadn't been any trains yep. going through mm-hmm. it for, like, two weeks. And she's like, but we're going to figure out how to get you to San Francisco. Like, when does GDC start? And so, I'm like, okay, well, GDC starts on Monday. We normally get in on Saturday, so we yeah. have, like... 24 to 36 hour, yeah, a you know. For, for full transparency, the normal train route that we go on for yeah. the train jam mm-hmm. goes from Salt Lake City to Sacramento. Yeah. Well, Chicago to Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The majority this, of the yeah, track this, you're this on, the train part that, that we need right. is destroyed. Yeah. mountains, yeah. and it's destroyed. So she ended Almost up... the whole thing. Yeah. She ended up spending a few weeks on us, and she she's since retired. She was great. She was like 78 years she old. Retired? She retired? That's why we didn't see her. Yeah. Oh, no, she, so she retired in January, but stayed on in an unofficial capacity through this year's train jam just to work with train jam on it. Anyway... Lady so loves trains. You need, so much need to bring her on the next. She year. she's already said she's going to come on in 2019. Oh, fantastic! Um, if you took every dude wearing a scarf in the front row of the Microsoft briefing <laughs> uh-huh. and put them all together, they would love games so much less than this lady love trains. Oh, she was so <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, so she spent two weeks, you know, working with things, and she ended up getting Amtrak and Union Pacific, which is the railroad company that we're mostly on, and then also BNSF, which is another railroad company, and another railroad company, all to agree to make up a new alternate route. Wow. That would go from Chicago down south and across like to the Great Borrowed Canyon. train yeah, track? Well, it was gonna yeah. Be, it was all these, like, train track things that don't normally work together, and they made this basically you, a plan B. Can you imagine that the was new. Posts? Can you imagine the forum <laughs> no, posts? Do like, you know how they said yeah. Avengers is the most... Do you know how Avengers is set to be the most ambitious crossover ever? This was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they yeah, used yeah. every real company in the U.S. to like, somehow yeah. create then, this route that doesn't exist. And then ultimately... I remember the email, because, like, we were just mentors. Like, I remember yeah. the organized mentors. Oh, God. And we got this email, like, two weeks before, like, don't worry, guys. I know that everything is closed in California. You can't get through the passes. We are going to get you. Imagine if they did yeah. this in, like, 1950, it like, on newspaper yeah. front pages. Yeah. It would have been, like, the great train yeah. fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't until the morning of train jam. Cause we, the train leaves at 2 p.m. It was about 10 a.m. that morning that they made the call of what route we would do. And so I had to, like, communicate to 300 developers. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get, get there, there, but we're going to get to San Francisco. But what well, ended up happening was... Uh, Union Pacific put on like extra workers to clean up the track and get it all ready, and we were the first train through in like two or three weeks. Oh wow! And so the the train spotting forums were just going nuts because they're like, oh my gosh, it's coming, it's coming through, and we had this really cool <laughs> thing. Yeah, we had this yeah. really they cool thing called a flanger. Yeah, yeah that's it's called a plow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what it is is it's like an engine, but it has like a like a wedge on the front that like, oh, goes out okay. like that, and it basically just goes like, in front of you and like, makes yeah, yeah. this thing. It was super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. It's called a flanger. Like flanger. Right. But even weirder, <laughs> see, we're on the on the train, and we're going through like the passes where like the snow, I don't know if you remember, like in California last year, the snow was 
you know, a little high, mm. and we're like going through the passes in the snow, like the officer observation. It's a double decker train. It's a double decker train. Oh, yeah. You're like and 20 feet up. No, you're done. Like, it's like oh, head level, and you're just like, holy yep. shit. Yeah, you go down to the bottom oh, level, you can't see out. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe you should know that next year, Train Jam is Battle Royale, and only one person will arrive. <laughs> no, no more Battle Royale jokes. No. Hundred developers get on a train. I think one gets on it. By law now, nobody's allowed to die on Train Jam. That's we're over the limit on Battle Royale. We've never we've never had anybody die, and we've never lost anybody on Train Jam. Train Jam, do great. Despite Jerry's very best. Oh, we had. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not watch that because we'll get in trouble. So tunic. Uh, does this does this appearance <laughs> suddenly kick things into high gear? Is there like an additional pressure to be like, we need to wrap this thing up, or or, or was the schedule already the schedule and, no. and you're still on? Answer yeah. No. Answer no. Dicey's gonna make a crappy <laughs> game. Dicey's not allowed to talk. You have to talk. Just go with no. I'll take the fall for that one. All right then. Having a publisher is great. <laughs> <laughs> They'll bring you coffee. <laughs> What's all these trick questions from coffee? Jeff Erstman are not an issue anymore. We did bring him coffee. What are you talking about? There'll be a private plane not, in your not future. Today. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm ready for that. No, no one ever is. I'll take the plane. Harris, you don't get to go on the plane. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sorry. Private plane for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Run. It's almost like there's, there's less pressure. Like, the unknown of where this game is going to go... Like, that's actually, for me as a publisher and me as a game developer, that's actually more scary for me. Yeah. Um, just, like, how am I going to launch this? How am I going to roll this out? Who's, who's the, I know who the PC audience is going to be, but, like, who is the console audience going to be and how is it going to be supported and where am I going to go with this? But it's, like, it's actually more, it's more comforting when, like, I have that set. Because at that point, like, I know, I know what launch and the 18 months after launch and, like, everything after that, I know what that's going to look like. Because, like, right. people are like, oh, you launched the game, good job. And it's like, no, that's, like, 18 months of, like, like to be honest, just total horse shit after launch. Like, I'm still supporting Night in the Woods. Like, I still have another launch at the end of that. Like, Remember when you launched Night in the Woods and then came on a train? Oh, God, the next three days? Game. I did some yeah. support for Night in the Woods on fucking Train Jam with nothing. Hope the game works. Gotta go. Yep. Yeah. Peace. I'm out of here. I thought the cool. two of you were going to die it's, it's last year. It's good timing. Year. Because I thought I was going to die, too. You the train the whole time. Yeah. You don't like, need to use the internet very much when your game just came out. Definitely not. Yeah, no, no, no. And within, yeah, within 24 hours. <laughs> anyway, guys, I hope you're totally ready for this show. to be a thing when Tunic launches. Just no, we're not launching it's it's on Train Jam. Too, so yeah. Oh, it's that's a good idea. Launch train. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And you upload like a three-quarter of a binary by accident. <laughs> yeah. You know that there's, there's literally been a time. I play test a lot of games right before they come out, right? Like the developers will send me the mm -hmm. final build. And they'll let me play test it, which is really cool. So one time I got this email from a, a pretty well-known indie publisher. It's not, it's not these people. Not us. Uh, I get, I get I this email. And, and the email, the email literally goes, Rami, we sent you the build for this game yesterday, right? I'm like, yes. They're like, well, so we wrecked the build, and the developers don't know what to do, and you have one of the only existing copies of the this game. This was absolutely 100% not us. Team, just no. For the love of God, build. this was not us. It was not them. Anyway. We've this, done other stupid shit. This binary was broken. <laughs> this game was programmed in a way where there were no good backups. I was the only person that had a binary at that point. They were going to be able to recover the code because there were some copies off-site, but they had to go get it. The game was launching in an hour and a half. <laughs> they, uh, they gave me their Steam login, and I uploaded the binary, and that's how that game launched. How much uh, did you? And it also, it also like. Set I got a special thanks in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. But not in the release version because I, they couldn't update it for a week and a half. I know what company this is, and actually like set the course for the company's future. So like, 
Like the, all yeah. of their future success is based on this like one stupid file. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. That's that's how it happens someday. Well, Game special. development is so professional. It really mm. is. Yeah. Special thanks to all of you for coming and hanging out. Thanks for having us. I could yeah. talk to you all for hours, but we are going to move on. Yeah. And you've got work to do. You got to get back to this. Okay. So work? code. Got a real. No. Fuck. <laughs> a thousand tunics. I thought it was funny. Yeah. A thousand Zeldas like foxes. Zelda like a fox. That's you Who still, owns that URL? I don't know. Someone registered it. It pops uh, up it, all the time. Yeah. It, oh. If you if you type that in our search box, tunic comes up. Persistent, That's un- Persistent oh. universe. I did that. You're welcome, I'm a world. Bad person. Loot boxes. Yeah. Skins. Persistent Universe, uh, Microtransactions, Starter Edition that gets you like one of the characters. Oh yeah, the GameSpot uh, Edition, important. Yeah. Save really important. the World Mode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh and, and you need to do a, a, a remake of an existing multiplayer thing, but just name it slightly oh. different. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it can't be Deathmatch, but no, it has the to be Deathmatch. Murder House. MMO, <laughs> online only. Blood Spotters everywhere. Trains. Oh yeah, trains. and you'd be a big train component. Definitely Are there like trains a, in Tunic? Uh, no. no comment. Well, that's that happening then. No. The presence or absence of trains at this The train forms are up our ass. We get train tracks in Overland. All right. All right, I'll say in. It. Well, we are going to send it on uh, home. we got one more segment after this one. So everyone hang out, strap in, and we'll be back with more fun. <laughs> <laughs> As I said at the beginning of the evening, posture is important. Those old shoulders back a little bit. Try to keep it nice. <laughs> Try not to slump over quite so much this year. That's my goal. What are your E3 goals? Say them all at once. Better posture. Oh, Great. Come on. Great. <laughs> Terrific. Wow. Yeah. Straighten up. Get my friggin' steps in, man. All right. Yeah. No. Get those steps up. Yeah, Absolutely. Sleep somewhere in between, you know, appointments and hanging out with people. Yeah. I have yet to discover how to do that. Great. Yeah, it, it's good to have goals at E3. Uh, thanks, everyone, for coming out. we got Tina here from IGN. From IGN. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen you Every since Every time I'm here, you... I'm like, at a different outlet. Yeah. That, that is how <laughs> this business works. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, hey. That's... No, it's cool. I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea Stark, uh, <laughs> with the, the, is it, it's The Verge, right? Oh, yeah, it's The Verge. The okay. Verge. This year's The Verge. Mm, no. No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chris Plant is here. Also, technically, you moved to the Verge. No, I'm, I'm in Polygon now. Polygon now. We're Polygon. I thought you very hurtful. Yeah, I, I like found in it, and then uh, and then the Verge, and then I was like, you know what? Video Actually, game. What if I just keep changing every time? That's a that's a smooth. Yeah. Move. Yeah. That's how you keep the career interesting. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's Bouncing what I'm saying. back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing morbid about this profession. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't look at, like, you know, people in their 50s and wonder, will I die before then? <laughs> Probably. This is Maybe. starting on a tiny really set of kids, so yeah. I hope I have good life insurance. I don't really know what our policy is. Don't worry. Terrific. It's, it's probably fine for now. Yeah, sure. Speaking of probably fine, Pat Gill is here. Hi. Wow. I thought you were going to go that way, so I'm sort of caught up. Yeah. No. Posture is fantastic. Yeah, no, the, my goal is the posture thing, too. Great. Yeah. Awesome. From, it's GameSpot, right? No. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Mike Mahardy is here. Yes. Fresh off the stage. Yeah. Yes. Tiring. But it's fun. Yeah. And, and Brian Feldman, of, it's New York Magazine, correct? Yeah, New York Magazine, Select All. Awesome. America's foremost gaming publication. That's, that's what they all say. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. Let's talk about this show, huh? Y'all been covering it. You've been doing this video game thing. Uh-huh. Tina, you're uh, at a large publication. 
the insightful. Imagine Games Network. <laughs> we don't want to call it that, but what? Yeah, it's Igna. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, Snowball. Okay, I got it. Uh, IGN64.com. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's what we're going with. Uh, they used to have great Mr. Bean ads. <laughs> For real, like 1996 Shockwave ads. You were like, I didn't thought I was just going to read about 1090 snowboarding. And then out of fucking nowhere, yeah. Mr. Bean shows up. With like and you're like, you got guy. me again, Mr. Bean. <laughs> you did you it. motherfucker. <laughs> you keep your thumb here, and then one minute's there. And, you know. See, the IGN ads I remember, uh, because when we were at GameSpot, there, you, there was like, <laughs> yeah, um, they were McDonald's ads, oh. and it was headshots of the editors all saying what their favorite McDonald's food was. Oh, and it was, the thing, it was like, it was that thing you could look at and go, never do this. We actually still do that. It's just Burger King now. Okay, wait, no, you mean pancake <laughs> Can I share an IGN story with you that I totally forgot? Let's until this hear very it. moment. Yes. Oh, good. When I was a child. <laughs> wait, what did they do to you? Reading IGN, I entered a contest and forgot about it for a Game Boy game of my choice. And a man from IGN called our house. My dad answered it. And he screamed, stop calling us, you pervert. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he said, I was like, what's going on? And he's like, a man keeps calling saying that you can have any Game Boy game you want. <laughs> and he's from the internet. <laughs> and I ended up getting Mission in, wait, Mission, no, Men in Black for the Game Boy Color. That's a great choice. It was oh, a great, really nailed it. Yeah. Really good choice game. of any Game Boy game of your choice. <laughs> I think they gave it a 4.5. <laughs> Which IGN score. Sorry. <laughs> Before my time, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's easy to write that stuff off. That's like either before or actually, yeah. honestly, I, I claim nothing. Uh, when I think back to stuff from that time, it's actually fairly easy for me to write that stuff off, even if I was there at the time. It was a different time. It was a very. It was a different time. time. It, it things have really changed. Yeah, it really was. Now you might give them a five point five. Yeah. Well, Drag. I'll re-review it just for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to. Please do don't it. let me review it. <laughs> so, how has the show been been going? Covering it with with IGN, with uh, this list large. Previously, uh, I mean, you know, like you've been at Kotaku, you've been at... Yeah, you know, it's so different. Stuff. Yeah. I used to be, like, scrambling, just, like, in a hotel lobby, kind of cramming with everyone, which was really cool. It's, like, really team-building. Um, mm -hmm. And now it's, it's super fancy, if I may say. And I'm completely spoiled, and uh, it's great. We have, like, a booth. Um, we have a war room. Yep. Uh, we were streaming on Disney, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. They didn't love everything that was shown. Um, so, you know, I'm That's sure Disney people saw. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the most spoiled thing other than the grapes they feed you <laughs> while you're right? We get catered breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, and it's actually pretty good. Wait, yeah. you guys I'm don't? Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. They're all crackers yeah. in the <laughs> way, way too much. You I'm smaller sites should get bought by one of these big ones. <laughs> the minute you get exhibitor badges, yeah. you just get to fucking show up. Man, yeah. as the company that bought one up.com, let me tell you, it always works out well. <laughs> Every time. We just, oh, no, it is, it is God, a lot of work, what have though. I done? <laughs> it's definitely a lot of work. I've been doing a lot of um, live stream stuff, which, like, 100% like respect for everyone who does it. You guys doing it 24-7 is crazy. My voice is already gone. Yeah. Um, I've only been on a couple segments. It's it's so impressive to see, and I'm it's an opportunity for me to learn how to do that kind of stuff and like be more comfortable on camera. Mm. Um, and it's cool. I just, I love it. I get, it's like I get to learn more in the career I've been doing for like ten years, which is yeah. a cool thing to say. Cool. I, uh, but we need to actually like you know look Gamespot and IGN long time. You know it's not quite the, what it was. 
There was a time well, we can there was real violence there, but but I want to wait. I want to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that was a gesture. I thought we were. I want to. I want to. I want the can actual comparison fight? here. What was your catering like today for lunch? Um, I actually missed our lunch because I was running from Game Scoop, and I completely forgot that we had lunch catered. And then I went to the show uh, to our booth, and all my writers are sitting there diligently like plugging away. So I went and I got them. Uh, this weird like teriyaki quesadillas and just like mm-hmm. off that sounds way better. Yeah. Mahardi, were you there when the lunch was served in the booth? Yeah, we got those. They're like tacos, steak tacos, but the steak wasn't cut up into steak manageable pieces. They were real full <laughs> steaks that you <laughs> put inside taco yeah. shells. Exactly. It was I, a horrible I, idea. It was like yeah, it was. So essentially, I ended up I had to get a, a fork and a knife. Yes, I had a steak and then I just ate a plain taco shell. Yeah. Because hmm. I felt like I was shortchanging myself. I didn't have both. <laughs> yeah. It worked out though. I got some beans, some rice. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is the best I've eaten in like four yeah. days. Oh, it's better than any meal I ever have in my own apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Plant, uh, we we cut a bean in half. <laughs> yeah, and then we yeah. found one of those uh, the plastic sticks that they used to give to dogs. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in my mouth on one end. Yeah. And then he put it on the mouth. Well, on now the, the other. story is just sweet. Yeah, but you missed the feeding trough of Cliff Bars that I laid out for everyone. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, I literally be, because like you know that that is how the show goes. Like you're like I never know what I'm gonna eat. I have a bag inside my bag with like 20 Cliff Bars in it. And I carry all of them with me at all times in case I need to eat 20 Cliff Bars. Because sometimes it's like, no. You I'm... have a different flavor, like a bunch of different flavors, and you only have one flavor. Well, good look. I mean, yeah, let's look at them. It's really... Oh, yeah, let's look at all the Cliff Bars. Flowering, <laughs> Chris. Open the bag. Brian, how, how's the show been for you? It, it seems like, you know, are you kind of like a, a solo operation for... Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's a very I, dramatically different experience. Yeah. I'm mostly here to cover one game, so I have not been to the show yet. I've been covering Fortnite. Oh, okay. So, All right. At the tournament yeah. today yeah. and the party. Okay. We're, we're entire, uh, pull out your party sticks, everybody. Party sticks! Party sticks. Fortnite party sticks. Yeah. If you want to know what the Fortnite party was like, imagine going to a party where Vince now we go and Marshmello were playing and then going to an Xbox kiosk and just playing Fortnite on it. Right. Um, Pretty good. I liked when Vince fun. Staples was like, um, hey, Fortnite, 60 FPS, Wi-Fi. <laughs> To be in here, gamers, and then like transition to his next song, and it's like, man, they paid you well, but not enough to care right now. It's like, you, I mean, you're not I even exaggerating. ball. Uh, oh well, on yeah. the way out, the DJ was like, this party is twisted, like <laughs> twisted hours. <laughs> Like what? That's not even the thing. I you didn't even get the twisted, name like, right. Twisted the ICP affiliation. I, I will say that yeah. DJ was Marshmallow, one of the most famous DJs in the world. Yeah, but this um, is still Marshmallow without a W on the end. Yeah, and with an E. Oh. An A is an E. I didn't Chance the rapper break Fortnite embargo? Yeah. When he said it was on Switch? Yeah. The sentence I never thought Switch I would on, say. Like Switch Fortnite tomorrow. Yeah. That's and it wasn't even the next now. day. He just he got his day. Yeah. It's like I gotta tweet this. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the day's right. He just, he just heard... Uh, I really want to know how many millions they spent on that party, because it was, it was huge. That, it was freaking Coliseum, and it was empty, which is weird. There were people lined up outside. There were, like, people throwing tantrums when we were trying to get in. There, this guy was like, I've been waiting a line 45 minutes. And I was like, what? why? There's nothing in here. Did you collect the stickers? Was so big. Uh, no, out. I didn't even get one of those maps. Oh, they make what? people I, collect stickers. So, they uh, like a bunch stickers. of, like, fun... The middle detector situation was really bad, so as soon as I got past it, I was like... It was also unnerving because, yeah, they asked you to collect five silver stickers, four gold ones, and one rare one, which results in random people going around this dark venue looking under things for stickers, which if you're worried about, like, you know, bad stuff, 
Oh. <laughs> I can tell the difference between somebody like, oh, I'm just going to lift up this rock and leave my bag here and, like, Bad stuff. Okay. Also, wait. Yeah. Bad, there were, no, bad stuff. There were stickers on the drink cups. Were those the same stickers? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Someone yes. came up to one of our friends and was like, are you using that sticker on your cup? Yeah. It was a lot. And what did you get too. for completing the sticker set? It there were giant... There were large chests, and if you had a completed battle pass, they would open the chest, and I have no idea what was in them. Then staples. Oh. Mm-hmm. And w- this was a party for attendees V3, or was it like a larger public thing? Was I believe I think it was invited. Yeah, wasn't it? Because it was huge. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed it like it was, a, it was a gigantic venue. Yeah. And there were a lot of custom empty, balloons. It was so big. It was so big. But also <laughs> yeah. at the same time, like literally nobody, there was a dance floor. That All right, let's see what we got here. Yes. Oh, my God. Whoa. Wow, just right on your lap. Every flavor. Oh, Quest Bar. Who wants yogurt raisins? Whoa. Too bad, because they're mine. <laughs> PS Quest Bars are the worst. Uh, yeah, I know, but they sometimes... They fuck guts right up. Yeah, no, sometimes I need my guts fucked right up because <laughs> it's a long day. Yeah. Are you one just, of those people that, that like... make it a longer day? What? Yeah, that's just... Hey. Do you force the shit? No. What? No, this oh. is... Was this, this like a burnout no, bad shit? No, I, I just figured we had something in common. I got almonds. I got Quest Bars. I got more almonds. I got these vanilla yogurt raisins. Uh, uh, I respect you for the raisins, but then they're vanilla yogurt. I, I would I would just as soon eat regular raisins. I got these white chocolate macadamia yeah, that one's good. bars. It's probably my favorite. Did they stop making power bars? I don't know. No, I, they still I, do. I stole this bulletproof like lemon cookie bar from <laughs> my wife. Uh, sorry. More quest bars and can this be the next thirty minutes? (laughs) We need a review. There's there's some cocoa roast almonds and some natural ones. Really, really good. Yeah, but sometimes you inhale the dust and it's like you're coughing a lot, and I don't like that. Who likes coughing? And if you have E3 voice like I do, right? Yeah, no, the dust definitely does not help the voice. Mm so uh, in what situation are you going to eat all of that at one sitting to be prepared for? I get bored. Do you really bring a bag that is just for your dumb bars? <laughs> I thought you were exaggerating. No, it, it, don't forget his dumb No, bag. I love it. I. You never he, He's prepared. No, no it's true, but like that he, bag looks like it's meant to contain heat and or cold. It is. It's my lunch bag. I bring it to work with sandwiches in it. Oh, oh okay. Now I understand. And I dump it out. Why is that adorable? But it's it is. Really cute. Now yeah. I imagine you just going around E3 like feeding the hungry people. Like, no, nope, just me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, I didn't even bring it to the show floor because uh, hearing That's about everyone. their bag check policy this yeah. year. Uh, Most so, people aren't allowed to bring food, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, you know, with exhibitor badges, I can figure I can kind of slip mm-hmm. something in. Yeah. Big but, shot. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Are like, what rules. are you gonna do, me? <laughs> I got these quest bars. Come on, man. Yeah. You need it for work. Yeah, these are for work. These booths, my booth needs these quest bars. I'm working. I'm a teamster. They would only take them if they were actually good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, they are good. I don't know. The macadamia nut one is... Yeah. Hey, yeah. No, it's the real good. One, I, could, I could get into that. Yeah. So just literally just covering Fortnite then. I mean, and, I mean, like the, battle ro- the, and the battle royale trend okay. in general. Yeah. So, like, Fortnite is the hook, but it, I assume there's going to be more games like it. I, it seems like they, that someone would try. It seems yeah. like there hasn't... Like, that was going to be our gag. It was gonna, Every time in a press conference someone said about something about battle royale... We we're gonna check the board, and I got to like two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we didn't watch the PC gaming one where I think there were like three more. There yeah. were a lot yeah. more in there. Uh, I think the trick is that every thing with a chip in it can run Fortnite now. So. Right. Yeah. So which I imagine at some point just need? scares everyone off. They're like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. Tuck your chains in. Fortnite's coming. The uh, <laughs> the celebs yeah. versus streamers uh, 
tournament was weird, though, because all the kids there really liked the streamers way more than the celebs. Who were the celebs? Joel McHale. It was like Joel McHale was like... Oh, Joel McHale. I thought you said Angel um, McHale. I was like, this is... I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> ben Staples, yeah. who I assume they got to participate by paying him to do a concert also. Okay. Um, Boy, Xavier Woods is there. Oh, he's, he's a lovely, lovely yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Janita Gallencar of Battlefront 2. Uh, and then it gets way more not A-list. Sure. Nice. The bassist yeah. from Fall Out Boy. Okay. Yeah, Pete Wentz is there. Yeah. Oh, Pete. Yeah. Hey, he was oh. going down, down. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much Billy Zane. Yeah. Please don't make me sit here. That's, uh... Did you watch the PC gaming show? I did, yeah. You, you know what my favorite part of that was? Which part? When it opened with a giant game with a beautiful sci-fi setting, and the entire point of the game was to make boxes <laughs> that contained stuff and then made other stuff. And it looks... Honestly, yeah. it makes that good, but it also is the most easy <laughs> gaming yeah, thing I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go after that space, like, do it. No, yeah. go get the go get the games yeah. and show them. Yeah. My favorite part was, and, and uh, yeah, it's a my favorite part was so they have the the two hosts, one on the stage and then one up like in a balcony, and they would throw up to the balcony, and then you would see the stage go dark in, in the background. The balcony was overlooking. The shot was overlooking. You see the stage go dark, and you see the host just kind of walk slowly to the background, <laughs> and, and then it would block back up, and then walk, you know, be back out for the next thing and stuff. It was this fun transition. I just, you know, video production stuff is the stuff I laugh at. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like... Imagine that. Ah, yeah. We did a similar thing, and all of us, when we were kind of faded out, decided to do little dances, except for me, because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this on camera. Is, not is, a, how you, is this how you dance? I You're dance for a camera. camera? It's like kind of a, <laughs> it's like, kind of a, yeah. Like a, kind of do a. <laughs> bring the quest bars out. This is the rest of the show. All right, yeah. Bars <laughs> <laughs> dancing for the next 35 minutes. That's what we're gonna do here. Just play girl from Even You, then. Just go off. Pat, what's the show been like for you? Have you been? Honestly, been spending most of the time at the Airbnb, like streaming and editing and stuff like that. Okay. But today I made it to the, the show, uh, and it was fun. Uh, are we allowed to talk about Spider-Man? I didn't. Yeah, we can talk about it. I don't know why we yeah, can't talk about it. Spider-Man yeah. fucking I played it. Yeah, I played it. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't I was not expected to be excited for Spider-Man, but Same it like here. totally reignited like that Spider-Man 2 yeah. like on PS2 feeling that I missed so very badly. Like, just seeing the gameplay at the press conference, I think, was the thing that, that really got me aboard. Before, it was like, oh, this looks nice, but like who yeah. knows? It looks like a cutscene. It, right. it looks like you know there'll be a bunch of button prompts on this or something. Right. And then, yeah, seeing it for reals, you're like, okay, no, you're, you're, this is... This is looking all right? Yeah, I was hanging out at The Last of Us after the press show there. I was in the Sony booth, and I was like, oh, well, this, this console's free. And I sat down, and I started just moving around, and it's like, there's like all these side missions and stuff like that. And I'm like, so now, my, my point is that my E3 is now Spider-Man. Now, that's all I'm thinking about is, is Spider-Man. I don't even care about Spider-Man. I just care about swinging. Yeah. September. Yeah. Your yeah. time is coming. Yeah. Uh, and, and, Mike, you were mostly hosting yeah right so the games came to you yeah it's, it always, nice. it's a pretty food the steak yeah the yeah it was nice. the grapes <laughs> the grapes what's the <laughs> best meal you've had at so far? the best meal at e3 probably that uh tartar the yesterday that we tartar had. We didn't i don't know but uh that, that was yeah that that's a kind of a sweet gig yeah to be able to just sit there and very nice and let the the games come to you a little bit yeah so i it was Lucy James and I, and we got this. I think we started off with Spider-Man, so I was kind of in the same situation. I grew up on Spider-Man, then I trailed off for like 20 years, but then I got back into it this morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 
I was also weirdly kind of intrigued by Forza Horizon 4. I'm not really into yeah. racing games, but, yeah. like, I played Forza Horizon 3, like, kind of to relax every once in a while. Yeah. And it sounds like they've, they're pretty open about the fact that most people play those games like that. So this one's weather, like, works real time. So if you play it in the winter, it'll be winter in the game. And then, like, three months later, it'll be warmer weather and stuff, which sounds cool. But uh, other than that, I saw Cyberpunk. Oh. Yeah, really so it sounds like everyone, we have not taken our demo yet, but it sure sounds like that thing. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. It's, it was exhausting. It was an hour. And then yeah. after that, there's just a lot to absorb, for yeah. sure. And how much of that is, like, someone playing a video game? The whole thing. Okay. Yeah. 50 uh, minutes, I heard. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was like, we were in there for an hour. It was 50 minutes from the pause menu. Do create a character quick. Do like a few side quests, and like they show how like full like main quest loop back in on themselves. Yeah, the whole thing was gameplay though. Or someone behind us was but the controller. But it felt really real and like yeah. Maybe out. I had to remind myself that someone was sitting behind us with a controller. I forgot his name. It was some some Polish name I can't pronounce. And <laughs> like, but he was good at the game, but like just bad enough where it felt very real. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what you want. I feel like, yeah. like sometimes yeah. like yeah. Yeah. Like like when the uh, the like Call of Duty like disconnected yeah. during the E3 press conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. Hey. Are you are you a disconnect truther? You think that was you think that was a false flag? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, maybe I had a view of the stage at the point and I can see that there was nothing on the screen to begin with. Wow. But I've been told where I was sitting, you just wouldn't be able to see the screen. Yeah, okay. But I think it was all just a big show. Think. Like you were at Sony, right? You went to the conference? Not well this time, yeah. yeah. Yes. Wasn't that was it like ludicrous? Wait, was the wasn't the Sony, Sony conference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saw you, yeah, yeah it was concert. not great. It's kind of. I just heard it was the only E3 conference I've ever been to. It was oh very weird. Yeah, they're like funneling you between rooms. Yeah. Brian, yeah. Yeah, that's your first E3 yeah. press conference. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what, what's really everything is like that about it. Is you're like sitting outside, right, in the yeah. courtyard, and then you go up fabricated stairs, and then there's like a, a hole that you go into, yeah. and you're like, wait, this doesn't feel right. How would I go up three floors to enter a hole in the side of a building? That's not how buildings work. No. So then you go inside and you're in a church. And you're like, oh, man, this, this is a weird church. Not sure why they would build this structure here. Uh, wait, the floor doesn't feel very solid. Oh. More people come into it. And you look at the ceiling and you're like, wait, I'm not in a building. I'm in a fake building. Ugh. And they're shoveling more and more warm bodies in. Yeah. This feels like one of those things that like cuts you in the news chopper, and it's like, well, it was the day the music died for nerds everywhere, yeah. as 40 journalists nobody cared about and 120 other nerds collapsed. Yeah, it, watching it because you know we we sat here, it was very nice, uh, and watching that thing unfold. I, you know, we'd heard going in that it was going to be a very different type of show, both from what they announced and just, like, word around was like, eh, it's going to be a very different thing. And, but I was not prepared for yeah. what their different thing was going to be. Yeah. Also, like, that, that Last of Us 2 trailer, or gameplay or whatever, yeah. it was very, very well made. Yep. Very, very well made. I'm, I'm sure, like, if I was watching it at home, I would have, like, really enjoyed it. But, like, after getting, like shoveled into this thing and you're hot and you're surrounded by uh, largely sweaty bros and then you turn that on and the whole time during like the pseudo romance thing leading into it it's like (laughs) and then then the violence kicks in and it's like sweet release and every man is like oh look at Oh, like, 
that's the very end, literally, somebody loudly was going, cut off his head. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my. That was Sean Blake. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I can't hold it against the game. Like, the, my problem is not with the game. I mean, uh, you know, pretty extreme. Hey, you know. But, 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 but you're good. Holy cow, you're do. it really takes care of the drama when people are just like, oh, I mean, like, it is truly an erotic. Like, was, was someone cranking it? What I mean, that was someone, everybody was cranking Could you hear the audio Figures. on the stream? Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it? No, the, the the, sometimes. No, not the audio. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes oh, okay. you could hear the audio. Very, yeah. uh, you, yeah. the, the audio of the trailer got doubled up, but we didn't hear. I can, um, I can see why they cut it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, when uh, the two girls kissed, uh, it was very like '80s, like ooh, um, reaction. Followed by the next step. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like the it's like being in the worst kind of laugh track, but everybody's yeah. about to just have like a very horny like violence boner. It's like the weirdest episode of Happy Days. When when y'all were streaming it, did you uh, did you? Cut away from the conference for the part where they we were streaming through. I, I would normally watch your your extremely extremely good streaming content. Thank Did you cut away from the part where they're just sitting at the desk for 20 minutes getting people out of that hell church? No, the next area? <laughs> no, no, we stayed on that whole thing because I was like, no, I, I need to see what the fuck they're doing here. Yeah, uh, and and they you know they went through a few more games there and then Did, didn't show that to the crowd who was actually at the press. Did they show the outdoor area? Yeah. No. So between the church, I mean, you yeah. describe it. Uh, so you go out of the church, and it's like a wooden walkway over like a serene pond or whatever, leading into the samurai thing. This is yeah. in L.A.? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the sound? They built Oh, it. wait. The pond was just like a tarp filled with an inch of water. Um, I went back and got a good yeah. look at it. But, <laughs> uh, then they lead you into this like very cool amphitheater uh, with like a big like flower screen. I think yeah. You guys yeah. We saw the, yeah, um, see the flower screen. It felt to me like when we went across the pond on the on the fake wooden thing, there, there was also a huge screen. And for a second, my thought was, "Oh shit, they're gonna do this for every game." Yeah, I, was, I, I, thought, really I thought that was, I was game. I, sure. I, I figured they would have multiple intermissions, and every game would be in a different room. Yeah. You guys would have and been in like the black slime room for oh, Death Stranding, and just like oh, with also you could have to be like this in the room. <laughs> Everyone gets a baby. Right. Yeah. You're you could see from you the walkway like the New York Cityscape they had planned for the party. Oh yeah. So you were like, "Is this going to be every game?" Yeah. It wasn't, thankfully. Uh, question about it been better if it was, if they had committed to it fully and, and then had like four areas. I, and as somebody who felt like maybe. something could go wrong at any moment, <laughs> I am sure you know. <laughs> maybe they like, just wanted everyone to bond, you know, it's like a team building. Experience. I don't think people there wanted to bond. <laughs> Has anybody gotten a scoop on what the the, uh, the the flute man, what the deal with him was? Because he was he was a trip. The, the guy who was playing the, the long mm. flute solo for the mm. intro there. He was yeah. wandering around the party afterwards. And like oh, I am all still playing, or just like uh, he was hey, still, what's up, bro? He was still at his uh, get some sliders. Herbs. Was it like when you're at a restaurant and like there's a musician that comes to your table and like starts to play their violin? No, he was good. I was very surprised he was still there. Yeah, fully dressed up. He's collecting stickers for an entire. He got paid in full. Yeah, so still playing it. He had the stickers all on his his stick. Uh, I, I have a question. Yeah, go for Do it. Do we know what Death Stranding is, slash, is it a delivery game, slash, did 
Hideo Kojima come up with that idea because he's like, ah, baby delivery. <laughs> I don't know, delivery game. Yeah, no, absolutely. What well, if Norman Reedus was a stork? That's yeah. probably the well, I, I thought the deal... I, I, I think the conclusion we came to, and I think there might be some interviews that support this, or maybe I just made that part up, uh, <laughs> was that every time you die in the game, you are a different Norman Reedus. So considering there's a thing in that game that makes people age and die, mm -hmm. the baby is just a clone of Norman Reedus. That he keeps safe? That he keeps safe because it's your, it's your extra life. And so... If you die as Norman Reedus, you probably die by getting old super fast, which means it's going to age the baby up to become the new Norman Reedus, and then that one has to eat one of the weird worm pills to grow another baby. That's my guess. Fucking, I don't know. I can live forever. Yeah. Would you eat a We live forever through our children. Also, can I say the him ripping off his toenail was worse oh. than anything in the Last of Us Two trailer? Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. There was, yeah. Yeah. no, that's the, uh, <laughs> there was a lot more sound from the audience for the toenail yep. thing than any of the telegraphs. Yeah. No, that's a pain that I understand. Yeah. Yeah. like I've I have rarely stabbed someone directly in their neck. Yeah, and I don't really know but what it feels like. I can say it doesn't hurt as much. The whole as the thing. The whole toenail? No, I never have. But I, I've had bad situations with toenails that really fucking sucked. Mm. And so I imagine any time that does happen. It's got to be the worst thing ever. I've been around people who've done it. I don't know, man. Have you ever watched those videos where people peel scabs and they pop, like, pus pustules? Yeah. Oh, you know I watch those videos. <laughs> They're great. They're, it's like a really great corner of the internet. That's, yeah. But, like, I kind of felt like the like same thing with that. I don't know. It's like I that know. I know. I'm very familiar. I yeah. now know way more about my coworker. Dr. Pimple Popper is a nice... <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, like, a tool. Sandra? It's like a circle, yeah. and it goes around it, and then... She got her oh my gosh. show. On, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was on CISO. It's kind of like body tremors. Like, yes. not tremors not shaking like, but like tremors. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah, a, it's like an arch, yeah. arched metal thing for yeah. blackheads specifically that mm. you press against it and then once it this comes out, knows. pull it. You gotta yeah, she's, that'd be a game. She understands. Yeah. That's Death Stranding. Okay. I was, Great. when I saw the foot stuff, I was grossed out for a second and then I, I was grossed out on another level when I realized that like, Knowing what I know about Hideo Kojima, like, he definitely actually wanted to model Norman Reedus' feet for that. Like, he probably has a 3D printout of Norman Reedus' feet. And then yeah. what does it say Fuck. about yeah. that specific thing that the monsters all have hands for feet? That's, that's a very good point that <laughs> I didn't even consider. The uh, only perfect foot is Norman Reedus' foot, and any other attempt at that is, like, blasphemy, so we better use our hands. Yes. Uh, did anyone see the terrifying Norman Reedus on the, on the, in the Sony booth? Yes. Oh, is it was just like a statue? It's there, yeah. It's a life. It life. was. Yeah. It was at the thing yesterday, also, and everyone was lined up for it. And of course. I'm like sitting on the side, just like enjoying my dinner or whatever, watching these thousands of people lined up to yeah. take a picture with a statue. Uh, and then I'm scrolling through Twitter and see Kojima tweeting about like we like modeled the statue this way, and he's like talking about how they created it or whatever. And I was like. Shit, I need to take a picture with the statue now. Right, yeah. When he you put see, like, so much like, thought into it. So much work went into making this statue, such a statue. They would not let you touch it. Isn't that just what wax museums are? Like, that's the whole... I guess so. I don't know. I went to the first PAX South, and we walked past the Alamo, and across the street from the Alamo was a wax museum, and they had a really good John Cena. Huh. <laughs> like a wax figure in real life. Coming so back. it's probably pretty good. <laughs> I interviewed John Cena years ago. Uh -huh. yeah. and Wait, how did you do that when you couldn't see him? No, this was before, you, this is when he was still visible. This oh. was, he was rapping. He was a, a doctor of thugging on Yeah, this okay, is when got he, it, got he got it. his doctorate. Got and it was the night before he beat the big show. For, anyway. Dr. Cena, yes. Yes. And uh, he didn't look waxy. 
No? I asked him when his album was dropping. <laughs> he sure seemed, it wasn't he just seemed him? to be excited about it. I mean, the time was up. Yeah. Uh, his time was now. Literally. Oh, his time was the next day, really. Sure. But, uh, and he, I, I would say he did not seem especially waxy. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. days, who can say? Sure. My introduction to John Cena was in The Marine. Mm, yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Fantastic movie. It's, yeah. I, I would you say it's probably, I would say it is the best WWE films film. Are there others? There's oh, Cena yeah. Evil, Hurricane. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. There's the one where Rusev points a gun at Dolph Ziggler. Right. There's that one. Yeah. Sure. Uh, which actually might be the best one, but I haven't seen it. I, I it sure looks like a because it looks like, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, and then uh, what else? There's that 12 rounds one where Dean Ambrose. I think actually, actually, that I think that might be the the Rusev gun movie. Didn't they like also? You know, never mind. Let's not go down. This is <laughs> the equivalent of someone who re- has read all the Halo books or something, but you guys have watched all the, the associated WWE. Yeah, but you wouldn't believe the hijinks Master Chief gets into. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, John. Uh, John gets up to no good. That little scamp. You learn about John as a kid. You're like, man, what a tragic upbringing. I don't know. I didn't actually read any of the Halo books. They actually took him. I'm not joking. Oh, my God. No, no, no. no. I'm I'm not joking. They took him off of a playground and replaced him with a clone. I'm not kidding. Like the last Starfighter. The Fall of Reach. True. Yeah. Yeah. Canonically, (laughs) yes, I've seen alleged screen caps from a Halo novel that his suit cranks him off. Oh, I don't know that. (laughs) My understanding is that that is the case. Really? Yeah. Because I, I, or someone made that up and fooled both of us. But I'm yeah. pretty sure that. <laughs> Did you make it up now? Karen yeah. Travis goes off on some tangents in her. Yeah. Her book. Did they say what's going on in Halo Infinite, or are we just giving them? That was it. That wasn't it's in the just game. The yeah. Yeah, Frank him off <laughs> forever. That's why he's got to get Cortana back? Yeah. We're uh, here now. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the, the only thing they've really said about it, like officially, was, hey, this is set after you know, this is the continuing adventures of the Master Chief. After Halo 5, so... I heard from some people that they wanted... A lot of people wanted to just call it Halo, a la, like, God of War. Yes. But then higher ups on the team were saying, no, we need this subtitle, the infinite subtitle. (laughs) They were like, listen, games in an infinite do very well. And don't close studios. (laughs) (laughs) There's Doom Eternal, Halo Infinite. Yeah, That's all I got. Just, it, at some point they just hated numbers. Yeah, well, Super Smash Brothers old Fallout seventy six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, okay, I yeah. think that's, that's a, a number. It's I think that's oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like five. <laughs> it is true. Seventy six is not five. <laughs> I can definitely confirm that here for you now. This uh, is the words of somebody who thinks they'll live forever. Seventy six, basically infinite. Yeah. <laughs> What's the highest number? <laughs> It's 76. That sounds like something a 20-year-old can say, 100%. Yeah. Uh, is Doom Infinite? Sorry, sorry, Doom... Eternal. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Is it a fully new game? It's a sequel, yeah. 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 It's, okay. they, to it's, the reboot. It's pretty much like a, when Hugo Martin was saying, like, are you ready for Hell on Earth? That was the original subtitle for, mm. for Doom 2. Yeah. Doom 2, too, would have been just a good name. Yeah. Doom 76. Yeah, there you go. Just throw any number on that thing. Who cares? Yeah, at this point. Yeah, no, I... I think it's kind of cool that they're just getting away from numbers because at some point, once the numbers get high enough, they sound meaningless. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm never going to play that game. Like, Final Fantasy VII? What the fuck is a seven? (laughs) What do you mean? Xbox One sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no, but... 
No, you're right. Yeah, it's sad. It's not as great. But you notice that now they just say Xbox everywhere on of all the branding. They don't write out Xbox One. It's just like Xbox, which they, should have been the name of that. Do they still put Xbox One All-in-One Games and Entertainment System in the press releases? I bet they totally do. God, ugh. That's that's got to be. You know why change now? Why? Yeah. You gotta. <laughs> you still you know, got that HDMI import, so you better use it. Right. Oh God, they, I I thought for sure they would have eliminated that thing on the X. Just be like, hey, look. You're not using this. It'll save us upwards of a dollar ninety-eight on the manufacturing cost to pull this port out. Let's just. But when you add up all the people who buy it, few hundred dollars. A lot of savings. <laughs> yeah. You could go get something like a. I'm just kidding. A lot of people buy Xboxes. You just won't know because they never release the numbers. King of Sting over here. Damn. Did Did any of you? There were some words going around. Uh, some stuff going around before the show about an Xbox One X price cut. Like people had like you know these fries and and some of these other mailers saying it was going to go to three forty nine. Did any of you put in the work to run that down and see if that was not just someone photoshopping shit or if that was like legit and then got pulled at the last minute? I'm trying to figure out that bit. We don't have anything confirmed on it, but yeah. it would make sense. You know what, the Xbox One X, is I have switched to it, surprisingly, because if I don't actually play a lot of the backwards compatible games, yeah. but it is really nice when I, I got it, and I was like, ah, why did I do this? And then I turned it on, and it was like, you have several hundred games sitting here that yeah. you forgot about. Totally. They're all actually pretty good. Gate 3 on an Xbox One X looks Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, same yeah. with Red Dead. Yeah, yeah. And, Red Dead does look and really good. And I, when I get home, I'm gonna play some Skate Three because they supposedly turn the servers back on. It is one of those things where everybody's like, "Oh, best game on the system is Skate Three and Red Dead this fall." And it's like, actually, yeah, like, sounds like a pretty good it, fall. Like, should yeah. they ever solve the Skate thing? Like, people were talking about Skate Four, and they turned the servers back on, and then nothing. And that's it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the end of that story uh, mm-hmm. for now, anyway. Weird. Who knows? But you got Session. Yes. Yeah, Session. Would you uh, say that they released the best session. SSX on backwards compatibility? Tricky. Which one is out? It's Tricky. Yeah. Tricky is the best. They Tricky. did not release that on backwards compatibility. It is? But it is the best one. I'm just speeding because I know he has an obsession. They only, they only released the, that last one, the Deadly Descent, the one that was. No, no, they, they did that, and they also did three, three the open world. Three got like a 4K oh, okay. update oh, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> wow. It's old. <laughs> they went back and they made all the assets fresh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crisp. Like some of that stuff, the choices around it must, you know, maybe it's just like a licensing thing, and they're like, oh, we, well, you know, it, it would cost us money to put Tricky back out. So. They have an offspring song in that, and yeah, surely that would. No, that, <laughs> you saw what they did to Sega. We can't afford that kind of business. Activision barely survived the revival of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, Tricky's got. David Arquette and Oliver Platt in it. And you got to pay them. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's you want to put know. it back out. Like, plastic like royalty. Macy like, Gray's in it. Yeah. But, like, that's really? the, yeah. the, the dumb yeah. shit about backwards compatibility is that's the sort of stuff that could actually totally prevent it from ever coming out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, they just pulled a bunch of songs from GTA V, right? Right. Four. Yeah. yeah. Four. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Five yeah. still good. Five still good. Yeah. Five. Which, like, yeah, that's, that's awful. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, if you have the disc, you can just, like, put it in and not patch it and play... Launch day GTA 4 with mm. those songs. What if they just oh. replace them with music or like unlicensed covers that they like play in parties? That'd be good. Just like whatever the fuck is on Spotify these days. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, we typed in the song name and these came up and they're good enough. Yeah, it's like chiptune covers and like Christian covers. It'll be fine. I would. Does this mean you have to listen to more of the radio? Which I would be terrified of going back to because of all the political stuff. Then we'd be like, <laughs> George Bush. Yeah. Like, oh. He's the worst we're ever going to get. Where Hillary Clinton is the Statue of Liberty, right? 
Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. I forgot I that about age that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. I, I remember really liking GTA 4 at the time, but I have not revisited it. I can't imagine. I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah. The accents do not hold up. What? Who? <laughs> now you're just being crazy. So what's the, the biggest thing you've uh, seen at the show so far? Like, are, are you running around and taking appointments and stuff? Are you like, hey, this game is my game of the show, all that sort of stuff? Or is it I have like... not run around and taken appointments yet. Tomorrow's Cyberpunk, I feel like cool. that's a big contender. Yeah. Um, I would say The Last of Us because it's literally the same thing behind closed doors, and I'm just really excited about it, so mm-hmm. that's a good one. Cool. Right? Yeah. Like Aren't the they playing the same damn demo? That's a, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like the same thing behind closed doors. So. Uh, yeah. 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 Sony. But it looked really good, and it was extensive, so there's that. Hmm. Chelsea, what's the big stand-up for you? Uh, today, the best things that I played were Hitman 2, mm. which feels exactly like Hitman. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. Pretty, it's like, okay, cool. I can wear a steal a flamingo costume and then go kill someone in a race car. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I'm all for that. And then I played a bunch of Super Smash Brothers, which feels mm. more like Super Smash Brothers. So. The new smoke trails on Smashes are so gorgeous. There's a lot of, like, it does feel like, okay, this is just slightly better than the last one in some um, ways. They made a minimum of 10,000 changes. 10,000? 10,000 characters. Yeah. Yeah. You see that Ganondorf is the ocarina. Ganondorf with a sword. Finally. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, that's, it's like, we're all making fun of it, but then we find one tiny detail to yeah. like, kind of get really nerdy about it. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they've Every, sucked everyone's all got in. Them, but I feel like the, those, a lot of those details are the ones that I already got weird about last time and then didn't play the game much. I did not play much of the last yeah. time either. Um, oh, man, this duck hunt dog, that's the coolest shit ever. And you play it once and go, okay. Yeah, I mean, I played with Ridley, the character that the fans have wanted for, what, a decade or something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was, like, cool, but I was like, all right. He's a cool. He's got a really good clap, really good clap animation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Very. It was fun, but it does feel like kind of only an extension of the last game with every character. All right, Chris, you got anything? Uh, I played Rage Two. Yeah. How? What? What's up with it? Yeah. Uh, remember Bullet Storm? Yeah. Like, yeah. imagine Bullet Storm with much better shooting oh, because shit. it's made by ID, and then there, there's an open world. Apparently, they don't show it, but it plays. I mean, it plays just like Doom 2016 uh, with, like, Bulletstorm slash superpowers. Huh. And it is way, way huh. too generous. I hope, we were talking about this earlier, yeah. I hope they don't balance this out. But you can hold, like, 20 grenades, which if you're the person who's like, I don't use grenades yeah. yep. because I'll, I don't know, I'll need them. Towards the end of the yeah. demo, I was like, oh, I have 20. I guess I'll just use them all at once. That's got to be like a playtesting thing that they did. They probably knew there was people like us out there that was like, oh, like, because you had fucking grenades in Doom, but you never throw them because they're on the fucking cooldown. But like, yeah, when I looked down in the corner, I was like, I have 20 grenades. I'm going to throw some fucking like grenades. Like 15 glaives. Yeah. So you're just like, ah, just, just go murder. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the point of rage, right? You're supposed to be all over the top with that ground slam or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. But I like think about Rage 1, I, I don't remember being like that at all. No. So I thought the point of Rage 1 was to wait for the textures to load in. Yeah, the, one no, the, point, of, the point of Rage 1 <laughs> was to be like, my computer can't run this. What am I even doing? And then turn it off. And then your Xbox just yeah. dry heaves at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. Like, oh, stop, please. <laughs> Pat anything jump out at you? Uh, I'm really, I, I'm a huge Wolfenstein nerd. And, like, when I finished the new Colossus and I was imagining what the next game would be, I was like, Oh, BJ's having kids. Oh, I bet they're going to be fucking cool. And the sequel to it is going to be BJ's twin kids in a co-op game. I don't think it's going. I don't think it's the next 
Do people think it's the next actual new Wolfenstein they, game? They told us today it's not. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the old blood, but right. not right. Right. Like blood yeah. title again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited to see how that shapes Does up. that, so you, oh, you, you claim to be a Wolfenstein nerd. Yes. Does this make it weird for you uh, if they have a game set in the 80s where Nazis are still an issue? Because I have, then you know that in Wolfenstein 3, yes. unless they put us better after this, that BJ doesn't fix the problem. I have theories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Like, like the, not, not to get too far into it, but, like, uh, obviously they've already established split timelines. Totally, yeah. And it, so I can imagine it being a thing where they're sort of using this to establish, hey, if BJ fucks up, here are the consequences for what his kids right. go through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved the last two games so much. So uh, I'm hoping this one's not disappointing, kind of like the old Blood was, but it might be disappointing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. What do you got? I really, really, I have an appointment tomorrow to play Metro Exodus. Cool. And uh, so Last Light is one of my favorite shooters ever made. Uh, and I tell people to play it all the time. We had a lot of Eastern European devs on the stage today between Techland, doing Dying Light, yeah, obviously oh CD Projekt. Dying Light 2 looks so good. Dying Light 2 looks good. But, yeah, Metro Exodus, I have an appointment tomorrow I'm really excited for, based on what we saw today and what they showed. Sounds awesome. It's not like the way that they're kind of doing that. What does Naughty Dog call it? Linear, open, or like linear, open worlds? Yes. Open linear? Open, I don't know. Yeah, it's open, dumb. Yeah. But the, they're doing that. It's like explorable areas, and it takes place over a year. Yeah. You're going across Russia on a train. Sounds really good. At yeah. least you're not in tunnels this whole time. I, I played a little bit of it uh, back last month. Yeah. And, and does the ammo still work as currency like it did? So, no. Um, yeah. They said because they're not doing that because like once you leave the metro tunnels, it doesn't make sense. All of Russia wouldn't use those bullets as currency. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, people really liked it, including myself, yeah. like, damaged bullets. But then they're like, yeah, well, why would Russ, the rest of Russia use those military-grade bullets? They're so good at adding, like, ultra-hardcore mode and stuff. Yeah. I don't play ultra-hardcore in anything except for that Yeah, theory. Spartan mode? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good.